Hi, my name is Chris Brennan, and you're listening to the Astrology Podcast. This is episode 186, and we are starting the recording on, what is it, like Thursday, December 20th, 2018? Sounds correct. Sounds correct. More or less correct at 2.26 p.m. in Denver, Colorado with late Taurus rising. Um, For more information about the podcast and how to subscribe and help help the production of future episodes by becoming a patron, please visit theastrologypodcast.com slash subscribe. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with astrologer Cam White, and we're going to be looking at your horoscope for different rising signs for the month of January of 2018. Uh, hey, Cam, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is your first time on the podcast. I'm really excited. We've got a big day ahead of us. We've got a big task ahead of us. We're going to try to record 12, 15-minute videos of monthly horoscopes and we've uh, got a lot of work, but I think I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. I don't think we're going to try to. I think we are going to. We, we are going to do it. <laughs> this is happening. Uh, so you are uh, you live in Denver. You're an astrologer, and your website is whitelightastrology.com, right? Yeah, whitelightastrology.com. And okay. uh, YouTube, White Light Astrology. And then if you guys are big on Twitter, at whitelightcam, love astrology on Twitter. Definitely. I love your Twitter account, and you've got lots of followers there and always producing great content. And Thank you. You also are a, a horoscoper, a horoscope caster, right? Like you do monthly horoscopes on YouTube? A horoscoper is a new term, but yes, that's yeah. I guess you can call me that. I'm trying to come up with something, something catchy. That's that's the working title right now. Yeah, I think horoscoper could work, but I think we could I could, I could think of something better. You have to give me a little while to think about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. I've been doing horoscopes on YouTube now for a little while. Okay. And you actually just finished recording and uploaded your horoscopes for January in your channel? I finished recording. I didn't get to upload all of them, but I'm going to upload all of them tonight and probably post them either tonight or like tomorrow or something like that. Okay. Brilliant. So you're in for a double header this month. (laughs) You just finished 12 horoscopes on your own. Now you're going to do 12 with me. I really appreciate that. This is an experiment. So last month I did them with Lisa. In previous months, I was doing them on my own. But after building a studio, I really wanted to try experimenting with seeing different astrologers approach and style to doing horoscopes and working together with people to get different perspectives because I thought it would be interesting as sort of an experiment but also useful for the listener to actually just get different approaches to astrology and doing sort of the same thing of looking at the transits each month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean every single astrologer has a different perspective so I think actually combining like two minds to create like the same horoscope I think is a really cool idea. So I'm I'm just super excited to be here and do this. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh you've been helping me this month to pack the posters. So I finally launched the 2019 uh astrology calendar posters like the planetary alignments calendar which is the same sort of um artwork that I use on the monthly forecast episodes as well as some of the artwork that I'm going to use in the video version of this episode. And I just launched that like a week ago. They're available on the astrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters. And you've been helping me to pack, I think, hundreds of them at this point. Hundreds of them. So you guys should definitely support Chris and definitely get these posters. I helped. It has my magic touch on them. Definitely. <laughs> each 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 one literally probably has one of your fingerprints. So it could be, be worth something someday. It, to- it totally could. Right. You, who knows? You could just use my DNA to, you know, do something with whatever you want to. Right. Literally <laughs> clone your own Cam White at some point in the future, like a hundred years from now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm great to have around. Right. <laughs> I I definitely agree with that. All right. So With that introduction out of the way, um, we are going to jump into the horoscopes for January of 2018, uh, starting with Aries. So uh, good luck to us, and (laughs) thanks everyone for listening, and uh, let's, let's get into it. Hi, my name is Chris Brennan, and this is your horoscope for Aries and Aries Rising for January of 2019. Joining me today is Cam White of whitelightastrology.com. Hey, Cam. Hey, Chris. 
And uh, we're going to be going over your transits for the month of January for the next few weeks. We got a lot of stuff. January is a big month. It's actually an explosive month. I th I've heard some people describe it as like 2019 encapsulated into one month. Is that, would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think uh, January is just going to really push everything off, like get everything start with the new year. Um, Cause I mean, 2019 has got some things going on, but I feel like January is just a good push and a good like, Hey, new year, new me, new year's resolutions. Let's get them done. Definitely. And for no, what's funny about this, we're starting with Aries for our recording, but for no sign is that more true than for Aries and Aries rising because the ruling planet of Aries Mars returns to Aries right at the start of the month. Yeah. So, I mean, Aries have had Mars in Pisces in their 12th house, which is just not, um, that's not what Aries want. They want, they want Mars in a really strong sign since you guys are so Mars ruled. And as Mars goes into your first house in Aries, and that's like the night of the 31st, right? Going into the morning of the uh, 1st of January. Right. It's like New Year's Eve. And then like right away it's, it's in. It, yeah. Supercharging your first house. Like Mars is entering his domicile. I mean, he's been in Pisces and Aquarius forever where he, I mean, he's not like he's bad, but he's also not that good. Yeah. I mean, it's just more of a, a slower, more introspective, more, more reserved sort of placement for Mars to be transiting through the 12th. And then suddenly it's in the first, which primarily is associated with both the body and the mind and spirit of the individual. And it can just be a very sort of energizing or rejuvenating type of energy. Yeah. And especially with Mars too, where, I mean, I, I know like the whole idea with Aries sun and Aries rising has a lot more, you know, positively charged energy, a lot more drive and ambition. And I think as Mars goes into Aries, into that first house area, that's going to come a lot more alive and you're going to feel that energy kind of come back alive again. Definitely. So here's the transit chart. I forgot to throw this up for people that we're looking at on the, the monitor over here. But right here over on the left, we see Mars going into Aries. So um, yeah, this is this transit's lasting all month and it's even going to lead over a little bit into February. Mm -hmm. um, it can be a little bit tricky. Like the, the we're talking about the positive sides, which is like additional energy and rejuvenation and just like drive suddenly after a long period of like six weeks of Mars being in Pisces. The downside can sometimes be like greater tendency towards irritability, um, sort of, and, and some of the things that come out of that. So you kind of want to watch your temper and things like that this month. Um, try to avoid doing things too impulsively that you might regret later. Yeah, exactly. Like just, I mean, Mars over your ascendant is just kind of like dealing with some anger, dealing with frustrations. It could be really easy to get caught up in that. And um, but I just think of the overall feeling of Mars being in Aries. It's that the energy to actually change that, you know, you may get a little bit frustrated, maybe a little bit angry, but as long as that's just channeled, I mean, this is Mars and Aries, go work out, go, you know, throw something, go exert energy. And that, you know, that usually leaves the, uh, the frustration and things like that, that you can experience with that. Sure. Definitely. In terms of like ways to channel that excess of energy in a, in a positive or constructive direction. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right, so that's the start of the month. Um, what else do we have going on that we want to talk about at the beginning of the month? I guess really early on, um, right away we get Mercury moving into Capricorn into the tenth house of those with Aries and Rising, the place of career, social standing, and your overall life direction. And then immediately the next day we have the first major major astrological alignment of 2019, which is a solar eclipse in Capricorn, also in the tenth house of career for those with Aries Rising. Yeah, definitely. And I just think having all of that happen on that weekend, on that Friday and that Saturday, 
Um, having Mercury get out of Sagittarius where it's a little bit overwhelmed. It's in your ninth house, you know, easy to daydream, easy to get caught up. And as Mercury goes into 10th house and, you know, it's solidifying itself in Capricorn and it's about to get really serious uh, along with that eclipse. I just feel like the 10th house is basically, it's going to go from Mars being in Aries. Your first house is really activated to boom. Let's focus on the 10th house. Everything is going to become very much, um, I don't want to say solidified because, we have, you know, the eclipses. This is an eclipse in South Node. This is more of kind of, you know, it's a new moon, basically. The, all of the attention's right there. You have both the luminaries focusing on one spot of your chart. And with this being in Capricorn, with Mercury wanting to be in Capricorn, I think a lot of this has to do with structures, has a lot of to do with framework, has a lot to do with, um, I've been using the word concentration lately, especially because of that South Node stuff. Yeah. So I really just think that this is just going to be a concentration and focus on that, you know, that 10th house of, you know, career, public vocation, public eye, could even be like your boss sometimes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because this is coming on the heels of we've now had one full year of Saturn and Capricorn going through the 10th house for those with Aries rising and some of the sometimes um, challenges that that raises or sometimes setbacks in terms of career, but sometimes it's the um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger or it's like the surmountable difficulties of like, yeah, you've run into a roadblock, but you overcome it and you become a better person as a result of that in some instances. Um, and and so now that we're a year into that, and a lot of people last month shared a lot of great stories with us in the comments section. That was like our homework assignment was tell us what your experience of Saturn and Capricorn has been so far. And we get a lot of great stories in the comments section. But I feel like um, this eclipse, this is the first of the eclipse series in Capricorn, is really going to ignite and set off for a lot of people what that entire three-year transit of Saturn through the 10th house is really all about in a way that maybe it hasn't been as clear up till now. But now that we have these eclipses, a lot of that stuff's going to start becoming a lot more concrete. Yeah, it's going to become a lot more real. Like sure. the eclipses make everything like real for whatever reason. Right. Um, but I really just think that these eclipses, it's kind of like uh, I was making this analogy of when you have a bad day uh, and you got to go to work, you don't go into work with that energy that you had during that day. Like in the 10th house with all this Capricorn stuff, it's kind of like whatever needs to be, whatever needs to be focused on or addressed or, um, Really, whatever's going on in that area it needs to be, you know, looked at in a professional manner. It needs to be taken with some discipline, with some hard work, and it's not necessarily something where you want to just let it kind of hit you and let it kind of, you know, overtake you. You want to handle things like in a professional manner, kind of like how you would handle someone at work or handle someone, you know, uh, where you don't really want to get super emotionally involved. Mm. And I think this new moon in Cancer with Mercury going to, uh, not this new moon in Cancer, new moon in Capricorn. And with Mercury going to Capricorn, I really think this is just going to be the time to reset that energy, refocus that energy on a more serious, more professional attitude towards addressing those, you know, Saturn and Capricorn things where it's both, you know, establishing something and also, you know, feeling like things are falling apart. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, so Saturn and Capricorn, and this is since this is a solar eclipse. Of course, it's a new moon, but it's like a supercharged new moon because solar eclipses have effects that last at least for the next six months. And I always interpret a new moon as like setting the seeds of the foundation for something that's going to grow and develop over the next six months. But that's even more the case here with this solar eclipse in Capricorn. Definitely. Is whatever you're starting or initiating in your life now, or especially in your career. Um, you know, try to initiate something constructive that you may not see immediate results, but in the long term, especially over the course of the next six months or so, eventually it will grow and develop until eventually we'll have a lunar eclipse, which is a full moon around mid 2019, 
and you'll start to see some of the the results of the outcomes of what you initiate here in January. Yeah, and it's going to like the eclipses in June and July looks just just as serious if not more serious. So these like the seeds that you plant right now are definitely going to come to fruition or something's going to happen with them by the next 6 months. So definitely whatever you're focusing on now, give it 6 months. Don't just give it the first 30 days of January. Right. Um, so, uh, that's not the only thing. Surprisingly, <laughs> we could spend the entire time talking about that, but that's not the only thing happening this month. Immediately after that solar eclipse, weirdly, Uranus actually stations direct in Aries for the final time, which is notable, especially for those with Aries rising, because this is the very last Uranus direct station that's going to take place in Aries. Uh, I don't want to say this century because I think we might get one at the very end, like 80 something years from now. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Uranus has been going through Aries and making some radical changes and sometimes unexpected changes in the lives of those with Aries prominent in their chart uh, over the course of the past, most of the past decade since what was it, 2010, 2011? Yeah, March of 2011, I think, is when Uranus went in there. Okay, so that was the open of the opening of that transit, and now we're in the final like wind down stage. And there's one last little hurrah, or one last little reminder uh, for for many of you of what that was all about, and what some of the the radical changes were that occurred for you over the course of the past decade in whatever area of your chart that this falls. So if you have Aries rising, for many of you, that's going to be things related to first house matters like the body. The mind, your personality, sometimes your appearance, um, character traits, and things like that. Yeah, um, and I just think Uranus being over the ascendant, like that's a good place to put in the breakdown leads to breakthrough. Mm. Um, Uranus is kind of like right on top of your ascendant, right of the way that you look at things, the lens that you view in the world. That's kind of like, oh, all of a sudden I'm feeling ready to jump out and do this. Uh, this is also Aries, where it's very much like go go go, do do do. And in that first house where that has a lot to do with your personality, has a lot to do with your sense of self, I think if you're needing like some type of, you know, if you've felt stagnant or still, I feel like Uranus going direct is going to give you that little push forward, that little oomph of like, all right, yeah, you could still, you know, do this or an opportunity might, you know, present itself to you or, you know, uh, it's also Uranus, it's up and downs and it's very it's extremely unpredictable. So Uranus being your first house can make it feel like, ooh, like things are going down really fast versus things are going really up really fast. But as it goes direct, and this is his last time going direct before it goes into Taurus, I do think this is just one last final kaboom to kind of leap you forward and give you the energy you need, especially with Mars being in Aries too this whole time. Yeah, definitely. It's really curious how much cardinal energy is going on this month with, you know, um, Mars going into Aries. We have Saturn, of course, is already there, and Pluto is, of course, already there. It's been there for a while, but we've got that solar eclipse up in Capricorn in the tenth. Mercury and the Sun are going through Capricorn. Uranus stationing direct in Aries. It's just a very dynamic month, which is probably going to be even more dynamic for those with who have those um, signs of the zodiac angular, which includes like Aries rising, Capricorn, Cancer, and Libra rising. Mm-hmm. All right, so. Um, yeah, Uranus. I had Uranus go through my first like a long time ago, and actually, when it hit my descendant, that was when I discovered astrology, and that was like a really radical change. That was my finding astrology transit. Yeah, well, I mean, isn't the modern thing uh, Uranus's astrology now? Yeah, I mean, yeah. a lot of modern contemporary astrologers associate Uranus with astrology. And it was definitely a very um, it was a big shakeup in my like worldview and unexpected like trajectory change in my life up to that point. Suddenly, being on one lane and then suddenly going down this other different very weird one and i think that's a good encapsulation of what uranus transits can be about sometimes oh yeah no definitely i feel that um but the next big thing though venus goes into sagittarius the next day what is that december 7th 7th december 7th venus will go into sagittarius 
that's going into your ninth house. Um, and we should just, you know, be so thankful that Venus is not in Scorpio and not in your eighth house. All right. This is, it's been like months now. So Venus has been going through Scorpio for months, the place of like shared resources, um, you know, other people's money. What are some other eighth house? I like using the eighth house for like, like fears, anxieties. Uh, it's definitely like, I like to, it's kind of like growing pains. Um, like there's challenges, uh, and there's changes you have to make and it's just super uncomfortable mm. regardless of the eighth house sucks <laughs> like it's not really the best house in the world and especially having venus there a planet we all want to be happy and she's also not in her she's in her detriment she doesn't like to be in scorpio and she's in the eighth house where this is just amplified in a very uh drastic way i just think that mucky gunkiness finally getting out of that place in your chart and venus going into sag is just going to feel like a big bath like, sure. I mean, especially because, I mean, I, I have a lot of fire in my chart, so I relate to like, you right. know, Aries risings and stuff. And it's like, we have fire coming again. Like, we're going to start to feel good again. Venus being in Scorpio was a little bit rough, but as Venus goes into your ninth house too, like the ninth house is a really fun place. This is like, you know, ed higher education. This is, you know, exploring uh, uh, far distance travel and things like that. Right. Expanding your horizons in all sorts of different ways, both like intellectually and sometimes physically or literally by going different places or meeting different people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what's exciting about that as well is that Venus, of course, is catching up in that sign with Jupiter there. And this is going to accentuate that recent Jupiter transit that started just a few months ago of Jupiter going into Sag and that year-long period of like growth and expansion in the context of the ninth house that I talked about in previous month's horoscopes, I think last month's. Um, but, but Venus actually catches up and actually conjoins Jupiter at some point later in the month, right? Yeah. And I think that's just kind of like a super awesome planetary high five. Um, you know, Venus is Venus wants to party with Jupiter and Jupiter's got the best house party because he's in his own home. So Venus is being welcomed with open arms by Jupiter. Let me figure out what the date is. So I'm throwing up the solar fire chart if you guys can see it on the video version of this horoscope. It's at like six yeah, fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, it looks like uh, Venus catches up to Jupiter at about fifteen or sixteen Sagittarius on about January twenty first or twenty second. Yeah, and I think the whole Venus and Jupiter transit being in this ninth house for you guys, for Aries, I think this is just really about finding that value and exploring a lot more of those ninth house topics. Like Jupiter's right there. It's wanting to expand. It's wanting to, you know, uh, bring more awareness, show you what else is there. And I think Venus is just adding a lot more value to this, making you kind of look at like, oh, this is really nice. I do like this. And this is Sagittarius where it's about, you know, exploring adventurism, you know, learning and discovering. And with this being in that ninth house of, you know, higher education, foreign things, like I know it rules, you know, publishing and stuff like that. I think this is just going to be a big time to really discover more of what your beliefs are. Discover more of, you know, maybe you want to learn something new from somewhere else or from, you know, some other culture or anything like that. I just think this is going to be an exciting time to discover and learn. And you're going to feel that energy kind of like, you know, especially with Mars and Aries, you know, trining it for the most part throughout the month. I think it's just going to be an exciting time to put yourself out there and to really, you know, do, or I should say, apply yourself a little bit more. But as you do it, learn on the way and learn, you know, what more possibilities you kind of have. Right. Uh, definitely like the, the starting to learn something new and becoming familiar again with what it's like to really fall in love with learning a new topic Ooh, uh, that yes. you didn't know before, I think would be a good keyword for me for Aries rising this month. Especially, I think the people with night charts are really going to feel that Venus transit and that Venus conjunction with Jupiter very strongly. Because for a lot of the day chart people, 
it's like Jupiter is the most positive planet for them, and they're going to be feeling that Jupiter transit through their ninth all year. This is when the night chart people really it gets balanced out. Is the night chart people are really going to experience this Venus transit through Sagittarius over the course of the next month or so, and especially that conjunction with Jupiter as being a much more po- subjectively positive experience in that specific domain of their life for a few weeks, and so so the tables kind of get evened out in that way. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I just I think it's going to be amazing, like regardless. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's definitely my favorite transit. So I think we're agreed that's our that's mm-hmm. the best transit this month is that Venus. Um, Jupiter conjunction around the 20, 21st, 22nd? Definitely. Okay. And then, well, I mean, we kind of skipped ahead, but that was Venus moving into Sag. And then, what, a week later, we have Jupiter square Neptune on the 13th? Yeah. So that's the other major outer planet transit that's happening this month is Jupiter going through Sagittarius, of course. It eventually, it's moving pretty fast at this point, and it catches up to and it squares Neptune in mid Pisces on the 13th of the month. So that's kind of like a broad sort of mundane transit that everybody's going to be experiencing is the Jupiter square Neptune. And it's partially going to depend on if that's actually hitting anything closely in your actual natal chart. But how did you or or, or how did you relate that to the Aries rising people? Um, you know, it's funny. I didn't talk too much about the Jupiter Neptune square, but I do think it is going to be really big for the Aries rising people because you may have something in Pisces, you may not, whatever, but you Neptune's in Pisces in your 12th house and the ninth house and the 12th house are not necessarily similar, but share common themes. And I think with Neptune being in your 12th house where the 12th house is about, you know, uh, unacknowledged or suppressed parts of yourself, things that are hidden, uh, things that you don't always see. And Neptune is blurring the lines and the edges right there. I think Jupiter and Sagittarius, where he's in your ninth house, wanting to discover, wanting to grow, wanting to question, wanting to believe, hitting that square with Neptune is going to kind of unlock like maybe some things, uh, some questions that you may not have asked yourself before. Mm. You know, like what you said earlier, like rediscovering the love to learn something new. Um, I mean, we're also going to have Venus square Neptune in the midst of this too. But as Jupiter squares Neptune, I think this is just going to open up a broad range of topics for you to learn and discover, especially with Neptune being in that 12th house of like hidden things, suppressed things. Maybe you didn't know you liked this new thing. Maybe you discovered something that you liked that you've never thought you would enjoy mm. before. I think that's kind of like the energy and the theme right here. So it's kind of like doing something new, going out of your way may lead you to find and enjoy something you never thought you liked. Right. I would definitely, there's Neptune always has this like mysterious and sort of otherworldly vibe. And sometimes when it connects with other planets, it can either make the planet, especially when we're talking about Jupiter going through the ninth within the context of education or like learning something or changing and expanding your beliefs, um, there's sometimes that can attract people to more metaphysical type things or, or sort of otherworldly, sort of um, mystical type things. Other times you have to be careful because sometimes it can indicate a situation where you get really into something, but it's kind of the details surrounding it are murky. And maybe after the fact, it turns out that it's not quite what it was cracked up to be when you're right in the middle of it. Uh, so yeah, sometimes I, that's something you have to be a little careful about. Yeah, that's Neptune. It's super dualistic. So I mean, it could be like, oh, you know, discovering something you thought you wouldn't like and you actually like it versus also discovering something, you know, wanting to get into something and learning it's maybe not what it is that you want. Right. Maybe it's not, you know, and that's the thing with Neptune. It's dualistic of either, hey, this is really cool and awesome or mm, it's kind of whack. <laughs> right. But sometimes it's like when you're in the middle of that, you're not going to be able to get very much perspective. So maybe just keep that in mind, especially in terms of if you're trying to commit to some long-term thing, um, you know, get some outside perspectives from other people, get some advice from 
friends or other people who can give you uh, advice on that maybe before doing anything too drastic. Yeah, all that glitters is not always gold. And I think that's sure. a big thing with Jupiter and Neptune squaring. Definitely. All right. So that's the middle of the month. That's our transit that's happening. Uh, now we start getting into the third quarter of the month, where of course we get the annual ingress of the sun into Aquarius on the 20th. And then immediately after that, we have our other major lunation this month, which is a full moon, which is actually close enough to the nodes that it's a lunar eclipse. It's a total lunar eclipse. It's a total lunar eclipse. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is a big one on the 21st of January, 2019. We've got, and this is actually interesting because this is the final, this is the last of the eclipse series in the Leo Aquarius axis that's been bouncing back and forth over the past few years, right? Mm -hmm. So this is actually bringing to completion or to culmination. Um, something that's been happening in your life. And since it's happening in Leo, it's especially probably related to your fifth house. Um, so what are some good fifth house topics that might be relevant here? Well, I mean, like if we're going to be real, the fifth house is all about fun mm -hmm. and like Leo rules that spot too. So I think, you know, and if you're either at Aries sun or Aries rising, I think this is just a very positive and happy place in your chart to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, the fifth house is related to, you know, kids, art, music, whatever your hobbies or creation is something that you like to invest your time and want into. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I just, I just think this full moon is kind of like that one last, like, all right, what is it that you're really wanting out of all of this? You know, with Mars going into Aries, you're doing more, you're you Saturn's in Capricorn, like you're achieving more, you're learning more. And I think this full moon, you know, this eclipse in Leo is kind of bringing to end of like being clear about what it is that you do want, what it is that you do want to create or what it is that you are feeling like you do want to express that you do want to put yourself out there and do, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and probably bringing to completion something. This isn't probably something new that you're just initiating now, but it's probably bringing to completion something that was initiated previously, especially potentially six months earlier during one of the last Leo solar eclipses, which would have been the opening of a six-month month phase. And now we have the closing of that phase here in your fifth house. So for some of you that have children or where children are important in your life, it could be some sort of culmination of events with respect to that, which has been in, it was initiated previously. And sometimes that has to do with like decisions about children or, or having children or working with children. Other times it can be if the person is older, like something significant uh, coming to completion or some sort of culmination in your children's lives if they're a little bit older and they're off doing things. Because sometimes the chart, really weirdly, it doesn't always just represent different parts of us and our psyche, but sometimes it literally represents things going on in the lives of people around us who are close to us in our lives. Yeah, astrology isn't always about you sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's really not, which is bizarre because it's your birth chart theoretically and it was cast for the moment of your birth. But it really does sometimes represent the other people in your life that are crucial to your life and reflecting things that are happening to them, which sometimes relates to you and other times doesn't. But just by virtue of them being important people in your life, it does have some bearing on and it does sometimes show up in your chart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. All right. So that is the final uh, eclipse of that series of the Leo. And then we're completely finished with the, the Leo Aquarius Eclipse series. As we move more firmly into the Capricorn Cancer Eclipse series over the next year. Um, after that, we've got Mercury going into Aquarius on the 24th. Um, so that is, of course, into the 11th house of those with Aries rising. So that's your house of friends and alliances and groups. And it can bring a period of greater activity and greater communication with friends. 
what else do we got towards the end of the month? It looks like eventually there's the Sun Mercury conjunction in Aquarius on the 29th. And I, I I wanted I was making the note of this is that this is at like eight degrees Aquarius, so it's really close to where that Mars station was. And um, I do think that's going to bring a little bit more of clarity around that area, like kind of like delayed things from coming back from you know this past summer of 2018. Um, and going into 2019, I feel like that's going to bring some clarity, bring some, you know, ideas, some communication, some, you know, whatever was going on for you in that area. Cause I mean, Mars spent a lot of time in that area. Right. So I feel like the sun Mercury conjunction pretty much next to that degree is going to give, uh, some clear ideas and connections. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's kind of nice because that Mars transit through this 11th for some people led to some tension in like the area of friendships or groups or alliances. But now with the Sun and Mercury moving through there and forming that conjunction, this could be perhaps reestablishing communication or opening the lines of communication where they may have been cut off previously and trying to reform some of those connections if it's time time to do so. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and this thing is with the 11th house too, is that there, you know, if you're Aries rising, your midheaven could be right here too. So, you know, friends, alliances, networks, big groups of people, community. Um, but with the midheaven right there, it could also have some stuff to do with your career and stuff in the workplace. Right. All right. Um, we're. I think that brings us to pretty much towards the end of the month. Is there anything else major that you wanted to mention that we forgot to mention before we start to wrap up? Um, I think besides the I. What day does Mercury hit Saturn? Because Mercury does conjoin Saturn. And I think that's going to play a big role for, because that's right before the eclipse, or I mean, right after the eclipse, and but before the Leo eclipse. But I do think the Mercury Saturn conjunction um, is going to really speak volumes of the Saturn and Capricorn in your 10th house thing going on. It looks like that's like January 12th or 13th. Yeah, January 12th or 13th. Yeah, same day as like the Jupiter Neptune square. Um, I think Mercury being on top of Saturn's, yeah, like just going to project out a lot of that Saturn stuff of, you know, both limitations and walls and boundaries, but also, you know, where you need to be disciplined, where to um, address things, where do you need to put more structure around, you know, whatever it is that you got going on in your 10th house. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think that Mercury Saturn thing is going to be really loud. Um, even though it's Capricorn, which I I was making the joke in one of my videos, but it's like Saturn sending a fax to everybody through Mercury. Right. And, uh, that fax is definitely going to be pretty real. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's Saturn and Capricorn. He's out of shadow. The sun already hit Saturn. He's, he's fresh and ready to give you challenges and obstacles. Yeah, that's really amplifying some of those tenth house career overall life direction, figuring stuff out and laying a plan for the next like six months or or couple of years with Mercury hitting Saturn right then, right around the same time that Jupiter's squaring Neptune. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. All right. Well, I think that's starting to bring us towards the end of this. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me today. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. This was this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is our first time doing it. It's the first horoscope we're recording, of course, since this is Aries. Uh, we're going to switch it up a little bit as we go through the rest. Um, so one thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up, I just launched a new set of posters for the astrology of 2019. It shows all of the artwork that we're using here in this horoscope video but you can actually see it for the entire year and it shows all of the transits, all the ingresses, all the retrogrades and everything else for the next 12 months. So you can find out more information about that at theastrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters and you can order a set and I'll ship it out to you. We will literally pack a set ourselves and ship it out to you and it will have our fingerprints on it uh, today. (laughs) 
All right. So thanks a lot. Where, where can people find out? You also have oh, your own YouTube yeah. channel. Yeah. I have a YouTube at White Light Astrology, um, Twitter at White Light Cam. If you want to visit my website, uh, that's whitelightastrology.com. And you could probably find the rest of my links or whatever through one of those. But yeah, I've, I'm posting my January horoscopes too. So if you want to check out my own personal ones, check out my YouTube at White Light Astrology. Definitely. And I'll put links in the description below this video for those watching this on YouTube. So thanks a lot for, jo for joining me. Yeah, thank you. And thanks everybody for watching. Good luck and we'll see you again in January. Hey, my name is Chris Brennan and this is your horoscope for Taurus and Taurus Rising for the month of January of 2019. Joining me today is Cam White. Hey, Cam. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. And we're going to be looking at your transits for the next few weeks, so let's jump right into it. So here's a transit chart that shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the month and where they will end up by the end of the month. And here is a ingress chart that shows the different specific days of the month when the planets will move into different signs, when the lunations will take place, when the planetary stations and retrogrades will take place, as well as when the exact aspects will happen between outer planets. So where should we start off with for this month for Taurus rising? Well, let's go ahead and start off with Friday the 4th with Mercury ingressing into Capricorn and if the later that the next day on the 5th, the eclipse that we have going on in Capricorn. Definitely. So there's a lot of Capricorn energy going on this month. You can pretty much see that in the top top part of this chart, top left, top right part of this chart, where you just have a huge like pile up or like a traffic jam of planets going through Capricorn. It's quite evident. Yeah. And you know, the, this, what's interesting about this too is that this is in the ninth house where this is much more a spiritual, religious, explorative, higher learning type house. And while we have, you know, the sun ing or the sun transiting through there, Saturn's transiting through there now, you know, you've probably felt Saturn's presence in that ninth house, you know, having more discipline, having more um, construction around your beliefs, or maybe uh, you're in college or something like that, or you're dedicated or committed to higher learning or something like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Like having to um, buckle down and having to focus more or develop better, better habits surrounding things like education. Yeah, definitely. And I think Mercury going into this part of your chart is definitely going to bring a lot more energy there in the more mercurial way of like ideas, communication, more writing, more more doing the ninth house things, putting more attention onto those. Definitely. And that eclipse. So so Saturn's been some of those themes have been happening for about a year now since Saturn went into that sign in December of 2017. But I think they're really gonna get accentuated and a lot of that stuff's gonna get accelerated and start moving much quicker with this solar eclipse that's happening in Capricorn, because this is the first of a series of eclipses that are going to take place in that sign over the next year or two. Um, and a solar eclipse, of course, is a new moon that's kind of like amped up. So it's like setting a new beginning or a new foundation for something that will grow and develop over the course of the next year. Yeah. And this is a really big deal too, because I mean, with Saturn being right here, this is the first eclipse that we have in Capricorn. I think this has a lot to do with like understanding what needs to be constructed, what needs to be rectified as far as beliefs go, and also what beliefs are limiting, what beliefs are not working. You know, the ninth house is kind of far stretching. And with Saturn being right there, it's kind of like the limits and the boundaries can feel very real. Right. So it's kind of like taking in and having that new moon, resetting the energy, putting all the focus there. You know, what is holding you back? What is limiting you? Uh, also, what do you need to discipline yourself more on? Where do you need to put more structure and emphasis and tidy things up in that area of the ninth house regarding your beliefs, regarding, you know, I like to use higher education, but also, you know, with a sense of spirituality, you know, uh, far distance travel, the ninth house. What are some other fun things for the ninth house? Uh, yeah, like travel, interaction, foreigners, people from foreign cultures that are different from your own, things which are just foreign or exotic as a general category. 
Um, yeah, travel education. Publishing is a funny ninth house one. Like a, I had a ninth house transit when I actually published my first book on Hellenistic astrology a couple of years ago, thus confirming that publishing books is like a ninth house thing. <laughs> Available uh, in fine bookstores everywhere. Everywhere, which is actually <laughs> funny. I always make that joke because it's actually only available in like one bookstore right now that, car that carries it, but it's the finest bookstore in Denver. I saw that. I was yeah. like, Chris's book is here. Right. Um, but uh, the ninth house, I just think with this new moon right here, this eclipse, it's a pretty big emphasis on what needs to be done, what needs to be, you know, handled in the Capricorn way, like, you know, professionally, seriously, uh, maturely. And I think this is just going to bring a lot of emphasis and a lot of new intentions being set right here. However, the next day, though, after that eclipse on the 6th, we do have Uranus going direct in the 12th house. Yes. So Uranus uh, has retrograded back into Aries and it's stationing direct there for the final time because it's getting ready to wrap up and complete that seven year long transit through that sign that started way back in 2011. So uh, the 12th house, of course, it, or Aries, of course, is the 12th house for those with Taurus rising. And Uranus is being joined in that sign by Mars this month, which moves into Aries starting on the 31st of December and will spend the entirety of January going through that sign as well. Yeah. And I think with Mars being to the 12th house, there's going to be some frustrations here. I mean, Mars and uh, Aries, is he can basically be as Mars as possible. And Mars is known for cutting and severing and inflammating, bringing aggression and agitation to things while also putting more uh, energy into things, having more... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Not not just energy, uh, uh, like excess, inflammation, um, focus, like commitment, initiation. That's the word I'm looking for. Okay. And so, as Mars is in Aries, and that's kind of charged up, it's in this weird place of the twelfth house of hidden and repressed parts, things that you can't really see. And so, Mars and Aries can maybe feel like you know you have some anger and you just don't even know where it's coming from. There's frustrations you don't really see where exactly it's manifesting from or where right. you know the focal point of it is. But with Uranus going direct, I really think that whole Uranus transit through the past seven years, which has been probably extremely liberating, extremely revolutionary, because Uranus is all about that. And this is in the 12th house of hidden parts, repressed parts of yourself. Uranus is, you know, bringing these out and alive very fluently. With Uranus going direct this one last time here, I think this is that one last, you know, breakthrough uh, realization of self. I think a lot of things that were misunderstood things that didn't make sense in the past are going to start to make sense again and you can start to move forward on that because we have been talking about the 12th house being about closure yeah. being about endings yeah it's the last of the 12 houses before planets uh, transiting planets move into the first and like emerge into the first house into view and start the cycle over again fresh and so the 12th can also have to do with not just endings but also the past and reflecting on the past and bringing closure to the past and sometimes um, Uranus going through the 12th can be like unexpected things coming up from the past and finding that the past is still influencing you in ways that you didn't think of or didn't realize and are therefore unexpected. Um, so Mars coming in to join at that same time may bring more energy or focus on the past this month, but also potentially some conflict or some old conflicts could arise um, that have to be dealt with head on and have to be worked out so that both of those planets, once they move forward into Taurus and into your first house over the next few months, you can sort of um, emerge and move into that new cycle fresh, having moved on from the past and having brought closure to it. Yeah, and it looks really positive too, especially because right after that, after you know that Uranus-Mars stuff gets brought up, the next day we do have Venus ingressing into Sagittarius, which is going into your eighth house. And what I think is important about this too is that 
Venus has been retrograde in like your guys' seventh house forever, probably it feels like. And yeah, then for Ve- months. Yeah, and then Venus had a transit through Scorpio, so that must have just been icky and ucky for relationship stuff. However, as Venus goes into Sagittarius, where she's eventually going to, you know, conjunct Jupiter and it's going to be great, and it's just going to be emphasizing Jupiter in your eighth house too, I think this is bringing a lot of positive things to this eighth house world of, you know, shared resources, other people's money, you know, taxes, debts, inheritances. Um, and so I do think while Jupiter's, you know, Jupiter transiting your eighth house of Sagittarius is probably bringing, you know, more support in that area bringing in more, you know, influx of other people's money, other people's source uh, resources, that's starting to become more prevalent. But as Venus enters Sagittarius, I think this is just bringing a lot more of that value and that value is really starting to become more alive in a sense. Yeah, I mean there was just the general theme of this year-long Jupiter transit through Sagittarius is, is like growth and expansion of the general topic of other people's money in your life and the role that other people's money plays. And I know for some people, I gave that delineation like a month or two ago, and somebody wrote in a comment. It was a great comment. I appreciate the feedback. I can't remember the username right now, but they said, my husband literally just got a raise and got a promotion immediately after Jupiter ingressed into that house, into their nice. eighth house. And that's a very literal manifestation, but not an uncommon one because the sec- the eighth house is the second house relative to the seventh. So the seventh is the marriage partner or the a business or a romantic partner. And the second, the eighth house is the second from that. So it's like your partner's finances, sometimes very literally. Um, so Venus moving into that house this month is really just going to accentuate and accelerate some of those things even more, especially for those of you with night charts, where Venus is the more positive planet than Jupiter. And therefore, you're going to get, um, whereas the day chart people are experiencing more of the positive benefits of Jupiter over the entire year, a lot of that's going to get concentrated down into this month and a half period. Uh, month and a long, half long period for those with night charts, and it should be relatively positive. Yeah, and I, while Venus is bringing the value and the fun here, I mean, this is also you guys are Taurus rising people, or maybe you're Taurus sun. You're or Venus is already a big deal for you guys in your chart anyway. So as Venus goes through Sag and goes and you know conjuncts Jupiter, this is really really positive stuff happening in that eighth house area. And, yeah. you know, let's say you don't have a partner or like, you know, the eighth house themes of other people's money isn't as big mm-hmm. in the more psychological sense. I like using the eighth house as a lot of fear and change. It's a lot of growing pains and the anxieties you got to deal around with that. And I think as Venus and Jupiter can join and they go through that eighth house, I think this is having more fun and being more, oh, explorative and optimistic about going through change, about exploring and doing something new and getting out of your comfort zone. Because I know that's also a big thing for Tauruses is the sturdiness, the stability, the security. And as Venus and Jupiter start to fly forward into unknown territory in that eighth house area, I think this is just a time to just trust the process and trust the growth that you may be going through. Definitely. And sometimes you know, positive or benefic transits going through a challenging house like the eighth can sometimes bring positive things from otherwise difficult or negative circumstances. So sometimes the eighth house has to do with mortality and issues surrounding mortality. But sometimes when you have benefic planets that go through there, it can be like um, getting an inheritance or something positive coming out of some event that was otherwise seen as negative. Or you know, the eighth house can be like taxes and like having to do your taxes, but having a positive transit go through there can be like unexpected. Yeah, yeah, you got more money than you thought. Yeah, not realizing you weren't going to get as much on your tax return and then suddenly getting a large check back, which can be positive. Mm-hmm. So look out for things like that. The Venus Jupiter conjunction actually catches up and goes exact in the night sky um, around the 21st and 22nd at about 15 degrees of Sagittarius. 
and this actually forms a grand fire trine this month with Mars around the middle degrees of Aries trining the Venus-Jupiter conjunction, and then the Moon swoops in and completes the grand trine from Leo, which is the other major area of your chart that's going to get activated this month due to a lunar eclipse later in January. Yeah, like the second part of the month is on January 20th as the Sun goes into Aquarius into your 10th house, and then the next day we have the last total lunar eclipse in Leo. And this is, I, I mean, for one, this is just going to be a pretty positive day in general, like the whole grand fire trine, Venus and Jupiter conjuncting, this one last eclipse in Leo. And what's important about this eclipse this eclipse in Leo is this is in the fourth house of family, of your private life, of your home life, of your parents and ancestry. And as we've had this North Node transit here for the past, you know, couple, a year and a half, uh, almost two years, and this is that last eclipse where we get to close out things, we get to look back on things, uh, kind of realize uh, what things have gone through or what, what you've gone through, what you've learned, especially in the area of home, family, things like that. And this is Leo. This is kind of like, you know, where did you learn to embrace more love? Where did you em- learn to embrace more of where you live and to feel more identified with that? Mm-hmm. And I think this full moon in Leo, this eclipse is kind of like bringing a closing chapter to the lessons and the experiences that you learn with that before we start going into the eclipses of Capricorn and Cancer. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that whole eclipse series in Leo and Aquarius has been bouncing back and forth over the past couple of years between their 10th house of their public life and their, their career and their fourth house of their private life and their home life and their family and sometimes creating tensions between those two areas but tensions that ultimately are supposed to eventually result in balance and like finding a greater balance between those two extremes of maybe having a tendency to focus on more on one or more on the other and so since this is the final of that series it's bringing to completion some of those themes regarding your home and your living situation or your family over the past few years um but it's also uh, it's not just bringing to completion, but it's also you're going to see the tangible results of something that was initiated probably especially six months earlier when there would have been a solar eclipse or the last solar eclipse in Leo. Uh, the last thing I want to mention that's kind of interesting here is like um, all of the stuff we're focusing on, or not all of it, but a large part of it is really taking place in those houses. That grand fire trine is taking place in like the 12th house, which we said has to do with the past, the 8th house, which sometimes has to do with inheritance. And the fourth house, which sometimes has to do with like your roots or your origins or your family. And so it's interesting, there's kind of like an echoing or a repetition of some sort of similar topic of like bringing to completion and and completing or finishing something from the past in preparation for moving forward into the future. That's kind of an interesting and unique theme for Taurus this month. Yeah. And I really do think with all of that, you know, preparation and reflecting on the past, I think that's also going to be hitting more of the Saturn and Capricorn stuff of like, okay. Now that you've closed up this past, now that you've you know reflected on that and it's time to move forward, I think this all this Capricorn energy is just being very much attentive with bring attention to this. This is kind of like not necessarily the new way forward, but this is what needs to be focused and addressed on now. Definitely. And then, I mean, a few days after the eclipse too, we have Mercury ingressing into Aquarius, which is really cool because this is happening in your 10th house of your career, public vocation, how you're recognized. Uh, it could also deal with your boss and leaders. Um, and what's important about Mercury going to Aquarius, because although its transit is definitely bringing more communication, bringing more mental focus and clarity on career-related issues, it's also going to be uh, making a conjunction with the sun and going Kazemi on January 29th. And this is going to be at 8 degrees Aquarius, which is about a degree off from where the Mars station retrograde was earlier in the summer of 2018. 
And so, I mean, we've been talking about this for the past couple of horoscopes and how we both kind of think it's going to be more of a bigger deal with, uh, you know, Mars retrograde into the 10th house is bringing issues, bringing change, maybe disconnection or isolation with career themes. Uh, you know, what you're kind of doing, it also retrograded back into your ninth house, but that Mercury sun conjunction looks like it's really going to be clearing up and bringing a lot more lines of communication and connection with those issues that you dealt with in the past. Yeah. I mean, that Mars retrograde in the 10th house of career for a lot of people brought some some challenges, sometimes some strife or some separations when it came to their career or their life direction or sometimes interactions with superiors. Last summer, a few months ago, when Mars stationed retrograde in Aquarius, and that's a really interesting observation that you pointed out that the Mercury Sun conjunction at the end of January happens right around the same degrees that Mars stationed retrograde. So it's almost like returning back to and revisiting something that happened several months ago when it came to some of those conflicts in terms of career. But at this point, it's sort of like the sweeping up or the cleaning up phase where it's uh, reopening lines of communication or rethinking some of those things in a positive sense and sort of reflecting on what you got from it and moving forward from from there, uh, not not dwelling on it, not returning back to it for a problematic sense, but instead just to take stock and to learn something from it and then move forward. Yeah, it's a very unbiased look back at like, okay, what can I connect from here from from this now that it's a few months later? What have I learned from this? How can I connect the dots? How can I communicate better? How can I understand the situation more clearly in an unbiased uh, level? Right, definitely. Um, brilliant. All right. Were there any other major trans? I mean, it brings us to the end of the month. Were there any other major transits that we wanted to touch on before we wrap it up for January? I think this one's good for Taurus. I just think the major thing is this ninth house stuff. So really focus on those self beliefs that you guys have. Yeah, and moving into a new cycle that we'll we'll talk about a lot more over the next several months as you start getting eclipses bouncing back and forth between the ninth and the third, which is just questions about what you know and what you've learned versus how you communicate it and how you convey that to other people. Yeah. All right. Well, brilliant. Sweet. Well, thanks for joining me this month. Uh, you actually do horoscopes on your YouTube channel each month, right? Yes. I do horoscopes and a lot of other astrology content on my YouTube channel at White Light Astrology. Also, if you guys are on Twitter, follow me at White Light Cam. And for anything else, just check out my website at White Light Astrology. Brilliant. And I'll put links to that in the description page below this YouTube video. Uh, I also launched a set of posters for 2019 over the past week or so, and I'm sending them out right now. It shows all of the planetary transits and astrological alignments for the entirety of this year. It's similar to some of the horoscope art that I used in these episodes of the monthly horoscopes, except you can see all of the major retrogrades and alignments that will take place during the entirety of 2019. So you can find out more information about that at theastrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters, or I'll put a link to it in the description page below this video on YouTube. So thanks a lot, everybody, for watching. Thanks, Cam, for joining me. And we will see you again next month for the horoscopes for February of 2019. So good, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. Hey, my name is Chris Brennan, and this is your horoscope for Gemini and Gemini Rising for the month of January of 2019. Joining me today is Cam White. Hey, Cam. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. And we're going to be looking at your transits, your astrological transits for the next few weeks. So let's jump right into it. So first, we've got a transit chart here which shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the month and how far through the zodiac they'll get by the end of the month. And then I've also got an ingress chart that shows the specific dates that planets move into different signs, when they station retrograde or direct, and when they form exact aspects with each other in the sky. So um, we were talking about how to start this one, and I think we're going to go chronologically and say as a sort of preface that 
it's like the month is it starts a little challenging stuff at the beginning and then it gets better and better progressively as you go further into it yeah this isn't a doom scope but the first like week or two of uh january are definitely real uh it gets way better as we move forward though like super super awesome but we do need to talk about it first so let's start off with mercury ingressing into capricorn on january 4th with the next day january 5th we have the solar eclipse in capricorn and this is all happening in your eighth house Yes. So uh, on the fourth is the Mercury ingress into Capricorn into the eighth. And then right after that is the solar eclipse in Capricorn. You can kind of see on the transit chart this like pile up or this traffic jam of planets taking place in the top right corner in Capricorn in your eighth house. And the eighth, of course, has to do with things like shared resources. Um, sometimes in ancient astrology, it has to do with issues of mortality and inheritance, um, but also just topics of like other people's and mo- money in general and resources, especially if you have a partner, like your partner's resources seem to be pretty common. Yeah, the eighth house is definitely known for that. And as Mercury leaves Sagittarius and goes into the eighth house, I think the focus on, you know, your partner's money, or maybe if you're single, like taxes, debts, inheritances, as well as the eighth house is kind of like, I know in modern astrology has a big occult thing to it. It's kind of like everything weird and everything dark and grim. Sure, and- sometimes like hidden things or things that are because it has those in, those ideas of like inheritance um, or or things that you you receive from the dead in some sense, which can sometimes very be literal in a person's life. More metaphorically, sometimes it can be like old or ancient things that are somehow brought forward into your life. Yeah, and I think Mercury going through this part is definitely bringing the uh, mental and more communicative attention to this area, you know, addressing these issues. I mean, Saturn's been here for the past year, so I'm sure you guys have had a deal, a, a good feeling of what Saturn in your eighth house has felt like. It's just going to be a little bit more prominent and focused on for the, at least the first two weeks of January. And as right. we have Mercury go through there, where Mercury's wanting to clean up and get things straight, get things organized and clear as Saturn's in the eighth house, kind of bringing, you know, both a limiting feeling in this area, but also more of a challenge to be more disciplined and have more security and structure in this area of the eighth house versus, you know, like, you know, do you have, you, do you have a will set up for when you die? Do you, does your, you know, does your partner, are they good with money? Do they have like a savings or something like that? You know what right. I mean? Or are you, have you been good with like taxes? Have you been like filing your taxes properly? You've been setting aside money for taxes is sometimes an issue for people, especially if you're self-employed. Like, are you doing that uh, consistently? And that's something that Saturn really asks you to do and probably has been asking, especially Gemini rising over the past year is just to institute better um, structures for dealing with those things involving that broader topic of like other people's resources or or the relationship between your resources and other people in a way that's better than what you've been doing previously. Yeah, and the good thing about this though is that this new moon and that this is eclipse though is giving you the opportunity to focus all on that stuff and what needs to be addressed and moved on from. Like this eclipse is a south node eclipse. This is definitely like, all right, you need to get your hands out of this situation and out of this mess and get it as, you know, cleaned up and cleared out as possible, as much as you possibly can. However, the eighth house bringing a lot of that fear into play, Saturn's making this a very tight area. I just do think it's going to feel very uncomfortable, but it's just about addressing things in a professional manner, in a serious manner, in a disciplined manner that is really going to actually give you the results you're looking for. Yeah, and since this eclipse is a new moon, it's like an eclipse, but an eclipse ultimately is just a new moon that's like really amped up. Um, it's going to be asking you to to make a fresh start and set a new foundation in this area of your life. 
in order to um, build some of those structures into it. Like you may have run into challenges over the past year with Saturn going through that house and that area of your life, but now it's time to actually create a new foundation so that you may not see immediate um, results, but in the long term, over the course of the next six months or so, eventually we'll have a lunar eclipse in that house and you'll see the results of the things that you initiate this month in January. So it would be a great time to try to start something new in that area in order to sort of improve your life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, these also these eclipses are also going to last a little bit over a year. However, for the next six months, like, you know, what are you committed to as far as changing and addressing those situations? But to get more to the positive things, we do have Uranus going direct in your 11th house the very next day on January 6th. Yes. So Uranus is, has retrograded back into to Aries over the past few months, and it's making its very final direct station um, on the 7th of January. And this is taking place in your 11th house of friends and groups and alliances. And it's actually being joined up this month by Mars, which ingressed into Aries on the 31st of December. And it spends most of the month also moving through Aries and through your 11th house of friendship. Yeah, and as Mars goes through Aries into your 11th house, like that may cause strife and conflict and agitation with groups of friends. And I think as Uranus goes direct, this is definitely going to heighten that sense of like, you know, maybe you're feeling, or I shouldn't say feeling, maybe you're doing more with friends. I feel like this is a time where it's like your friends are inviting you out, you know, to hike or to go do this outside or to go participate in this activity. And Uranus going direct right there is kind of like bringing and initiating a lot more of those friendships there, like, you know, utilizing them. Hey, your friends out of nowhere came back and they want you to do this with them or something like that. Mm -hmm. But Mars and Aries at the same time, you may still have some agitation and some issues and problems with friends where Uranus may make that a little bit more, more upset than it already is. Yeah. I mean, and since this is the tail end of a seven year long Uranus transit, which started in 2011. Usually Uranus transits bring major unexpected changes and disruptions and sometimes like really innovative, almost like revolutions to the part of our life that it transits through. And for you, a lot of this this month is just the final look back at how some of the changes have gone over the course of the past seven years since it started in 2011 and how radically different your life is now when it comes to the topic of friendship and groups and alliances compared to when you started that transit in 2011. And maybe having one last final sort of circumstance or set of events that kind of caps that off for what has been a pretty long, uh, decade long transit. Um, so, with Mars going through that house this month, you might have to put more energy and more work into friendship this month. And that might even boil over into more irritation or maybe even strife or conflict with friends in some instances. But ultimately, it seems to be. Those two transits seem to be working together in order to sort of push you forward in that area of your life, even if it can be somewhat um, disruptive or somewhat irritating at the time. Yeah, and what's this is what I think this I guess the silver lining in a sense is even though Mars and this Uranus direct thing and Aries in your eleventh house may cause some like issues and frustrations there. It's not forever because the next day we have Venus going into Sagittarius on January seventh. And what's big about this is, I mean, Venus is eventually going to trine Mars and she's, you know, also going to be trining Uranus before he goes into Taurus. Venus is also going to be making a conjunction to Jupiter and Sagittarius is your seventh house of relationships. So where the 11th house is bigger groups of people, networks and communities and friends, the seventh house is individual relationships, both on a uh, personal level, intimate level and a professional level. And so when you have Venus getting out of your sixth house, you know, you're kind of getting caught up in 
in the stucky muckiness of like your day-to-day activities. And as Venus goes into Sagittarius, where she's wanting you to explore and have more value with the interpersonal relationships that you have in your life. I think this is going to be really, I mean, the Uranus, the Mars thing with your groups of friends that you're with, I think this is just going to emphasize more of the value that you receive out of those friendships Yeah, on on a one-to-one level. Yeah, and this is the most positive transit of the month. I think we both agree, hands down. Oh, yeah. The Venus-Jupiter conjunction that takes place in the third quarter of January around 15, 16 degrees of Sagittarius. And this is just, um, it's sort of emphasizing or re-emphasizing some of the year-long themes that we've already talked about in previous month's horoscopes of Jupiter transiting through Sagittarius and going through your seventh house and some of the themes of growth and expansion when it comes to personal relationships. Um, but Venus catching up there is especially going to accentuate that, um, particularly for people with night charts where Venus is a more positive planet for you, those of you who are born at night. And I think that's really going to um, just ex- be experienced as a more subjectively positive period for relationships in which things with relationships are going well. If you've had a rocky period with relationships in the past or you've had like a falling out or some sort of difficulty with a partner previously, this can be a good time to try to smooth things over, to try to make overtures in order to sort of unify or stabilize your relationship in some way or even to confirm and sort of affirm your relationship because one of the things that the benefics do, one of their special um, sort of properties is the ability to to say yes to things, to affirm things and say like yes to this relationship or yes to this partnership in some way. Yeah. And I mean, this is Jupiter in your seventh house. He's expanding. He's wanting to open doors and opportunities for more in relationships. And a lot of it has to do with discovery and learning and growth. And Venus is just bringing that value and bringing the connection there where Jupiter is bringing the opportunity. Venus is like initiating. I mean, she's also the morning star. She's really initiating the going for that Mm -hmm. and the uh, connection with the relationships. Yeah. And What's also great too is on this uh, when Ven- right before Venus hits Jupiter, she's going to try and Mars. So it's like maybe that's coming from an area of your friendships, or maybe that came from a bigger group of ne- like a bigger network that you were associated with. And what's also crazy too is on this Venus Jupiter conjunction is it's right after uh, it's right yeah right after the Sun moves into Aquarius, and we have this total lunar eclipse. This vacuuming. Does <laughs> that vacuuming? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's try. How far? It's eleven minutes through. Let's is who who are we? This is for Gemini. Yeah. Can Gemini deal with this? Gemini can deal with it. Gemini can deal with it. Let's power through it. Let's power. So we're sorry, Gemini. All right. So, <laughs> uh, we're hearing vacuuming from. If this answers. was Virgo, I'd say no. We need to stop. Yeah, right we now. <laughs> Gemini is adaptable and no, it's really bad. This it's is awesome. really bad. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and we're back. All right. We are back. We left off before the vacuuming had commenced. Uh, we left off with. The total lunar eclipse in Leo that is happening on January 21st. And that's going to be a pretty big deal for you guys. Yeah. So January 21st, we can see it on the transit, the ingress chart, the sun goes into Aquarius on the 20th, moving into your ninth house. And then the day after that on the 21st is a lunar eclipse. You said it's a total lunar eclipse, right? Total lunar eclipse. Yeah. And that is taking place in your third house of communication, siblings, short distance travel, and other similar topics like that. Yeah. And, you know, this is definitely closing out this, you know, the eclipse cycle that you had in your third and your ninth house. And what were you saying about when we were doing the Sagittarius rising? What were you saying about the, about 
learning and being educated on something versus actually communicating it and speaking it. Yeah, it's just these eclipses have been bouncing back and forth uh, for Gemini rising between their ninth house and their third house, which is over the past couple of years, which is really about what you know or what you've learned versus knowing and figuring out how to communicate it and convey that or teach that to other people. Yeah, and I think this full moon in Leo is definitely wrapping that up, closing that out. You know, like how were you communicating that? How were you expressing that? Was it coming from, you know, this is all about Leo too. This is like the sun, this is solar stuff. Like, was it, um, I hate to say this, but was it in your truth? Was it like, you know, something that was an integral part of you? Do you feel comfortable and clear about how you express yourself and how you do communicate these messages? And this is just kind of looking back and closing out that last chapter and feeling that last sense of Leo-ness of like confidence of moving forward and confidence of what you've learned and grasped during that time. Yeah, definitely. And this is since this is the final eclipse that's taking place in Leo and it's a lunar eclipse, this isn't necessarily like starting something new or initiating something new in that area, but instead it's the effects of something that you initiated previously. So something some sort of way of communicating or some way of putting things out there in the world that you know is now starting to come to fruition that you had initiated previously, especially six months earlier when there was the last solar eclipse in that same sign. Uh, so yeah, that's a pretty. it's interesting though with this whole, um, all the stuff we're talking about, it's a very social month for Gemini because all of these major things are happening in the social houses, which are like the third house of communication, the seventh house of relationships, and the eleventh house of friends. So a lot of the activity this month is very much in the social sphere. Yeah, and I, I also wanted to say too before we forget is that third house and uh, the third house for you guys also has to represent besides communication and speaking also has to do with your siblings, uh, the relatives has to do with your neighborhood, like your very more immediate environment. Right. Um. So this could be dealing with things around those levels, like you may maybe been working with a sibling or had some issues or something like that come up. This is kind of like ending all of that stuff. Yeah. Or or like a culmination of events in a sibling's life because sometimes you know the things in different parts of our chart are just reflecting things that are happening in the lives of people around us in a very concrete way yeah astrology is not always about you and it has to deal with the people that are around you as well definitely um but the next great thing that we have going on after that a few days later on january 24th we have mercury ingressing into aquarius which is going to be going into your ninth house which is pretty positive for the most part because as mercury has been in your eighth house where all that Capricorn stuff was dealing with, you know, difficulty there where Mercury goes into the ninth house. I think this has a lot to do with having more clear communication, having more understanding, getting down to, I guess, real, uh, what's a better word than understanding being clear, being, uh, yeah, uh, understand a better word than understanding, like wisdom, um, knowledge versus experience is, a, is another thing there. Uh, this is connected, you've said in previous horoscopes, to the Mars retrograde, which went retrograde in Aquarius in the ninth house for Gemini about six months ago and created sometimes some problems and some separations from people. You observed that this Mercury-Sun conjunction coming up is really sort of reflecting back on that in some way? Yeah. What problems that you guys might have experienced over this last summer of 2018 with Mars stationing retrograde, you know, problems in the ninth house with Mars retrograde is like, you know, disconnecting from like your religion that you grew up with or you know disassociating with certain beliefs that you just don't connect to anymore and i believe that this mercury sun conjunction is really just bringing a a clear a clear understanding of that and a different perspective learning how you can connect the dots again where mars cut and took away this mercury sun conjunction is having you guys look at things through a bigger perspective and learning how to connect all of it together and with that ninth house theme of 
you know, religion, belief, spirituality, far distance travel, um, even publishing. It's kind of like where Mars was having those issues of you wanting to separate, wanting to go away from that. The Mercury and Sun conjunctions wanting you to look at ways to connect. Definitely. And like reestablishing lines of communication is a good keyword for that Sun-Mercury conjunction on the 29th of January and probably just um, things that were separated or things that you had to split off from last summer with the Mars retrograde are sort of brought back into your life in a way that's more constructive through opening up or reopening those those lines of dialogue. Yeah. And so even though the first part of January does look pretty rough with all that eighth house stuff, as Venus and Jupiter are entering your seventh house and they're having a blast there, Mars is having a blast in your 11th house, the same thing with the full moon in Leo. Um, and as we get later on to the sun moving into Aquarius, Mercury going into Aquarius, uh, I think things are going to become a lot more lighter and a lot more easier to control and work with. Definitely, for sure. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the month, barring any future other interruptions. Or <laughs> uh, are there any major transits that we wanted to talk about? You want to touch on that we sh- didn't, or are we good? Um, do you want to hit the Jupiter Neptune square? Let's just touch on it very briefly. We, we, we so. probably should. This is two angular houses. Um, yeah. So we talked a lot about the Venus Jupiter conjunction in Sagittarius, but that's not the only part of that. That's not happening in isolation necessarily. Yeah. I mean, Venus is also going to be squaring Neptune too, but Jupiter will be squaring Neptune. And this is happening in your 10th and 7th house where Jupiter and Sagittarius is expanding and bringing a lot of things to relationships, to uh, one-on-one relationships, partnerships. Neptune is squaring that where Neptune in your 10th house is putting this fog and this unclarity, yet this very spiritual connection at times to things revolving your public life, your career, how you're really known for. And as Jupiter squares that, I really think that there's going to be this abundance of opportunities in the field of relationships. But as far as what the surface of that looks like, you know, um, what that's really going to be portrayed at uh, portrayed as in a public sense, in a bigger view sense, as far as what that looks like, that may still be confusing. It's like these relationships are coming in, they're bountiful, they're great, but what they're going to eventually turn into or what they are actually will be manifesting into, what the long term is, may be a very confusing road. Yeah, there's some sort of tension that's coming up. I think one of the keywords you used during one of the previous horoscopes for another rising sign was fog for Neptune. Yeah. Some sort of fogginess going on in this decade long transit of Neptune going through your 10th house of career and life direction, and some of the things in terms of trying to figure out where you're going with that and trying to establish. You know, everybody wants to know for sure what they're doing and where they're going and have a clear plan for things. But sometimes Neptune transits are like trying to grab onto a fistful of sand. And just the harder you try to hold on to it, the more it slips through your fingers. So there's something about the that long-term transit through your 10th house right now that's going to uh, cause some tension or going to come into some conflict in some way. Not like terrible, you know, gut-wrenching conflict, but just yeah. some tension with the seventh house relationship stuff that's going on with Jupiter causing growth and expansion there. Um, somehow there's some tension between those two areas of your life. And that comes into focus this month on, I believe, the 13th when we have the very first exact Jupiter-Neptune square. Uh, but it's just the first one in a sequence of three exact squares that are going to happen during the course of 2019. So pay close attention to if any notable, even low-level events occur around the time of that exact Jupiter-Neptune square this month. Because if something does happen, it's just probably going to be the opening of a sequence of three notable turning points or events. And this will be like the beginning of the story in January. Then there'll be a middle of the story at the second square. And then finally at the third square, the end of the story when things are brought to completion. 
Yeah, and I think it's going to, I mean, this does have a long time to play out and kind of manifest. However, I do think the Jupiter-Neptune part of it is going to feel a little bit overwhelming. Like Jupiter and Sagittarius is kind of really big on putting abundance and, you know, opening doors and, uh, oh my God, what's the Jupiter word of expansion? expansion. Okay, I, was like, yeah. I cannot think of that word. It's right. going to be kind of expanding that whole confusing area in that 10th and 7th house uh, areas of career and relationships. So expect an abundance of confusion. But it's also more of a smaller, minor thing versus, you know, the rest of the stuff that you guys got going on for you this month. It's just something to still take note of, though. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. I'm glad we mentioned that. Thanks. This is great. Thanks for joining me this month for these horoscopes. You actually do your own horoscopes each month on your YouTube channel, right? Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, on my YouTube, if you guys want to check it out, it's at White Light Astrology. Or if you guys are on Twitter, follow me at White Light Cam. And you can just check out whitelightastrology.com for anything else. Awesome. And I'll put links to those pages in the description for this video below if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, I also just last week launched a set of 2019 planetary astrology calendar posters, which show all the planetary alignments for the entire year, sort of like some of the artwork that I use in these horoscope videos each month, except these show the transits for the entire year so that you can use them to track your personal astrology. So you can find out more information about that at uh, theastrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters, and I'll put a link to it below the description page for this YouTube video as well. So thanks a lot for watching. Thanks, Cam, for joining me this month, and we will see you again next month for the horoscopes for February of 2019. Hey, my name is Chris Brennan, and this is your horoscope for Cancer and Cancer Rising for the month of January of 2019. Joining me today is Cam White. Hey, Cam. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. And we're going to be going through your horoscope for the next few weeks, looking at the transits for those of you with Cancer Rising. So here, let's jump to the transit chart, which shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the month and where they will end by the end of the month. We've also got an ingress chart that shows the dates when planets change signs, when they station retrograde or direct, and when they form exact aspects with each other. So where should we start for this month? Let's start on the seventh house, Cancer. Okay. <laughs> yeah, seventh house is where all the activity is. Just clear. Just looking at the chart, you can just see this huge cluster of all these planets in the seventh house of relationships this month. Yeah, and I mean, starting off uh, at the month, uh, January, what is that, 4th and 5th, we have Mercury going into Capricorn, and we have the solar eclipse, new moon in Capricorn, all happening in your seventh house. Um, and I'm sure you felt Saturn either he's already went over your descendant or he's coming close to your descendant. I'm sure you felt Saturn in your seventh house either way, but it may get, I shouldn't say it may, it's going to get a lot louder this month. Yeah. I mean, last month we did a homework assignment. We told everybody to post in the comment section on YouTube for the horoscope for December, what their experience of Saturn and Capricorn going through your seventh house of relationships has been like so far this past year, ever since Saturn went into Capricorn in December of 2017. And we got a lot of great comments and a lot of interesting feedback about how that's working out so far. But this month, it seems like some of those themes that may have been almost just background themes over the past year of Saturn going through Capricorn will really start to get amped up as we get this first lunar eclipse or first solar eclipse, I should say, in Capricorn of a new sequence of eclipses that are going to take place over the course of the next year or two. Yeah. And, th and these eclipses are just emphasizing whatever you know house that it's really going into. And with Mercury being in your seventh house in Capricorn now, where it's you know uh, communicating in relationships, working on that communication, working on you know um, Saturn things are like, you know, where are your boundaries? Where are you wanting to, you know, connect? Where are you wanting to have a little bit more of, um, I don't want to say discipline because that's a weird word for relationship matter, but, um, no, I mean, it can be a good relationship. Like, you know, there's different cause relationships take work. And so sometimes, um, putting work into, and that can be like a form of, of 
discipline, which is like how much work are you putting into the relationship versus how much is your partner and is there like an even exchange there or is something unbalanced for some reason? Yeah, and I think with the south node right there too, I think this is definitely coming into a space, especially with the north node being in cancer in your first house, I think this is definitely coming from a space of like, hey, where are not necessarily the issues in relationships, but where do you need to put more uh, boundaries up? Where do you need to have a little bit of framework, get things a little bit more concentrated? And I think this eclipse, this whole new moon is really going to be putting the whole, I mean, it's both the luminaries in one sign and one spot. They're wanting you to look at your seventh house in Capricorn and Saturn's there, Mercury's there. It's like you have a lot of um, little tasks to do that are going to end up being like a whole framework, you know, uh, like what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, foundation change. Yeah. And, and foundation is a good keyword because since this is a solar eclipse, it's like a super amped up new moon taking place in your seventh house of relationships. So there's going to be sort of setting the seeds or setting the foundations of something new in the sphere of relationships that's going to grow and develop, especially over the next six months until eventually in the middle of next year, there's going to be a lunar eclipse in Capricorn, which will represent a culmination of events that were initiated here this month in January. So for some of you, this could be something like starting a new relationship with the new moon taking place in your seventh house. For other people, it could be just starting a new phase in a current relationship. Uh, if you're already in a relationship, but some sort of new chapter opening up that grows and develops over the course of the next six months. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there's we're going to talk a little bit more about the Capricorn stuff, especially with Mars and everything. But I mean, the next thing that we have after that is your honest going direct in your 10th house in Aries, where Mars will also be uh, starting off at like the end of de- December 31st. Mars is going to be in Aries that whole time in his domicile where he can be the most Mars that he possibly can be. And I think Uranus going direct right there is bringing these themes that you guys have experienced for the past you know, seven years with Uranus being in Aries, bringing these themes around career, your boss, your public vocation, the public eye, more general like life stuff. I like to say that the 10th house is what everyone kind of sees. Um, Uranus going direct right there, it's kind of like one last punch, one last boom before we get Uranus going back into Taurus. And what's important about that is Mars is going to be there too. I mean, we right. had, you had Mars retrograde in your eighth house, ugh, and you had Mars go through Pisces in your ninth house, which, you know, that's probably not even, that's not any easier. But now that Mars is in your 10th house, you know, there's a lot, uh, there's more things that you're focusing on in your career. You may have some issues being brought up, you know, Mars and Aries, uh, we were talking about this a lot. It's, you know, confrontation issues, maybe some fights somewhere. Um, yeah, it's like best case scenario, Mars just brings a ton of new of additional energy and focus to whatever area of the chart that it transits. So best case scenario, this is going to be a month where you're going to put a lot more focus and a lot more energy and have to really like burn the candle at both ends, so to speak, in the area of career and your overall life direction and your sort of work in general, working on your career and working on your reputation. But the sort of downside of that is sometimes that that excess of energy can boil over and indicate uh, tension or or strife or sometimes conflict in the area of career as well. Yeah. you're. I mean, regardless, you're going to have a lot on your plate because th- something that coincides with this is Venus moving into Sagittarius the next day. And that's going into your sixth house of service, of employment, of what you're doing every single day, your habits, your routine, as well as your health. And when Venus goes into Sagittarius, she's going to meet up with Jupiter, make a conjunction. She's also going to be trining Mars. And so while although Mars is in Aries in your 10th house where on the surface you're accomplishing more, there's a lot more work to be done, Venus and Jupiter being in your 6th house of like, you know, your habits, your everyday routine, I really think is going to be a positive lift of like, 
yeah, sure, you may have a big workload on you, but you're actually enjoying your day-to-day habits, your day-to-day routine. Um, Venus is bringing a lot of value and a lot of, you know, Venus and Sagittarius is like value in learning, value in exploring, value in adventuring and having fun with things at the end of the day. Yeah, look at this amazing, it's not just a Venus-Jupiter conjunction that takes place around the 21st, 22nd at 15, 16 degrees of Sagittarius, but it actually ends up forming a grand fire trine with Mars, which is right about 14 Aries at that time, and then the moon swoops in very quickly and completes the grand trine from the middle of Leo. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all looking positive. And this with, with this being in your sixth house, like, I mean, this is focused on health, focused on habits and, you know, even employment and stuff. So I really do think even though Mars and Aries may bring some issues in that 10th house area, I think you're really going to start to enjoy being busy, having things to do, having things to go and learn and explore. Sure. Yeah, there's definitely some balance. Um, let's see. So having that benefic transit through the sixth, other manifestations of that can sometimes be a positive development with respect to figuring out something out with respect with respect to health matters so sometimes if there was an issue previously there can be like um finally figuring out how to deal with that or how to address that properly in a way that's constructive and useful and that could be a very positive manifestation of that 6th house conjunction of Venus and Jupiter um it could also be a positive development if you um have anybody that works under you in a sort of support role um, either finding somebody that can help you out more on a day-to-day basis if you haven't had that previously, or um, perhaps just having some new development in that relationship that's beneficial to you uh, and that allows your your life and your work to run more smoothly. Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, um, after that, this is also going to coincide with that fire energy stuff because uh, at the chart that you just pulled up. After that, we have the sun ingressing into Aquarius, and the next day we have the last total lunar eclipse in Leo, which is happening in your second house. And I do think this is going to be quite a big deal as the sun goes into your eighth house. You know, that's more of the themes focused on other people's resources, shared resources, you know, change, stuff like that. But as the moon goes into Leo, um, and we have this last total lunar eclipse, this is happening in your second house where we've had these eclipses for the past year and a half. So themes around money, themes around assets and your valuables or things that you physically own, physical items that you possess. Um, This is kind of bringing all of that to culmination and kind of having one last, like, how would you describe it? One last, I don't want to say boom. Yeah, just like a culmination and bringing to completion um, some things that were initiated over the past year or two because it's been bouncing back and forth between eclipses, lunar eclipses and solar eclipses in their second house of finances and their eighth house of other people's money, and sometimes the relationship between the two. But this is the final eclipse in that series taking place in your second house. So there's something that's being brought to completion or being wrapped up at this time about your finances that it's not new. It's something that it's not something that's just going to come out of nowhere that you haven't known about up till this point, but instead it's sort of wrapping up a sequence or a phase that's been playing itself out over the course of the past couple of years as we've gotten things like the the quote unquote great american eclipse last year and a half ago which was in leo which is a solar well, that eclipse was a year and a half ago yeah that was already <laughs> we're yeah let's yeah no i feel i felt that but um i mean it's happening in your second house this is good for positive uh, for finance stuff i mean it just sounds like mars in your 10th and venus and jupiter in your 6th sounds like you're really busy with work and so you make a little bit more money with that yeah, um, it's definitely activating that whole fire trine for the Cancer Risings is the whole financial work career sort of um, triad in the chart of like second house finances, sixth house 
work and service to others or sometimes employees and 10th house career and overall life direction and vocation. Um, and, and sort of at the top of that is just that Uranus transit of stationing for the last time in your 10th house and reflecting on some of the radical changes and sometimes unexpected new directions that you've headed um, over the course of the past decade since 2011 when Uranus first went into that sign. Mm -hmm. And you may have one last look back at how different your sort of life trajectory is now in 2018 at the end of that transit compared to where it began in 2011 when Uranus first moved into Aries and first moved into your 10th house of career. Mm -hmm. And um, with this eclipse too, a few days later, once Mercury goes into Aquarius and this goes into your eighth house, I think this is also going to keep the focus on not only like your money, your possessions, what you have, but the eighth house is other people's money, shared resources, taxes, uh, the government. Um, so I do think with Mercury going into eighth house where it's going to be the focus is on, you know, not only shared resources and stuff like that, the eighth house can also be anxieties, fears, big changes, dealing with death, dealing with, um, basically anything <laughs> relatively bad. But as Mercury goes through there a couple days later, uh, we have the sun Mercury conjunction going on in the eighth house. And right. that is basically a degree off from where the Mars retrograde was. Right. It's that happening at eight degrees. And I think this is going to be clearing up a lot of that area that you might've had problems with over this past summer with Mars retrograding there. So that conjunction of the sun and Mercury. So the sequence is like the sun moves into Aquarius on the 20th of January, then Mercury joins it and moves into Aquarius on the 24th of January, and then finally the two conjoin on the 29th of January. And that, that's a really good point that that's sort of the exact area of the chart and the exact degrees where Mars went retrograde last year. And for some people may have, might have caused some problems in terms of the general topic of other people's money or how the finances of other people relate to your own finances last summer with Mars sometimes creating like controversy or strife in that area of the chart. But now we have the Sun and Mercury forming that conjunction and kind of sweeping up and, and cleaning up after the Mars transit in a way that might be helpful or productive in the aftermath of what was a pretty long like six-month transit for a lot of people. Yeah, and I think it's going to bring a lot of insight and clarity and also finding ways to connect the dots and bring things together. You know, where Mars kind of separated things and you know, Aquarius is dealing with alienation and isolation and stuff like that. And the Sun and Mercury are kind of like, okay, well, let's find the pieces to connect again. Um, let's. It's kind of like when you break something, like you know, if you broke this table in half, it's going to look all agit, like you know, jaggedy and whatnot. You got to connect them, just the right pieces together. Yeah, and I think that's what. That's, please don't break. <laughs> I'm not going to break your table. Uh, <laughs> no, I like that though because it's the idea of also like reestablishing communication, or sometimes if there was a severing or separation or strife that occurred with respect to the 8th house and with respect to shared resources or other people's finances, sometimes reaching out and trying to reestablish communication in a way to smooth things over could be a great use of this transit towards the end of January when we have that conjunction taking place in the same degrees as the Mars retrograde, as you said. Yeah, definitely. All right, brilliant. Were there any other transits that we meant to talk about? I mean, it looks like we're towards the end of the month here, so that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, I mean, th the biggest thing is I just really think for most Cancer Suns or Risings, for the most part, you guys are just going to be really busy with work. Um, and I do think a lot of the serious Capricorn Seventh House stuff around, you know, setting boundaries, putting in the work, being disciplined, you know, um, concentrating that energy on that Seventh House is going to be a big theme. And I do think that's going to manifest in career areas as well. But I just think you're going to be, be, for the most part, pretty busy this month working, but it doesn't sound like you're going to hate it. It sounds like you're actually going to really enjoy what you're doing every single day. 
Yeah, part of it may just be the tension sometimes because, of course, when Mars goes into Aries, it's going to square some of those seventh house planets and form a square between Mars and the tenth of career and the Capricorn planets in the seventh house of relationships. So perhaps some tensions between like work and career and having to figure out how to balance the tensions between those two and maybe wanting to put a lot of energy into career, but then that drawing energy away from from relationships or mm-hmm. vice versa and some of the um, concessions that you have to make in order to balance out those two areas of your life. Yeah, definitely. All right, brilliant. Well, I think that is it then for for this month's horoscope. So thanks a lot for joining me. You actually do your own horoscopes each month for each sign on your YouTube channel, right? Yeah, I do a lot of astrology content on my YouTube at White Light Astrology. If you guys want to check me out, give me a sub. As well, if you guys are on Astro Twitter, follow me at White Light Cam. I'm always on Twitter talking about astrology. And then anything else, just uh, check out my website at White Light Astrology and you can see all my uh, connections there. Brilliant. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. Uh, I've also got posters I just launched last week. So these are the 2019 Planetary Alignments uh, Astrology Calendar posters, which I'm sending out to people now. It's a lot of the artwork that we use in these episodes for the horoscopes each month, except it shows the transits for the entire year so that you can better track your own transits and see some of the things that are coming up a little bit ahead of time. So you can find out information about that at theastrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters, and I'll put links to everything in the description page for this video below on YouTube. So thanks a lot for joining me today, Cam. Thanks for having me. And thanks everyone for watching, and we'll see you again next month for the horoscopes for February of 2019. All right, good luck. Hi, my name is Chris Brennan, and this is your horoscope for Leo and Leo Rising for January of 2019. Joining me today is Cam White of Cam White of WhiteLightAstrology.com. <laughs> How's it going, Chris? Thanks hey, for having me. Thanks for joining me. Uh, so we're going to do your horoscopes for the next few weeks for those of you, especially with Leo Rising. Let's jump right into it. So here's the transit chart that shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the month and how far through the zodiac they will move by the end of the month. And then we also have an ingress chart that shows the specific days that the planets move into certain signs, when they station retrograde or direct, and when they make exact aspects. So where should we start? It looks like right away at the top of the month, we got a bunch of stuff going on in Capricorn, right? Yeah, we got a big uh, eclipse in Capricorn as well as Mercury going into Capricorn in the same week in that first weekend of January. Okay. And Capricorn, for those with Leo rising, of course, is going to be the sixth house, which is the place of health, work and other topics like that. Yeah, health, employment, day-to-day activities, your habits, your routine, your sense of service. Um the sixth house is like very uh mundane in a sense, mm-hmm. uh very simple type things, but you know, Saturn's going through there, the sun's going to be going through Capricorn. So a lot of the big themes are of, you know, what are your habits, what are your routines, where are you solidifying your work? Um themes like that are coming up, but I think as Mercury goes into the sixth house, this is where that's going to be more on the, um, that's going to be what's more on your mind, what's going to be more focused. Mercury is, you know, communication, thinking, your mindset, um, uh, expressing. And as that's going through that sixth house of work and things like that, you may be uh, wanting to tidy up those areas, wanting to kind of consolidate and um, get things in an efficient, get things in efficient order. Yeah. And and so this is a topic we've talked about a few times in the past, just because Saturn, of course, has been going through Capricorn and it's been indicating some restructuring, sometimes some challenges in this area over the course of the past year since December of 2017. But this month with this eclipse, this the first of a se- series of solar eclipse taking place in Capricorn uh, starting on January 5th, I think that's really going to trigger um, the acceleration of some of the changes and some of the events in this area much more than 
any other transits have so far uh, over the past year that Saturn's been moving through there. So we're really going to get an intensification of some of these topics starting this month that's then going to carry through to different parts of 2019 as the, we subsequently start getting other eclipses in that sign as well. Yeah, as we get into June and July. And I mean, this is like, a, it's, I mean, it's an eclipse, but it's also, it's a new moon. It's resetting these intentions. It's putting the two luminaries and focusing the light on this area. Mm-hmm. That eclipse is just making it a, you know, a huge emphasis, a big point to uh, focus on. Um, yeah, so we're going to be starting something new since it's a new moon. So setting the seeds of the foundation for something that will grow and develop and eventually culminate in about six months from now. Mm-hmm. So some you know positive manifestations of sixth house stuff can be greater focus on like work, uh, health and health related matters. So sometimes it can be like dealing with health stuff if you've been putting things off, like starting to actually deal with it. Other times I've seen people. I remember having a big sixth house transit myself and starting to like go back to the gym and actually focus on like physical health much more than I did previously. Um, uh, other things can be changes at work. Sometimes if you if you run a business or if you have people that work under you, it can be changes in terms of your relationship with employees because the sixth house also has to do with people that are in a sort of service-oriented position relative to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on in that area this month, but it's it's definitely more setting the stage for some more long-term changes in this area rather than something that's all necessarily going to happen at once. Yeah. And it's very Saturn themed, like, you know, setting those intentions, but like committing to the long-term result, committing to the, you know, changing your habits or changing your health, uh, focusing more on those, you know, six house themes and just being very committed to it for the long run. Yeah. And so we got some, that was was actually the homework assignment last month for last month's horoscopes as we asked people to um, write us in and tell us what your experiences have been of Saturn and Capricorn so far going through your sixth house for Leo rising. And we got a really lot of great comments back. So I'd recommend going back to last month's horoscopes for December and taking a look at those just because it was a nice way of like sort of crowdsourcing the interpretation of like different ways that Saturn going through the sixth house can be experienced by those with Leo rising. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, the next thing up after that is we have Uranus going direct in your ninth house of Aries. So I think that's also going to be quite positive because Mars is going to be in Aries at the same time. You know, Mars is finally out of Pisces, out of your eighth house, where that was probably not fun after Mars was retrograding in your seventh. But now Mars gets to go into his home sign of Aries, where he can do the most Mars type things at you know the best ability that he can. Um, and Uranus going direct here too in Aries, I think it's just going to put a lot of explosive energy here and a lot more, um, just a lot more energy in general. And the ninth house is related to. You know, religion, philosophy, spirituality, far distance travel, uh, higher education and learning things. So I think that Uranus and Mars action right there is really going to bring a lot of emphasis in that area. And that emphasis can look like, you know, wanting to Mars could bring some problems. So having some problems with your beliefs, having some problems, you know, if you're trying to travel somewhere far, you may have some issues with that. But also Mars and Aries is gearing you up for that energy to explore those things and to take action on those things. Yeah, having like greater energy to like throw yourself into a new study or into learning something new that you might have previously or pushing through boundaries or other things with respect to something that's foreign or different from what you're used to, which can sometimes be like literally like a long distance trip. So um, at the same time, so it's interesting that we have that transit. So Mars goes into Aries actually on New Year's. Uh, Eve, so on the 31st of December, but then of course by January 1st, it's already at the very first degree of Aries. 
and that transit lasts for the entirety of the rest of January and then a little bit over into February. So we have some stuff going on there. And sometimes that can be, I think you already mentioned this, but sometimes that can be kind of like an irritating or it can indicate um, conflict or clashes over either educational matters or something that you believe, like um, whether that's an inner conflict or sometimes manifests as like an outer tension with somebody else surrounding matters of, of belief in some way. Yeah. I mean, I, f- I feel like Mars and Aries is trying to establish something. He's trying to like put himself out there. It's like that warrior energy or, you know, what we were saying about the ninth house is learning something new, maybe learning how to do something physically, like learning a new physical, you know, talent or something like that. But it could also be, you know, if there's going to be problems, it may be confrontation. It may be, you know, anger and frustration, like real Mars and Aries type stuff in that area. And I mean, to focus it back on Uranus going direct on that day, um, I think just that whole area and that whole theme is just going to be kind of explosive. You know, uh, Uranus's extreme ups and downs, very unpredictable and uh, bringing those themes alive where Mars is going to be there, where there's already energy there. I think it's just going to make it one last big bang, one big boom before we go back into Uranus and Taurus. Yeah. So Uranus stations direct here, according to the the ingress chart on the 6th of January. And this is the very last um, Uranus station in Aries. It's been tra- traveling through Aries and through your ninth house of travel and belief and education for the last seven years since 2011. And now it's making one last dip into Aries. It's stationing direct and it has one last intensification of that transit this month. And then after that point, it's going to move forward and depart from that sign for the final time here in the next few months. So this is like one last gasp of that transit or for some of you just one last look back at the ways in which this area of your chart and this area of your life the ninth house and things surrounding education or beliefs or exposure to that which is foreign has sort of changed or gone through some radical and sometimes unexpected changes over the course of the past 7 years and it would be good this month to just reflect on that and sort of take in how much that area of your life has changed over the course of the past decade yeah i would totally agree and then, I mean, the next day after that, we have Venus going into Sagittarius. Woo-woo. Yes, I'm very excited about it. So this is the most positive transit, I think, of the month is Venus ingressing into Sagittarius, going into the fifth house for those with Leo rising, and then eventually catching up to and conjoining Jupiter uh, in Sagittarius around 15, 16 degrees, not long after that. Yeah. And I mean, Venus is also going to trine Mars during it too and, bes- and hitting you know Jupiter. I think this is just going to be a very positive manifestation. Um I mean, this the fifth house is the fun house. Uh, it's all about you know children, art, music, creativity, uh, sex. In some cases, it's a very positive house. And I think Venus finally getting out of that fourth house, getting out of the gunky family things, parent things that you guys are dealing with. As Venus goes into the fifth house, you have more focus on what it is that you do want to pursue, what it is that you do value, and more of searching and discovering themes of that. Look at the grand trine here on the fifth on the twenty first. That is a nice that class. is. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a sexy fire grand trine uh, around 15 degrees of Sagittarius, 15 Sag for Venus Jupiter conjunction, trining Mars at 14 degrees of Aries, and trining the Moon, which swoops in around the middle degrees of Leo right around the same time to form a grand fire trine. Yeah, and that's right after the eclipse, which is like the next thing that we were going to talk about. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's damn. That's a, that was like an awesome day. Let's switch to that. So the eclipse that you mentioned takes place on the 21st of January, and that is actually in Leo, which is the first house for those of you with Leo rising. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is going to be a huge deal for Leos too, because we've had the North Node going through your first house or over your sun, 
And for this past eclipse season, you guys have been, you know, realizing more about yourself. These whole, you know, lunations and eclipse cycles have been about you and have been about discovering more, understanding more, bringing more things to light. Um, and this last eclipse, it's a total lunar eclipse. It's at zero degrees, Leo. It's happening in your first house. I think this is coming, you know, looking back at the past, what, year and a half, two years that we've had these eclipses and reflecting on what has changed, where have you grown? And this is in your first house. It's all about your personality, your sense of self. It's a very personal house. So I do think that this eclipse is going to be one last look at yourself and be like, hey, where, what have you not necessarily accomplished, but how much have you risen in your light? Like Leo Risings, you know, I just did a thing on Twitter about, you know, if you're Leo Rising, show me your hair. Yeah. Um, like there's big personalities. There's a lot of, you know, um, energy there, a lot of lo- like light energy, solar energy. And that moon uh, being totally eclipsed right there, bringing the emotional aspect and the emotional view into things. I think it's just a good time to reflect on where have you, what have you learned? Where have you grown? What did you experience? And how did you really bring about more of the Leo part of yourself more out into this world? Definitely. I love that interpretation just because this, and this is the very last of the Leo Aquarius eclipse series where over the past couple of years, it's just been bouncing back and forth between your first house of self and your seventh house of other people and doing this sort of uh, seesaw back and forth of trying to under, trying to establish who you are on your own versus who you are with respect to other people in your life, especially close personal relationships. And this is the final culmination of that series where you can kind of either look back and reflect on and see just what has changed in terms of either your personality or your physical appearance or other sort of tangible things about the first house, um, but also where you can like um, sort of institute the final changes that you want to institute at this point in order to fully close down that chapter of your life as the eclipses then move out of that sequence of signs over the course of the next six months. Yeah. And I wanted to bring it back to that grand fire trine too, because I think that full moon in Leo is really going to bring out a lot. But with Venus and Jupiter being in your Sagittarius and fifth house, it's just kind of realizing, you know, what what more of you want, what more of or realizing more of yourself, reflecting back on that and being able to pursue more with what you want. You have Mars and Aries in your ninth house, you're discovering, you're learning, you're doing, you're achieving. And Venus and Jupiter are like wanting you to focus more on like, hey, what do you want to create? What do you want to explore? And I think this whole full moon in Leo is kind of like the last big, you know, like, hey, you're awesome. You're cool. Keep go- keep doing what you're doing. Um, And then the next thing after that to talk more about it is Mercury is going into Aquarius where it'll, it'll later uh, conjunct the sun, go Kazemi in your seventh house. And it's going to be about a degree away from where Mars stationed retrograde. Right. So previously, a lot of like previous months horoscopes during the Mars retrograde, where Mars stationed in Aquarius, we're talking about some of the the tensions or some of the challenges that that could sometimes bring to relationships in your life for a several month period last during the middle of last year. But now we have Mercury and the Sun moving into Aquarius and sort of almost cleaning up or or dusting up that area in the aftermath of that transit. Yeah, and I think as Mercury goes into Aquarius in your seventh house and communication with relationships close inter like it uh close uh what's the word i'm looking for interpersonal intimate, intimate yeah or interpersonal relationships communication gets more established there and i think as the mercury sun conjunction happens where that degree was you know mars was tearing up your seventh house 
I feel like a line of communication and connecting the dots. I feel like that's a big Saturn thing, or I shouldn't say a Saturn thing, an Aquarius thing is connecting the pieces together and giving you that clarity, giving you that sense of this is how I feel. This is what I need to say. This is how I need to relate and communicate with uh, partnerships, with relationships. I think that's just going to become the clearing energy by the time we get to the end of January. Definitely. So in terms of dates, the sun, of course, ingresses into Aquarius on the 20th of January as it does around the same time every year. Then we get that lunar eclipse in Leo on the 21st. Then Mercury ingresses into Aquarius on January 24th. And then finally, we get the Sun-Mercury conjunction in Aquarius in your seventh house on the 29th of January. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the one that we're focusing on there. And because you know, because the Mars transit through the seventh could be more of a, a separating energy and you could have experienced some sort of separation or some sort of tension with relationships or with other people in your life last summer, when Mars is going through your seventh, um, Mercury Sun conjoining there could really be about reestablishing communication or reopening lines of communication that were previously closed or cut off. So if you have been thinking about that, or if you feel like it's time to reach out to somebody, uh, <laughs> maybe- I miss you text. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, besides that, just to kind of wrap up January, I think a lot, I mean, there's a lot of things going on in your sixth house. So focusing on your routine, focusing on your work, what service are you, you know, uh, putting out there? Uh, what's your employment like? What's your health life? Really being sat, having a Saturn attitude around those themes, um, is going to be a big deal. But besides that, you got, you know, that full moon in Leo, Mars is in Aries, Venus and Jupiter and Sag. Like this is a very positive month for you. Um, in respect to a lot of other areas in your life, I just think that sixth house Capricorn stuff is going to be a big thing of like, sure, everything may be great, but you're going to be busy. <laughs> yeah, busy. And there's just a lot of bodily focus. I mean, anytime the first house and the sixth house are activated, um, both of those are the health houses. So it can sometimes just put more of the focus of the month on health matters and definitely trying to um, you know, either finalize some things when, when we have the, the lunar eclipse in the first house that have been like long-term plans surrounding bodily matters and physical health and vitality, or while you're wrapping some things up also with the solar eclipse in the sixth house, sort of initiating some new health routines in order order to ward off in the long-term any potential long-term issues that could arise if you're like not doing something that you need to be doing in terms of health. Yeah, yeah that whole Saturn thing, be committed for the long run. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Brilliant. Well, I'm trying to think if there's anything we forgot, but I think that's pretty much everything that we wanted to cover for this month's horoscopes, right? Yeah. I think we got everything done in a timely manner this time. Brilliant. Only 16 minutes. High five. Oh my gosh. Uh, we got to go in this time. Yes. Our first one was 30 minutes long and then we did another was 20. <laughs> 20 so like this five. is a record. 16 we're, minutes. Yeah. We're trying to do it in 15 and that's just, we. well, I shouldn't say we're trying. We just did it. We just did 15. it. All right. Perfect. Uh, good work. Where can people find out more information? You do your own horoscopes on your awesome YouTube channel each month, right? Yeah, I do horoscopes, ton of other astrology content. Uh, follow me uh, at YouTube at White Light Astrology. Uh, follow me on Twitter if you're on the Astro Twitter at White Light Cam, um, or just check out WhiteLightAstrology.com uh, if you want to check out anything else. And I'll put links to those in the description page on YouTube for this video. Uh, I also just launched uh, some amazing horoscope uh, astrology posters for 2019. So it shows all the planetary transits that we use in the artwork for my monthly horoscope videos, except it shows it for the entire year ahead, and you can put it right on your wall for some cool astrology-themed wallpaper, what have you. <laughs> you can find out more information about that at theastrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters, and uh, I'll also put a link to that in the description below this video. 
So thanks a lot, everybody, for watching. Thanks, Cam, for joining me. Thank you for having me. And we will see you again next month for the horoscopes for February. Hey, my name is Chris Brennan, and this is your horoscope for Virgo and Virgo Rising for January of 2019. Joining me today is Cam White of Cam White, or no, I always do that, <laughs> of uh, whitelightastrology.com, right? Yeah, whitelightastrology. Okay. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, thanks for joining me. So we're going to be looking at your horoscope for the next month of January of 2019. Let's jump right into it. So first off, we have the transit chart, which shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the month and where they will end up by the end of the month. We've also got an ingress chart, which shows you when specifically on certain days of the months, the, the month, the planets will change signs when the lunations will take place, as well as when retrogrades or exact aspects will occur. So um, let's start at the top of the month. Right away, it looks like there's a bunch of stuff happening in Capricorn this month, starting with Mercury ingressing into Capricorn and into your fifth house, and shortly after that, a solar eclipse taking place in Capricorn around the same time. Yeah, it looks like the fifth house is definitely getting the most attention uh, this month for you guys, for the Virgo. <laughs> um with Mercury going into Capricorn, I think this is just going to be, uh, you know, Mercury being the communication, uh, thinking, speaking. With this going into your fifth house, where the fifth house is all about, you know, romance, children, uh, arts, and creativity, all of the fun stuff. I think Mercury going through this area is definitely wanting that area to be more emphasized, you know, having more, maybe being able to communicate more of how you feel about certain situations, being more clear about those situations, uh, being able to kind of lay down the tact work, I guess, like the um, minor work that like Mercury is kind of known for in that area. Yeah, just bringing inc increased communications and increased thought towards that area, whereas in other you know, parts of the year, it might not be something that you put a lot of thought into or that you have to like talk about with people a lot when it comes to things like you know, children, whether it's like your own children or other people's children. The fifth house is also like romance and sexuality and having like more open discussions about that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting topics for the fifth. Yeah. And I think with the eclipse going there too, like there's just so much heavy attention on there. I mean, Mercury will be conjoining uh, with Saturn there as well. We have that eclipse there on, what is that, Saturday the 5th? And I think that's just putting in all of the attention and focus. Like this is a new moon. It's a uh, solar eclipse, right? Right. Yeah. Solar eclipse. And this is kind of bringing in all the attention, all the focus on all of this fifth house stuff where Saturn has been for the past, you know, what year now? Like a little over yeah. a year? Since December of 2017 is when Saturn first ingressed into this house for those with Virgo rising. So that's been a, we're, we're a year into that transit at this point. Yeah. So you've probably felt like, you know, the themes of all the set of all the fifth house stuff feeling, you know, that Saturn weight, that Saturn limitation, or maybe you're feeling like this area needs to have more discipline, more tact, more structure. And with Mercury going through there and this eclipse happening right there, I think this is just a big emphasis on what needs to be, where do you need to draw attention in this area? What needs to be focused on? What needs to be, I don't want to say cleaned up, but I feel like that's a really good word for Mercury, like kind of just like adjusting everything. Yeah, because this is really um, emphasizing and heightening a lot of those Saturn themes of like discipline, sometimes setbacks, sometimes boundaries or setting appropriate boundaries when it comes to some of these topics mm -hmm. uh, that have been building up gradually for some of the Virgo rising people over the past year. But now with this eclipse happening, we're really going to get more serious about those topics and some of the actual events really surrounding that longer-term Saturn transit are probably going to start to manifest and become more clear, um, especially over the next six months, because what we'll have now is a solar eclipse in Capricorn, and that's going to be the sort of seed-laying or foundation-laying phase of some new area of activity in this part of your life. 
And that's eventually about six months from now when we have a lunar eclipse in Capricorn is going to come to some sort of culmination where you'll see the outcome or the results of something that you start this month in January. Yeah. And with that new moon, you know, wanting to reset intentions, lay new groundwork. And Saturn is that long term commitment. This is definitely, you know, whatever you got going on right here, this is definitely something you want to see out for the next six months and, you know, hold on to a long term commitment rather than just, you know, something that's very short term. Right. And then what, right after that, we have Uranus going direct on the 6th? Yeah, Uranus is making its final station in Aries on January 6th. And this is sort of wrapping up a very long, seven-year-long transit of uh, Uranus going through Aries, which started way back in 2011. Yeah, and that's going, sorry, and that's going direct in the 8th house, which, I mean, you guys have probably felt Uranus going through your 8th house for the past seven years. So, this is kind of like one last sparkle, kabam, boom in that area. And I mean, the eighth house is such a weird area. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, deals with death, deals with, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of anything. R- shared yeah, resources. Mortality, shared resources, other people's money. Uh, sometimes that can lead to like weird things like taxes or insurance, inheritance, mm-hmm. other things like that. But um, we were talking about that a little bit before we started because Mars also is moving through the eighth house this month. And so we're getting a little bit of additional eighth house, uh, not influence, but sort of focus this month for the entirety of January, not just with Uranus stationing direct and wrapping up that seven year transit, but also with a brief like month and a half Mars transit through that sign as well. Yeah. And with Mars going right there, you could definitely expect like a little bit of a rougher time with that, even though Mars is in his home sign, he's very powerful. He can do Mars things. This is good for, you know, just straight up energy and being energized. And I think with Uranus going direct too, that's going to play a big part of it. Mm. However, going through the eighth house, it's kind of like when it comes to shared resources, when it comes to working with other people, as well as I like to use the eighth house for change, transformation, like the uh, the growing pains almost in a sense. Mars and Aries right there is going to want you to like more focus on that, but try not to get too angry with it. Try not to get too frustrated with it, like not getting emotionally overwhelmed with it, mm-hmm. but just allowing for the process to happen. Mars is going to be going through that. There's going to be a lot of action in that area. Uranus is going to go direct right there. So expect like the unexpected for themes of that area to be, you know, prevalent. Yeah, sometimes Mars can just bring extra energy to that area of your life. Other times it can actually bring irritation or sometimes even conflict um, or different types of setbacks of that nature. So be careful this month a little bit. There may be extra focus on themes surrounding shared resources or other people's money, but just be careful um, because there there's more of a likelihood for conflict surrounding some of those topics right now than at other times. So if there was something like, let's say, a situation where you were going to have to sign a contract with somebody over some specific financial matter, depending on how your chart's set up, it might be you know a good idea to maybe move that off till next month when Mars is not near eighth house compared to you know this month. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily saying you know it's depending on how your chart's set up, so it could go different ways. Like if you have a night chart, that Mars transit is going to be much more constructive, whereas if you have a day chart, it might be a little bit more challenging. So there's different like provisos that go into that, but that's just a good probably piece of advice for Mars transiting the eighth house. Yeah, but the good news is the next day we have Venus going into Sagittarius into your fourth house, which this is definitely one of the more positive transits for you for the Virgo. Um, and as Venus has been in Scorpio, she's been in retrograde. It's been a nasty time in your third house, you know, trying to regurgitate the right communication, the right words, expressing yourself in the correct way or the way that's more suitable to you. 
Venus is finally in your fourth house now where she can bring more value, more emphasis, more fun and excitement into your fourth house. Like I have a friend of mine who's a Virgo rising and he's moving somewhere that he's been wanting, like he's been wanting to get out. Um, he's been wanting to move somewhere and he's finally going somewhere that he's kind of happy with. So with Venus going into your fourth house, this is bringing the themes of the fourth house, like home, your family life, your private life, your parents It's bringing a lot more value, a lot more emphasis to this. And Venus being in Sagittarius, she's also going to conjoin, Ju- conjoin with Jupiter later on this month, right? That's on yeah, and that's that's my favorite transit. That's got to be the most positive transit of the month. Is that conjunction of Venus and Jupiter, which is actually going to take place uh, a little later, I think, in the third quarter of the month, uh, at about fifteen, sixteen degrees of Sagittarius. Yeah, fifteen, sixteen degrees Sagittarius, and Venus and Jupiter—they're just basically making a really big hug. And as Jupiter's in your fourth house, where themes of your family, themes of, you know, even ancestry, your parents, where you came from, your roots, your heritage, or even just where you're centering yourself at. The themes of this are, you know, Jupiter's wanting to bring abundance here. It's wanting to uh, expand this area in a really positive view. See where else you can go. See where else, you know, you, you can learn. What can you learn about your family? What can you learn about your past? Or even more exploring what is available for you at your home or where you live and where you center yourself. And Venus going through here, I think, is just really emphasizing the value of this and really giving you giving you the opportunity to really explore something in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's complementing some of the themes we've been talking about of Jupiter going through this sign over a year long transit, and some of the themes of growth and expansion when it comes to the home and the living situation and the private life. Um, but here with Venus catching up to it, I think that's really going to accentuate it, especially for people with night charts where Venus transits tend to be more positive, and then suddenly they're going to get some of the more positive um, fourth house home and family type significations that some of those uh, day chart people have been experiencing with that Jupiter transit over the past couple of months. So take advantage of it. It's a good time for um, you know sort of rearranging things at home, not necessarily in a in a major sense because the benefics don't tend to go to extremes, but instead what they do to tend to do is stabilize and sort of confirm things. So this is probably a good transit, especially for those with Virgo rising, for just settling down and creating a more stable um, home life than usual. Even doing some, some something as simple with Venus transiting the fourth as like redecorating or rearranging your home and living situation can really do a lot to um, increase the feelings of like stability uh, in the home sphere. Yeah, Venus needs the aesthetic, and Venus wants to be comfortable in her environment. So right. I think this is definitely a good time to find out. You know, just bringing out more uh, things into your environment, things that are going to kind of, well, I mean, it's Venus and Jupiter. It sounds like anything going on in that area is going to be good regardless, but definitely do more, like use it while you can. Yeah. Like entertaining, bringing friends there, having, you know, entertaining guests at home would be a good use of that transit. Uh, I'm trying to think of other advice. If you've had problems with your parents or problems with family members previously, this might be a good month to attempt some reconciliation. Uh, because Venus and Jupiter also like to make peace, and that's like one of their primary things is to like reconcile things and bring them back together after previously being separated. Yeah, and it's Venus and Jupiter. Maybe you're taking a family trip for the holidays. <laughs> that would be nice, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's that's funny because like it's like some people, some of these rising signs, you know, is, is not not great transits for visiting home for the holidays. <laughs> but the the Virgo risings, I think, have a little bit of an edge out of all of the signs, probably. Yeah, maybe visiting your family won't be so bad this year. Sure. <laughs> that's going to be the title of this month's horoscope. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> All right. But, so yeah, moving ahead, we have the sun ingressing into Aquarius on the what January twentieth, and then later on that evening into the next day, we have the full moon total lunar eclipse in Leo. 
happening in your 12th house, Virgo. Yes, 12th house lunar eclipse, and this is the final eclipse of the entire uh, Leo Aquarius eclipse series that's been bouncing back and forth over the past couple of years, which included the so-called Great American Eclipse. Um, so this is weird because it's the last and it's the final of a series of eclipses. It's also a lunar eclipse, which usually represents a culmination or sort of like bringing to completion something that was started previously six months earlier, especially at the solar eclipse. And then finally, it's also taking place in the 12th house, which is the very last of the 12 houses, which itself sometimes has to do with like endings and sort of like letting things go. So towards the later part of this month, this lunar eclipse seems to have a real theme of like endings and bringing things to completion and like figuring out how to sort of let go of something in preparation for moving into a new phase of your life. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of closure with this. And I mean, with the the North Node transiting the 12th house in Leo, it's like, you know, the 12th house is repressed, unacknowledged parts of yourself, hidden things. And with Leo being right there, we're talking about, you know, things like, you know, your light, you know, your passion, your love, like more um, identity type things as well as ego type things. Mm. So over this past, you know, uh, North Node transiting that area, a lot of these themes have probably been brought up and brought to your awareness. And as you've, you know, worked through them, grown through them as time has went on, now we have this last lunar eclipse, which is kind of like closing out that chapter, looking back and reflecting back like, hey, what were some of the things that you discovered about yourself? What were things that came up that you were either repressing or maybe you didn't acknowledge or that were just hidden? Right. And so this, I feel like this total lunar eclipse in Leo is really bringing out that last like hip, hip, hooray, like you are cool, you are great. Like Leo in the 12th house, it's like super easy to repress that Leo energy. Yeah, I like that. That's a great interpretation because a lunar eclipse, of course, is also when the moon is at its brightest. And so it's literally like shining the most light as it possibly can and like you said, it's shining it on this otherwise hidden sort of area of the chart with the 12th house. So it's probably a sort of culmination of, of what you learn from some of those internal sort of in reflective explorations over the course of the past couple of years that we've been having some of these eclipses in the, that sign. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I mean, I think this is just really positive, but I think this is also gives you a breath of fresh air. Like I'm trying to, like this reminds me of if I think if I'm getting it right, the three of wands tarot card where it's like the dude with three, you know, wands and he's like looking out at this terrace over like something new, mm. like new horizons. Like that's what this kind of sounds like. You know, you're closing out the past and there's something new to be moving on towards, especially as these eclipses go into Capricorn and Cancer. And this is kind of like that last look back. Right. That makes sense. Um, all right. So that starts to bring us to the last part of the month. So we have the Leo eclipse in the 12th, then uh, a few days later, Mercury ingress, it moves out of Capricorn, moves out of the fifth house and moves into Aquarius and thus into the sixth house for those with Virgo rising. Um, And then we have just a few days later, a Sun-Mercury conjunction, which takes place in Aquarius on the 29th of January. Yeah. And this is, I mean, all of this looks really good in my opinion. And as Mercury goes to the sixth house where themes of the sixth house of health, habits, routine, day-to-day things, your sense of service or where you're employed, uh, Mercury going through there, wanting to communicate more in there, meaning, you know, bringing more lines of messages, you know, getting more done in your workspace, being more organized and efficient in your day-to-day life. But what's big about this Sun-Mercury uh, conjunction is that it's about a degree away from the uh, st- uh, Mars retrograde station that was what I'm, I'm last last so, summer like a few like what six months almost six months ago now right yeah about six months ago and i really think that this mercury sun conjunction is really just going to clear the area that you know mars the mars retrograde was giving you problems with you know 
Mars retrograde in the sixth house is like not having the energy to do everything every single day, feeling detached away from your work or your sense of service, not being able to figure out where exactly that lies. And I feel like that Mercury sun conjunction is bringing a lot of clarity and a lot of, I mean, especially for you Virgo risings, like Mercury is a big deal for you guys. So like Mercury and the sun coming in in Aquarius, bringing all the connections together, bringing all the dots together. It's kind of like giving you a farther back perspective on what happened over the summer and kind of giving you the leeway to like learn from those lessons, see what the problems were and be able to learn from that and be able to apply it into a new situation. Yeah, I like that. That's great. And that's a really good good observation that that Sun-Mercury conjunction is happening almost exactly where Mars stationed retrograde just a few months ago because for a lot of the Virgo rising people that brought some some conflicts and some separations either to the area of like work and service or to the areas of sometimes health and like bodily matters. And it was a little bit of a rocky time for some of those people, um, but now it's over and Mars has moved on and it's moving on to other parts of the chart and other parts of your life. But now with the Sun-Mercury conjunction sort of moving across the same degrees, it may be sort of revisiting some of those things, but in a more positive sense in order to do some like post-event uh, cleanup and just reflection and maybe reopen lines of communication in that area where they were cut off previously. Um, and, and that seems very positive. Yeah, it seems like a very non-biased look back at it. You know, right. now that Mars is out of there, the emotions aren't you know so tied up in there, and the anger and the frustration. It's like you get to look back, have a non-biased you know look at it, perspective from it, learn from it, or you know maybe there was problems like you said, like within like the employment or like where you work. Like this is going to be a good time to look at that problem, or maybe even address that problem with healthier communication. Sure. Yeah, that's good. Good advice. Um, all right, so this kind of brings us to the end of the month. Are there any major transits that we meant to touch on but didn't? I'm trying to look, but it looks like we're pretty. It's like there's outer planet stuff going on, but it, that's really going to depend largely on how that's hitting your natal chart specifically. So I don't know if we wanted to touch on it necessarily. Um, I think we. I think the Virgo deserves to be to address the Jupiter Neptune square. The Virgo. The okay. Virgo. Yeah. Um, the Ju- I mean that's that's happening in the you know angular houses in the seventh and in the fourth. And I think as Jupiter's in that fourth house area, bringing up themes around that and, you know, Neptune's in Pisces in the seventh house, which is kind of making relationships, you know, both the spiritual thing, both very foggy, very, you know, easily. It's kind of like, you know, I like looking at Neptune and Pisces as like a magician. Mm-hmm. Like, is it magic or is it like, you know, just a false sense of, you know, it's just illusion. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, so the context of this is that right in the middle of the month, starting on the 13th of January, we have the very first of a sequence of three exact Jupiter-Neptune squares that are going to occur over the course of this year as Jupiter is transiting through Sagittarius and then squaring Neptune in Pisces. And the two areas of the chart that this relate to for Virgo rising is the fourth house of the home and living situation or potentially parents in the private life and the seventh house of relationships and close sort of interpersonal dynamics with other people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So we got Neptune going through their seventh house, which sometimes brings, is a long, like decade-long transit, bringing some murkiness, let's say, some obscurity to relationships on some level. Yeah, I like to look at it as like a little bit of fog in like, you know, like if you're in like Northern California or whatever, and you have the fog coming in, that's super, super thick, but just enough to where it's a little hazy. Right. That's like the Neptune transit where it's just a little bit blurry. I had a little literal version of that. Like at one point when Neptune was transiting exactly over my ascendant and I was living at this weird place and I went to pick up a friend from an airport and we were, it was Nick Dagan Best and we were just talking about him like, 
yeah, I don't know uh, what this Neptune transit is about. And he started like laughing really loud. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, we're literally driving through a cloud of fog right now <laughs> toward our intended destination, which was this weird sort of place, mystical sort of place that we were both studying at. And yeah, that was a good um, example that sometimes you don't know what you're going through with Neptune until later, until afterwards, until you step outside of it. But it's very hard to get perspective. And that keyword of fog that you just used out of nowhere, out of no prompting is very personally, I think, relevant to me. I agree that's, with it. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a, that's such a funny story. Um, yeah. yeah, I have Neptune opposed my son, so I kind of live in the fog. Okay. But um, with Neptune being in that seventh house area of relationships, it's just bringing that area such a more complex and you know saturated area. And I think as Jupiter's in Sagittarius in your fourth house, where it's like, you know, where do you want to ground yourself? You know, where do you want to live? Where do you want to grow? Where do you want to center yourself? What is what has your family done? Where do you want to live? Where do you want to move to? And I think that's just bringing up a lot of questions uh, and a lot of, you know, as Jupiter in the fourth house is when you expand in that area, right. that Neptune and Pisces thing is kind of like making that area just a little bit more confusing because of that. Yeah. And sometimes it might look appealing, like there might be something going on in your relationship life that's making you want to expand or maybe even sometimes expand too quickly in the home and living situation, like maybe setting up or, or moving or changing your living situation um, sort of sort of quickly as a result of trying to follow something that's going on in your seventh house. But sometimes there being tensions between those two and not knowing how to balance the two sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's what, that's what that really looks like. But I just think the Jupiter-Neptune square in itself is going to be fascinating, very, uh, you know, glittery and shiny for us to all look at and be like you know bedazzled or not bedazzled but just like yeah. you know and thrilled with right but after that you know after that jupiter neptune square ends it's going to die down it's going to calm down it's not going to be all that it appeared to be so during the jupiter neptune square you know you're going to get your hopes up you're going to have fun with it but just take things one step at a time and don't go don't put all your chips in at once yeah, I mean, the main piece of advice also that I would give is that this is the first of three exact squares. So this is going to open up when that square goes exact around the middle of January, like a sequence of events that's going to play itself out over the course of the next several months through the end of the year. So just pay attention to anything that happens around the time of that square, especially if it's happening either in your fourth house of your home and living situation or parents or your seventh house of relationships. And even if it seems minor and insignificant at the time, the event happening around the time of that first square, if there is one, you might find that there's another event the second time that's connected to that when the square happens again a few months from now. And then there'll be a third event that sort of brings it all to completion or brings everything full circle later in the year when the third and final square takes place. Yeah, definitely. So other other than that, that, that's January though for Virgos. That is January. That looks like a pretty, pretty good month. I'm pretty happy with with our overview. Uh, thanks for joining me for this today. I appreciate it. Thank you it. so much for having me, Chris. Um, you do your own horoscopes on your own YouTube channel, which is great. Where can people find more information about it? Uh, you guys can check me out, uh, youtube.com slash white light astrology. I do a lot of astrology content as well as on Twitter at white light cam. I do a bunch of astrology stuff there, or just check out my website at whitelightastrology.com. Brilliant. And I'll put links to that in the description below this video for people watching the, the video version on YouTube. Uh, I also just launched a set of posters for the astrology of 2019, which is a lot of the artwork that we're using in these horoscopes, except it shows them for the entire year ahead so that you can see all the ingresses, all the exact aspects, all the planetary stations and everything else. So you can find out more information about that at theastrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters. And I'll put a link in the description page below this video as well. All right. Thanks a lot for watching us. Thanks for joining me today, Cam. And we will see you again next month for the horoscope for February.
Hi, my name is Chris Brennan, and this is your horoscope for Libra and Libra Rising for the month of January of 2019. Joining me today is Cam White. Hey, Cam. Hey, Chris. And we're going to be looking at your transits for the next few weeks, so let's jump right into it. So here's a transit chart that shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the month and where they will end up by the end of the month. And then here's an ingress chart that shows the specific days in which planets will move into different signs of the zodiac, when they'll go retrograde or direct, and when they'll make exact aspects or configurations with each other in the sky. Where should we start this month? Uh, let's go ahead and start on the fourth house stuff that's going on with Mercury ingressing into Capricorn on January 4th, as well as the eclipse that we're having on the on January 5th in Capricorn as well. And this is bringing, I mean, a lot of the attention this month is on the fourth house of family, your home life, uh, your private life, where you center yourself, your parents, your heritage, things of that nature. And I believe as Mercury starts to make its way through Capricorn, now that it's out as Sagittarius, Mercury is wanting to define and bring clarity and bring more lines of communication in this realm of family, parents, your home life, uh, where you live, and things of that nature. Yeah, definitely. And this is really amping up a lot of that Saturn transit that's been happening over the past year when Saturn moved into Capricorn and into your fourth house of your home, your family, and your living situation about a year ago in December of 2017. Now we're going to start to get a whole series of eclipses starting this month with the solar eclipse starting on January 5th in Capricorn that's really going to light off and really going to ignite some of those changes or at least accelerate them that have already been slowly building up over the course of the past year. Yeah, and I mean, Mercury is eventually going to make a conjunction with Saturn too, so that's really speaking the message of Saturn. And Saturn in that fourth house, you know, where family, living situation can feel, you know, restrained, constricted, however... I really think with Mercury going through here, this is going to be the time to really focus on these things and have a Saturn attitude towards handling what issues Saturn can bring. And that's, you know, facing these uh, difficulties with a sense of discipline, with a sense of maturity, with a sense of what needs to be done, what needs to be handled in an efficient and effective manner. Yeah. So, so restructuring things sometimes at home or with respect to the home and living situation and private life. Since this is a solar eclipse that's taking place in your fourth house this month, it's sort of laying a new foundation or setting the seeds for something that will grow and develop over the course of the next six months with respect to your home and living situation. So for some people, that can mean like starting to initiate the process of um, you know, moving to a new place or relocating. For other people, it can be like starting a new project at home that's something that's not going to immediately pay off, but instead it's something that will eventually pay off in the long term, especially six months from now when eventually there's going to be a lunar eclipse in Capricorn in the six in the same sign, which will like connect those events in six month intervals. Yeah, and then we're also going to have those eclipses in Cancer in your tenth house afterwards. So that, I guess uh, the analogy that you made of like you know a project at home, what it would, what it's going to manifest and create to definitely will show up later in six months when we have the eclipses in your tenth house. However, I do, yeah, this eclipse, this is a whole new moon. This is resetting it, all of the intentions right there, looking at things through a different perspective. It's the both the luminaries focused on one sign. It's like bringing all the attention to right there and, you know, what needs to be addressed, what needs to be handled. This is, you know, a, a solar eclipse. So this is dealing with the South Node at this time. And the South Node is, has a lot to do with where your past is and where you've came from. And it also has to do with what you want to let go of in order to start moving forward ahead. And I really think as the Merc- as Mercury transits this part and hits Saturn, as we have this eclipse right here, this is just really looking at what problems are you facing in this area and where do you need to fix and tidy those up in order to move ahead. Definitely. All right. So that's happening at the very beginning of the month. And that kind of opens that that pile up or that like uh, traffic jam in Capricorn that you can see at the bottom of this chart is what the month opens up with. 
But immediately after that, we start getting some of the other major transits for this month, which are Uranus uh, stationing direct in Aries on the 7th of the month, or sorry, 6th of the month. Um, and then immediately after that, Venus moving into Sagittarius on the 7th of the month. Yeah, and I think that Uranus uh, going direct is going to be a, actually quite a big deal for Libra Risings more than most of the other signs, just because this is in your seventh house of relationships. And since December 31st, like the last day of 2018, we've had Mars move into Aries. And now that Mars is in Aries in your seventh house where, you know, Mars is, he's not, in, he's not retrograding Aquarius. He's not in Pisces. He's finally in his home sign where Mars can be the most Martian that he can possibly be. Mm-hmm. And Mars being in your seventh house is, you know, relationships may be taking a little bit more energy. And when we say relationships, the seventh house is interpersonal relationships. So that can look like a intimate level, a personal level or professional level. So Mars is definitely going to have you guys having more energy meaning to, uh, uh, my, I'm losing my words right now. Um, so this is the last horoscope that we're doing. So it's been a long couple of days. <laughs> yes, it has. Um, Mars is just having you take more energy, put more energy into the relationships that you have. However, Uranus going direct right there where Uranus has been making relationships super shaky, up and down, you know, revolutionizing or revolution or yeah. Yeah, revolutionizing. Changing changing the way that you do relationships or interact in relationships. I think this one last big bang of Uranus going direct and flying forward for the last time in Aries for the next like 80 years is really going to be a big wake up of like, hey, how can you interact in relationships? How can you be innovative? How can you be creative with how you work in relationships, both with both with putting your energy into relationships as well as the problems that you're dealing with relationships because Mars can also start uh, be angry. Mars can start, you know, uh, irritations and problems right there. So when you're dealing with those problems and those agitations, Uranus is kind of like, hey, do you want that to break you down or do you want to break through and find a creative and innovative way to really handle relationships? Yeah, that's a great interpretation. And and for a lot of people, it's like this is the end of a seven-year-long transit of Uranus through their seventh house that started way back in 2011. So I feel like for a lot of people, it's going to be this very last station of Uranus in Aries before it shortly after that is going to move out of Aries and move out of your seventh house altogether for a very long time. That is just going to cause you to look back and reflect on some of the ways in which um, relationships in your life and relationships in general have changed radically over the course of the the greater part of the last decade, and how Uranus has brought some unexpected disruptions. Some of which were probably probably you know challenging, and others w- of which were probably a little bit more positive. But just to to look back and think about some of the major ways that relationships have changed drastically in your life since 2011 as part of the the gift or part of the purpose of that Uranus transit over the course of the past decade. And it's interesting that it kind of gets capped off with this Mars transit that only lasts for like a month, but it's the majority of January is this Mars transit through your seventh house, which as you were saying, can brings greater energy and focus to relationships, but sometimes also can lead to more irritation, more frustration, and sometimes like a conflict or a separation in relationships as well. So just be careful this month that um, if you find yourself being more irritable in relationships or if your partner uh, ends up being more irritable, that you kind of um, step back and get some space from it and don't necessarily do anything impulsive that you might regret later when you're in a more clear state of mind. Yeah, it's going to be super easy to pull the trigger and jump the gun on things this month. So especially with partnerships and relationships, take your time, try to be as cool, calm and collected as possible if anything ever comes up. But it is Uranus right now. It's very up and down. It's unpredictable what can kind of happen in the last couple of weeks with Uranus being there. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of hair trigger stuff going on with relationships this month. But other than that, immediately after 
that Uranus station, Venus ingresses into Sagittarius on the 7th, and that actually starts one of the more positive transits that's going on this month, which is Venus building up to a conjunction with Jupiter in Sagittarius. Yeah, and then this is happening in your third house, which is a really interesting place for this to happen. Um, the third house has a lot to do with short distance travel, writing, speaking, uh, communication, expression type stuff. Also has to do with siblings, uh, your local immediate environment, like your neighbors. And so while Jupiter's in this area where Jupiter's wanting you to expand and you know see different sides of how you can express, how you can communicate, maybe good things are happening for your siblings or good things are happening to your neighbors, Venus is just bringing this emphasis more and more. Venus is finding the value here. Venus is wanting to initiate the things that are happening in this area. And you guys are Libra risings. Well, if you're Libra sun, whatever, but Libra risings, you're very much ruled by Venus. So Venus is a pretty much bigger deal for you. And especially like what you were saying in the past couple ones, if you were a night chart in a Libra rising, like you're definitely going to see bigger manifestations of how you are speaking, how you are expressing. Maybe if you have siblings, good things are happening to them. Maybe you're taking awesome short distance traveling trips. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think um, this, you know, we've got that Jupiter transit happening in the background in the third house all year for the Libra rising people. But for the people with a night chart, this Venus transit is going to be particularly positive and is going to be a particular highlight of that Jupiter transit when those two planets combine, just because it really helps to stabilize and to um, create a, a more solid but more positive foundation for some of the things going on in that house. So if you've had any problems with like siblings or other third house type uh, figures previously, this is a good month to reach out to them and to try to reconcile or get back together with those people. Um, additionally, just because the third house is communications in general, sometimes it can be a good month when you have a Venus transit like that and you have both benefics coming together to attempt to um, communicate something positive to other people in your life. And you'll probably find that if you do that, that other people are more receptive to it and more open to it than at other times. Yeah, good time to definitely express how you feel, but in a more positive way. And I think this is just going to be a big thing too, with Venus being in Sagittarius. Like this is explorative, this is adventurative. You know, see how uh, see different ways that you can express things, find different ways that you can communicate things. You know, there's tons of different ways that you can communicate the same message. And even I like you said, taking a trip. Like a Venus transit is like taking a trip that would be really positive and just having a pleasant sort of like outing. Uh, look at here's the the actual chart that shows the Venus Jupiter conjunction around 15, 16 degrees of Sagittarius right around January 1st, January 22nd. So that's really the the high point of this entire transit, even though it's kind of like a background thing that's happening the entire month. But on this day in particular, we see the Venus-Jupiter conjunction go exact in the uh, early morning sky, and it's actually forming an exact grand fire trine with Mars in middle Aries and the moon in the middle of Leo. Yeah, and that's the next thing that we, we got to talk about is the sun will enter Aquarius on January 20th, and we will have the total lunar eclipse, the last full moon and Leo eclipse of this, you know, of the series on the 21st on the next day. And this is happening in your 11th house of friends, communities, social networks, uh, bigger groups of people, maybe your mid heavens right here. So it has a little bit to do with your career stuff too. But this full moon in Leo is really coming, you know, it's kind of closing things out and having one big last look back at what did you learn uh, through this eclipse experience. And with this being in Leo in your 11th house, it's like, you know, where have you gone out and learned to, I guess, gain more friends, have bigger networks, be closer to your groups of people. Mm -hmm. And this last full moon is kind of like coming to a culmination of like, hey, what did you learn? What did you express? How did you find, how did you find more of yourself and your identity with your groups of friends? Yeah, definitely. And since this is the very last 
of this whole eclipse series that's been taking place over the course of the past couple of years in Leo and in your 11th house, it's sort of bringing to completion and showing you the results or the outcome of some new uh, activities that you've initiated in that sphere of your life. So especially with respect to friends, groups, alliances, and other things like that, um, since this is a lunar eclipse, it would have been connected to something that you initiated, especially six months earlier, the last time there was a solar eclipse in Leo. Um, and you're sort of seeing the fruits of those efforts now coming to fruition in your life uh, with respect to friends and groups. Mm -hmm. And after that, just a few days later, one of the big things that we wanted to talk about was Mercury ingresses into Aquarius on January 24th. But then a few days later on January 29th, Mercury, Mercury and the Sun uh, conjunct at eight degrees Aquarius, which is just a degree off from where the Mars station retrograde was uh, earlier in the summer of uh, 2018. Mm -hmm. And this is a big deal because this is in your fifth house where Mars was retrograde, you know, problems with children, problems with your love life. Uh, maybe your hobbies and creative pursuits were feeling drained, like you just didn't have the energy, you just didn't want to connect. This Sun-Mercury uh, conjunction happening right here, I think, is really bringing a positive perspective and a very unbiased look at, hey, what were the problems that you were experiencing that last you know, uh, Mars retrograde thing? And where can you really connect the dots now? How can you connect yourself more to that? How can you see things through a more um, – I like using the word connection because this is Aquarius, but mm – -hmm. Also, the idea that the fifth house is what you want to create, the fifth house is what you want to pursue, and the Sun-Mercury conjunction is like finding different angles and finding different perspectives to see how you want to pursue these things. Yeah, definitely. And and for some people, for those of you like with children, for example, the Mars retrograde through Aquarius and through your fifth house last summer may have led to some tension or even some um, separation or conflict with children. And now that that retrograde is over and moved, Mars has moved out of that sector of your chart, and now that we have that Sun-Mercury conjunction happening in the same degree later in January, that may be something about trying to reopen lines of communication with those people and to sort of smooth things out or sort of sweep things up and sort of um, clean up the, the sort of mess of some of the, the, the mess that Mars caused last summer. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think this is just going to give a very clear and healthy line of communication in that area. Sure. All right. So are there any other major, this is bringing us to the end of the month. I'm trying to see if there's any other major transits we wanted to mention or touch um, on when it comes to Libra and Libra rising. You know, I was thinking about this when we were talking about it, uh, but what about the Mars-Saturn square that's going on? So that's early in the month. Right, that's it's on the day the sun ingresses into Aquarius, so January twentieth. Oh, no. Okay, so January twentieth, we have Mars in the middle of Aries, and it's squaring Saturn in mid-ish Capricorn. So that would be like showing some sort of tension between something going on in the sphere of relationships and something going on at home in the fourth house. Yeah, and the only reason I want to hit on that too, because I mean, there's a lot of construction work you guys got going on in that fourth house area, as well as there's immediate more immediate type issues that are going on in the seventh house area and you're going to find those blend those issues blending together in a non-harmonious way in a little bit but i really think it comes down to mars is in aries and saturn's in capricorn they're both in their you know ruling signs where they're both really strong and i think it comes down to you know where do you need to redo that foundation and where do you need to figure i guess Put more of that foundation in, restructure that foundation that you have yourself in, especially with your family, your parents, and things like that. And how can you uh, integrate that with the with your relationship? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just so much going on around that time, around the 20th, 21st, and 22nd, because that's almost simultaneous with the the lunar eclipse. 
and the Venus Jupiter conjunction. Yeah. Venus squares Neptune too. That's crazy. So look at that. So it's about 13 degrees of Aries where, where Mars is and 13 degrees of Capricorn is where Saturn is. So especially if you have any planets around 13 degrees of the cardinal signs, that square is going to be particularly important to you because it's going to be tied into your chart. And some of the tension or some of the different directions that that transit is sort of pulling you might be more personally relevant to you this month. Yeah. Either either way, it does look quite frustrating, but it doesn't look impossible to get out of. Like, you know, Mars was eventually going to make a conjunction to Uranus too before both of them move into Taurus. Mm -hmm. However, I just think during this time it's really about blending, you know, not letting all of these problems, especially, you know, with Saturn being your fourth house, you know, those issues around family and parents. And it might just be this Mars and Aries as a specific individual in your family that's giving issues. Um, right. I think it just comes back down to how do you handle this in a more disciplined and mature, more Saturn way? Yeah, or even like Saturn in your fourth could be like tensions or restriction restrictions in your home and living situation causing tensions with wanting to move forward with relationships. And maybe Ooh. like maybe you got a roommate, maybe you want to have somebody over, but like you've got a weird li living situation and you know that's causing you maybe, frustration. Maybe your neighbors have a dog and it won't stop barking and you don't. Yeah, know how to bring it's it up. like who knows, but. Uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta watch out, but it'll just be it's not a huge long term transit, but it's just a little bit of irritation, especially around the middle of the month. Yeah, and it's for like a day and a half. But I mean, what's also crazy about that transit too is that even though that's really intense, it's also happening on eclipse. It's also happening on the best, you know, thing that's going on in January on the Venus Jupiter conjunction. So it's just this like weird mix of energy on that day where it's going to feel frustrating, where it's also going to feel very exciting and happy, where it's also going to feel very reflective of looking back in the past. Just the 20th and the 21st is very intense to say the least. Sure, definitely. All right. I think that's bringing us then to about the end of this month's horoscopes for those with Libra and Libra rising, unless you got anything else. That's about it. I think we got everything. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for joining me today. You actually do horoscopes each month on your personal YouTube channel, right? Yes. If you guys want to check me out on my YouTube, it's at White Light Astrology. Uh, or if you guys are on Twitter, follow me at White Light Cam. Or for anything else, just check out my website at whitelightastrology.com. Brilliant. And I'll put links to that uh, below this video in the description page on YouTube for those watching the video version. And in addition, I actually just launched last week a set of 2019 Planetary Alignment Astrology posters where I took the artwork from some of the horoscope videos and I put it on a poster. And instead of just being for a, a single month, it's actually being able to look at the transits in your astrology for the entire year ahead. So it's a great little tool and you can find out more information about it at theastrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters. And I'll put a link to that below this video as well. So thanks a lot for joining me. Thanks, Cam, for doing these with me this month. And good luck in the month of January. And we'll see you next month in February for the horoscopes for next month. All right. Hey, my name is Chris Brennan, and this is your horoscope for Scorpio and Scorpio Rising for January of 2019. Joining me today is astrologer Cam White. Hey, Cam. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. We're going to be looking at your transits for the month of January of 2019. So let's jump right into it. So first, here's a transit chart that shows where the planet's We'll start at the beginning of the month and where they will end up by the end of the month. Uh, we also have an ingress chart that shows the movements of the planets into different signs of the zodiac, when they will form exact configurations with each other, as well as when they will station retrograde or direct. 
So where should we start for, for this month? Let's start with, thank God, Venus isn't retrograde in Scorpio anymore and Venus is going to get out of your first house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a long, that seemed like a longer transit than I thought it was going to be, but it seemed like that was happening for a few months. Yeah, and usually Venus in the first house is good, but I mean, like, I feel like with Scorpio and the whole retrograde, it probably was like, eh, so thank God we're getting out of that mess. Yeah, we're we are finally done with the retrograde and Venus is finally out of Scorpio and now by what is it? Uh, the the seventh of December or seventh of January, yeah. Venus moves into Sagittarius, where it joins Jupiter and eventually catches up to and conjoins Jupiter in your second house of finances, resources, and possessions. Yeah, which is super positive, and we'll talk more about that. But I think going chronologically, the first thing that happens. January 4th, we have Mercury going into Capricorn, along with on the next day, January 5th, we have the uh, solar eclipse, new moon in Capricorn, all happening in your third house. Right. So the third house is the house that has to do with communication. It has to do with short distance travel. It has to do with people in your life. It's like siblings, neighbors, relatives. Your, yeah, your local environment, things like that. Um I like using the third house too. Like we were talking about this in one of the other horoscopes. Uh, Dane Rudyard talks about this in his book for the house is how the third house can be a lot of uh, utilization. Like Mm -hmm. the first house is who you are. The second house is what you have. The third house is how you use it. So with all this third house stuff coming up, it could manifest in different ways like siblings, like your neighbors, uh, short distance travel, but it could also manifest in ways of, you know, how you're really applying yourself or how you're applying your personality and what you have all combined. Definitely. And so this is kind of complementing and really intensifying that transit of Saturn through the third house that's been happening over the past year since December of 2017. But for many of you, the sort of events and circumstances surrounding that three-year Saturn transit through Capricorn and through your third house is really going to get triggered this month. And there's going to be the start or the beginning of a sequence of events that's really going to accentuate that because of that solar eclipse that's happening in Capricorn, which is going to be laying the seeds or the foundations of something that will grow and develop and eventually culminate about six months from now when there's a lunar eclipse that takes place in Capricorn around the middle of this year. Yeah. And with Mercury going through there right at the same time at this eclipse, I just feel like a lot of the focus is going to be on the third house. You know, what are your siblings doing? You know, are your neighbors bugging you? Or, you know, just themes around that. And as Mercury goes through there, where Mercury is kind of spreading the message of all the other planets and he will eventually conjoin Saturn. He will uh he will hit Pluto, but he'll also um uh hit the south node as well. I think this all comes back down to uh where do you need to put focus in in regards to third house themes of your environment or short distance travel? Like if you need to do some short distance travel. Um, as well as how do you need to better concentrate your energy and concentrate those areas? Because Saturn's wanting you to put things in a box. He's wanting you to not, you know, it's not Jupiter. He's not like, hey, do whatever you want with however much, you know, unlimited resources you have. Mm-hmm. Capricorn, Saturn, all very limited things. And so as Mercury goes through here and we have these eclipses and this new moon right here, I think this is really setting the intentions with what do you have and how can you consolidate that? How can you concentrate that energy to get the most out of it that you can? Definitely. And and especially one of the themes here is like restructuring the way that you communicate and the way that you express yourself and convey information to other people. Um, that's a huge third house thing. And with this much outer planet activity taking place in the third house, it's really asking for you to start making some major changes or initiating some major changes about how you communicate and even like teach or convey things to other people in your life or to the world in general. And this would be a great time to 
um, sort of initiate some new approach or if there's something that you always meant to do or something you meant to change about your communication style, this would be a great month to, to sort of institute that change and not expect an immediate outcome or immediate improvement, but instead something that will grow and develop and that you'll get better at over the course of the next six months or over the course of the next year or so. Yeah. Having a disciplined mindset around it too, especially as this oh, yeah. culminates in like the next six months when when we get into June and July for those eclipses. But yeah, concentrating and being clear and direct with your communication and how you express it. This is Capricorn. Like It's not about telling a big elaborate story. It's about getting to the point of things, being clear, being direct, setting your boundaries in those communications and uh, being able to express that in a very solid and secure way. Definitely. Like I like that. The idea of becoming more, uh, what was the keyword you used about your communications? More um, direct and clear. Direct and clear, but um, disciplined. Disciplined about how you communicate. Like for example, like writing a book, like you don't sit down and write a book in a day. It's something that takes a long process of not necessarily as long as I took. It doesn't have to take 10 (laughs) years, but if you sit down and you do a little bit each day, eventually you'll turn around at some point in the future and you'll have a full book. Well, and it's funny that you make that reference too, because as we were talking about how these eclipses are going to culminate later on, those eclipses will culminate in your ninth house, which is a publishing. So if you're actually writing a book, like you got to sit there, focus on it in order for that to be published, in order for that to go out into the world, in order for that to fully manifest itself. Right. And it's really the third house and the ninth house is that tension. And that's what's going to start getting lit up and activated a lot in your chart over the next year or two, in the next six months, especially, is what you know versus how you communicate it and how effectively you're able to communicate what you know um, versus you know continuing to learn before you communicate that which you which you know yeah and then i mean after that um the next day actually on what is it that's sunday the sixth we have uranus going direct Mm -hmm. this is happening in aries in your sixth house where mars is also going to be and I feel like, I mean, with you guys being Scorpio suns or risings, um, you guys are already Mars ruled people as it is. Um, with Mars being in Aries and his, you know, that's his one of his home signs. He can be the most Mars that he can. Where although Mars does have problems of anger, frustration, severing, cutting, Mars is also going into your sixth house and his home sign though, where he can do really good Mars things and he likes to be in the sixth house because the sixth house is all about your routine, your efforts, your day-to-day habits can deal with your health. And as Uranus goes direct right there, I feel like this is going to be that moment of, it could it's like extreme ups and downs. It could be that moment of liberation of, you know, all right, changing up your habits, changing up your health, making those advanced changes that you know that you need to apply. Yeah. And this is really completing this whole fire trine this month. It looks very work-oriented and especially that Mars ingress into Aries and and into the sixth house of work could just be about throwing yourself into your work and needing to expend more energy in that area of your life than normal, but eventually being able to accomplish more than you could in other months where maybe you don't have as much energy to sort of throw yourself into that that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, that's Mars going through the sixth. Of course, Uranus is stationing direct there. And and I think that Uranus stationing direct is just going to bring more of that... um that feeling of needing to take action immediately mm-hmm. rather than, you know, Mars and Aries is you're going to be taking on that workload. You're going to be busy, but you're honest going direct is like feeling like you have the capability and the power. But then immediately after that, the next day we do have Venus going into Sagittarius. She's finally leaving your first house. She's finally leaving Scorpio and she's going into your second. And I think this is probably along with the other clips we're going to talk about. One of the more positive things happening for Scorpio risings. Um, 
just because Venus has a lot to do with value. Venus has to do with beauty and love and connection. Mars, Mars wants to cut away. Venus wants to bring things together. And she's in Sagittarius, which is the sign. It's a fire sign of, you know, learning and adventuring and discovering. And as she goes into Sagittarius in your second house, which is about your money and your resources and things like that, I think this is when a lot more of that value is going to come into play and a lot more, uh, especially when it comes to things of money, physical uh, items that you actually own and possess, assets, uh, themes around that, that value um, of Venus is going to be what's the word I'm looking for? Not exuberated, but like expressed in a high manner, like accentuated, accentuated. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, accentuated is a great term just because Venus is all, of course, catching up to Jupiter, which has already started its year long transit through Sagittarius and through their, their second house of finances and material resources uh, a couple of months ago. But Venus moving into that sign at the same time is really going to accentuate that. And especially for the people with night charts, this is going to bring out some of the more positive growth-oriented aspects of that Jupiter transit in terms of themes of growth and uh, expansion in terms of financial matters. Yeah. So it's really good for money regardless. Um, And I mean, Venus is going to give Jupiter a big high five. Jupiter wants to give you money in your second house. Venus is right there. It's just it's just going to feel a little bit better when it comes to your finances and your resources. That's just going to be feeling a, a lot more comfortable for you, especially with Mars being in areas where you're working harder and harder. And then to move on to the next thing with this chart that we have pulled up here, we have the uh, sun going into Aquarius, which then will have the last total lunar eclipse in Leo. Yes. So we get a lunar eclipse that's taking place in Leo. And that is happening in your 10th house of career and reputation and overall life direction. So there it is, lunar eclipse in Leo. And this is the sort of final eclipse in a series of eclipses that have been bouncing back and forth between your 10th house of your public life and your fourth house of your private life over the past couple of years. And this is the final one that sort of brings that whole sequence to completion. Yeah. And I think this is getting that. Um, I mean, this is Leo. That's, this is kind of like getting the respect, getting the maybe the validation or the admiration that you're looking for or searching for in a career or professional setting. You know, with Venus going to your second house, maybe that's also kind of like a promotion, almost kind of a deal after working hard, um, you know, dealing with the North Node and Leo type stuff. It just sounds like, uh, yeah, a culmination and an ending to something bigger and a little bit something greater. Yeah, this is the res- this isn't necessarily like starting something new, but instead this is like reaping the rewards or having the outcome or the effects of something that you initiated in the sphere of your career in the past over the past year or two, especially six months ago, the last time we had a solar eclipse in Leo that would have opened up a six month sequence of events for you in career, and now here in January we see the outcome and the sort of closing down or winding down phase of that um, eclipse now taking place in your 10th house of career. Yeah. It's kind of like everything's starting to come together where mm-hmm. Venus that re- I know that I know a lot of Scorpio risings that had that Venus retrograde and it just seemed like a lot for them. But, you know, things are really starting to come together at this point with Venus high-fiving Jupiter, this eclipse and Mars and Aries all in the same day. That was that chart that she had pulled up on solar fire. Yeah. That, that, that grand fire trine that takes place around the 21st and 22nd. Yeah. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um, especially for Scorpio risings, Cancer, and even Pisces risings. But um, that is a nice grand fire trine. And that is really just taking place and it just ties together all of the, those work and money houses for the Scorpio rising people, the second house of finances the sixth house of work and the 10th house of career. 
Yeah. And what's po- what's really good about this too, is as we move forward through January and we have a, or a couple of days later on the 24th and we have Mercury enter Aquarius. I think this is when the theme of, you know, after all this work stuff kind of gets highlighted, the theme around the home, your private life, your family life, where you're living and your parents, that theme starts to come up and more alive as Mercury goes into Aquarius, where communication starts to become more fulfilled. Uh, things start to get more, you know, cleared up, connected, And then after Mercury enters Aquarius on the 24th, a few days later on the 29th, we have the Mercury-Sun conjunction in that fourth house. And this is what I've been saying on all the other horoscopes is that this is just like a degree away from where Mars stationed retrograde. And that Mars retrograde was in your fourth house where problems with your parents, problems with your family or your home life could be even your roommates or where you live, where that was causing issues. We really uh, feel confident saying like this Mercury uh, Sun conjunction is going to bring a lot more clarity and a sense of line of communication where you're having uh, struggles and problems in this area. Right. So we had the Mars retrograde a few months ago through the fourth house. And sometimes that's like severing or separation or just upsets in the home and living situation or with respect to the family. But now with the Sun-Mercury conjunction uh, moving into Aquarius and and exactly conjoining there later in January, it seems like uh, reopening lines of communication that were previously severed and maybe sort of cleaning up after some of the high energy, but also the sort of chaos of Mars going retrograde in the fourth house last year. Yeah. And it just, I mean, Aquarius where it deals with um, alienation, disconnection, um, and that's that Mars part of it where it wants to sever and it wants to cut. I do believe this Mercury Sun thing is bringing to light an opportunity to connect, to communicate, to bring things together in a sense, and to put that focus on you know where like you know your family life, your home life, your parents, those fourth house, those fourth house things. So to kind of give an overview over the month where there's going to be more of a disciplinary energy with how you communicate. And those career endings finally coming to fruition and manifesting, it's finally like, you know, that all comes to terms and then it's you focus on the fourth house and dealing with those, you know, issues or problems that you had in that area and you can finally resolve and clear that. Right. So I mean Jan like honestly, Jan yeah. really looks amazing for Scorpios. Yeah, honestly, this is one of my favorites so far. If I had to pick a favorite of like all of the rising signs that we've done, we've done this is our six. Like so far, I think this is looking the best for Scorpio rising so far, and that they especially, it's a much more like just work and finances oriented month for the Scorpio rising people. And there's something very sort of productive about that. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of production. I mean, and the thing is, too, is Mars being in Aries in your sixth house, you're going to want to do more. You're going to want to focus on your health. Like if you're doing a New Year's resolution, you're going to the gym, like you should definitely do it and stick to it. And especially with what we were talking about earlier with the eclipses, like you, this is Saturn things. This is, you got to commit. Like this is, six month long things where it comes to how are you addressing your communication? How are you utilizing yourself in the best way possible and concentrating your energy? Um, it's really about committing, going for the long haul and just do it, applying the things that you know that you need to apply. Yeah. One of the things I would say, one cautionary statement is just, I know some people with Mars going into the sixth house, I know one of the downsides is that some people, if they do do like a new year's resolution to like go to the gym, sometimes they push themselves too hard before Ooh. they're ready and they like overextend themselves and like can can injure themselves by pushing too fast just due to enthusiasm and wanting to get into it and so one of the good pieces of advice may be to just like sort of you know have that enthusiasm and push yourself to do those things but don't push too far too quick before you're ready so that you overextend yourself and create problems well it's funny that you say that because in in the Scorpio horoscope I did already for my channel um, I talk about how Saturn in the third house and Mars squaring it in Aries has a lot to do with concentrating that energy. 
um, not doing 110% on your first day, but doing, you know, like commit, like doing a practical amount of energy every single day. This right. is six house. This is more about your routine and your habits, not necessarily balls to the wall, as much energy as you possibly can the first time. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense for a Mars Saturn square and that tension between needing to find the right balance and not going too far in one direction or another. Yeah. And I mean, the Jupiter trying to Mars too, which is later on in the month can like, like that was a really good point that you put up, like putting out too much. It can feel very exhausting. And I mean, Saturn is all about time. And I really think this is about time management mm. as like, I mean, even though there's all these positive things going on, I think at the end of the day, it is going to rely a lot of, is going to be time management. Definitely. Brilliant. Well, I think I don't think there's anything else for us to cover. So that's pretty much the horoscope for January, right? Yep. I think we got that all good. Cool. So where can people people find more information about you? Um, if you guys want to check out my YouTube at White Light Astrology, I do a lot of astrology content. If you're on Twitter, I'm always on Twitter. Uh, follow me at White Light Cam. Uh, and if anything else, check out my website at WhiteLightAstrology.com. Definitely. And I'll put links to your sites in the description page below this video on YouTube. And I also just launched posters for this month for the 2019 Planetary Alignments and other astrology calendar posters where you can see some of the artwork that I use in these horoscope videos, but printed out for the entire year ahead, which you can put up on your wall. So you can find out more information about that at theastrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters. And I'll put a link to that in the description page for this video as well. So thanks a lot, everybody, for watching. Thanks, Cam, for joining me. Thank you for having me, Chris. And we will see you guys. Good luck this month, and we will see you again next month for the horoscopes for, for February. For February. All right. Hey, my name is Chris Brennan, and this is your horoscope for Sagittarius and Sagittarius Rising for the month of January of 2019. Joining me today is Cam White. Hey, Cam. Hey, Chris. And we're going to be looking at your transits for this month. Uh, so let's jump right into it. So here is a transit chart that shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the month and where they will end up by the end of the month. And I've also got an ingress chart which shows the specific dates that planets will change signs and when they will station retrograde or direct, as well as exact aspects or configurations between the planets during the course of the month. All right, so we are you are excited about this. <laughs> this this is your favorite one so far, I think, that you're pretty excited about, right? Yes. Uh all the water signs looked really good, but as a Sag rising this month, I mean like look at this, guys. Look at this. We're in for a great time this month. That is a nice looking chart. Yeah. Venus is not retrograde in our twelfth house anymore. Uh Venus and Jupiter are about to make a great high five uh and conjoin in our first house. We're gonna look beautiful, we're gonna be amazing, and people are gonna love us. And uh, there's just a lot of great things. So let's just go into it. I guess with the first thing with Mercury and the eclipse going on in our second house. Yes. So Mercury ingresses into Capricorn and into your second house of finances, Sagittarius rising uh, on the 4th of January. And then the very next day we have a solar eclipse, which takes place in Capricorn uh, on the 5th of January. And that is also taking place in your second house of finances. Yeah. And Mercury has been in Sagittarius and retrograde in their first house. So I know that's always a little bit weird. Mercury's in detriment there. However, as Mercury goes into, you know, Capricorn or your second house, it's definitely going to be more productive, definitely more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the awareness that Mercury brings and the understanding that he brings is definitely going to be solidified. Mm -hmm. And themes around the second house, like money, assets, physical possessions are really what's going to be played out in this, uh, at this time, Mercury being right there, is definitely communicating this message, wanting you to put more attention, wanting you to put more mental focus and have more clarity around this area. 
And I really think that's a big deal because the eclipse the next day is going to be there, which that means this is the first eclipse in for Sagittarius rising for the eclipses to be in their second and eighth house. Yeah, this is going to open up a whole sequence of eclipses in that that axis of the second house and the eighth house. So, so your money versus other people's money over the course of the next year and a half or so. And it's really going to accentuate that Saturn transit that's been going on for a year now that started in December of 2017, where we've had some themes surrounding like uh, sometimes setbacks, sometimes restructuring, creating new foundations, new structures when it comes to your financial situation. And some of that's been developing very gradually and very subtly for some people. But now that these eclipses are starting to take place, I think that's going to um, really start to congeal more and start to become much more clear uh, what's going on in that area of the life and how that Saturn transit is is sort of building up to something larger. Yeah. And this is like South Node eclipse stuff. This is like you know, what do you need to stop doing with your finances? How do you need to have better organizational skills around that? How do you need to discipline yourself and create more boundaries, create more limits, have more discipline uh, within your financial structure versus, you know, Saturn could also make it feel like, you know, Saturn in your second house is like, where'd all my money go? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes Saturn has this like constricting sort of um, motion to it so that sometimes you just have to like learn how to deal with less, learn how to get by with less learn that you can get by with less, that that maybe um, during previous periods you thought that you couldn't really do that, but that you find that it's not so bad or you find that that you're able to still function and be just as effective, if not more effective, when you're working with less than than before. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you're working with, I like that you said that, you know, working with less than before, because I feel like that's really going to be emphasized with Mercury going through there, because Mercury will, you know, hit Saturn and go through the rest of Capricorn, basically speaking that message of like, hey, what's the issues here? What's the problems here? Where do you need to, you know, live live to learn with or learn to live with less? Right. And where do you need to concentrate that and really focus all like, you know, your money or your assets or your physical possessions? Where can you really utilize those the best? Yeah. Mercury is really innovative. Like it will help to innovate and to figure out it's like a problem solving planet. Mm-hmm. And that over Saturn in the second house, like if you're having financial issues or if you're struggling in that area, I feel like that Mercury Saturn thing may feel a little bit more heavy on the Saturn energy. However, this is still just a good time to rethink and restructure how you really handle your finances. And with this eclipse here, there's a new it's a new moon. And this is kind of resetting the intentions, making you look at, you know, like, hey, what where do I need to handle my money? And I think what a big deal is too is that in six months when we have this uh lunar eclipse that's going to be in Capricorn, it kind of brings to fruition everything that we started here. This is going to be in your eighth house mm. of other people's money, of shared resources, of taxes and debts and insurance and inheritances. So I do think Whatever is being, what seeds are being planted right now are going to manifest in really big ways coming up here this summer. Yeah, definitely. So, so because this is a new moon, it's like a it's a solar eclipse, but ultimately a solar eclipse is just a new moon that's really amped up. It's um, a new moon is always the start of a new cycle, and it's laying the seeds or the foundations for something that will grow and develop and eventually blossom and become more clear or have a clear outcome six months from now. When there's a lunar eclipse in the same sign. So definitely part of the advice this month is to try to be deliberate about initiating something new and laying the, the foundations for something that will grow slowly over the next six months when it comes to your financial situation. And if you do so, it won't happen immediately. Like You're not going to see immediate results, but in the long term, you will start to see progress uh, over the course of the next six months to a year. Yeah. So besides the money stuff, though, let's get into the really fun stuff of Sagittarius, like Uranus going direct and Venus entering our first house. What? Uh, Uranus going direct, I really do think is going to be kind of interesting. 
because this is what you said, like the last station direct we have in Aries for until Uranus enters Aries again. Right, like a century from now or something. Not a century, but like eighty-four years or something. Yeah. Um. So this is the last of a seven-year-long transit of Uranus through Aries and through your fifth house, which started way back in two thousand eleven. Yeah, and Uranus is you know liberation, breakthrough, revolution, you know, inspiration, uh, big big ups and downs, explosions, and Uranus being in that fifth house area, like you know, romance, love, children, also art, creativity. I think Uranus has brought a lot of innovation here, a lot of different ideas, a lot of revolution and inspiration. Yeah, and I think as Uranus goes direct at this last degree, this is kind of that one last you know Uranus push of like, hey, get excited about this. What you know, maybe. Well, this is what's kind of weird about Uranus. It's very unpredictable. Right. So it's not to say, you know, oh, it's going to be really good or, oh, it's going to be really bad. It's kind of like, who knows? But it's definitely going to be in this area and it's definitely going to be helping you revisit that theme of, you know, Uranus going through your fifth house for the past seven years. Yeah. And definitely just looking back on it and sort of reflecting on some of the radical changes that have taken place in this area of your life since 2011. So the fifth house has to do with sometimes children is one of the most concrete manifestations, which is either your children or other people's children. It also has to do with, uh, like you said, sex and romance, um, creativity, which is sort of an extension of the idea of children, which is like that which you create, but applied more to artistic and other sort of endeavors of what are you creating or what are you putting out into the world and how has that changed or departed from what you were doing previously, sometimes in unexpected ways, and just looking back and getting a sense for what the last decade has been for you in terms of that. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, this is also a fun house, so I do think the Uranus part of it's going to be pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. But then immediately after that, the next day on January 7th, we have Venus ingressing into Sagittarius into your- well, And really quickly, before oh, we do that, what, uh, let's mention Mars really quick. Oh, yeah, we that need was, to talk about Mars in there. So yeah, yeah, Mars is in the fifth house too, amping that up extremely. So that And that started on New Year's Eve. So on December 31st, Mars actually went into Aries and moved into your fifth house, and it's going to spend most of the month moving through that sign. Yeah, definitely. And I th- with Mars being right there, I mean, Mars is a lot about, you, even though he has a lot to do with anger, frustrations, aggression, severing, cutting, he's also our energy. He's also how we you go about things, You know how we uh, initiate things. Mm-hmm. And as this is in the fifth house of this area, maybe you're wanting to initiate a new project you know, of something like a hobby or artistic creation, or maybe you want to do more things with your kids, or maybe Mars is going to start bringing up a little bit more of, not necessarily, I don't want to say like issues, but like just agitation, I think is a good word maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that Mar- this is happening, This Mars transit is happening the same time that Uranus is stationing direct because it's just showing. Uh, an influx of energy and, and focus on this area of the charter, on this area of your life for this month of January and a little bit into February. And sometimes that sort of uh, additional energy can overflow into tension or irritation or sometimes conflict. So you definitely want to be more careful not to do anything too impulsively or that you might regret later if you were in a, like a cooler frame of mind. But it can be really productive in terms of just like having more energy to put into that area than you otherwise would during different times of your life. Yeah. And the fifth house is just stuff that you want to do anyway. So I think Mars going through there is you're going to have more time and more energy to just put into your hobbies, things that make you personally happy. Right. Definitely. All right. So that's that's the transit. Now we can move on to- Now we could talk about Venus and Sagittarius. Yeah. I know you're very excited, <laughs> excited about this transit. So Venus on the 7th of January moves into Sagittarius- where it meets up with eventually and conjoins Jupiter, which is also, of course, moving through Sagittarius over the past few months and will be going through that sign for for most of the year. That's actually one of the main transits that's happening in 2019 is Jupiter 
transiting through Sagittarius, but this month Venus, the other benefic planet, catches up to it and we'll actually see it form a conjunction with Jupiter in the sky. Yeah, it's uh, pretty great. Uh, Venus has been retrograde in Scorpio and well, not, not just retrograde in Scorpio, but after it went direct in Libra, then it had to go through Scorpio again. That was in your 12th house, like a very rough area to have a Venus retrograde, a very weird area to have a Venus retrograde where Venus was kind of bringing up things that maybe you didn't know you liked. Maybe you didn't know you wanted kind of making that clear because the 12th house is hidden and repressed parts of yourself. Right. Things from the past as well sometimes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think as Venus starts to go into Sagittarius, into your first whole sign house, we're talking about your personality, your sense of self, like the body, just who you are just in general, your personality. Venus is bringing a lot more value to that. And Venus is in Sagittarius where she's wanting you to explore. She's wanting you to adventure. She's wanting you to look at different opportunities and wanting maybe to learn something something new, grow into something new, discover something new. And I think that's only just going to get more and more emphasized as she later makes a conjunction to Jupiter, Mm -hmm. which is also in your first uh, whole sign house, which is also like wanting to bring uh, expansion to yourself, wanting to open up new opportunities and new doors for self-discovery and self-understanding. So I think Venus is just really bringing the value and the emphasis right here. Uh, Venus is bringing the, the love, the beauty, the actual creation, like actually bringing things together. So I just think this is going to be a positive time for more of understanding yourself, more of expressing yourself and being more of who you are and finding out what exactly that looks like. Definitely. And since the first house, the first house in a chart, in a birth chart, if we're looking at this from the perspective of Sagittarius rising, the first always represents both the body as well as the mind because the first house is where the sky meets the earth and ancient astrologers sort of interpreted that symbolically as sort of like the soul or the person's spirit uh, sort of meeting their body and the the combination or the union between the two. So as a result of that, the first house has significations. And when planets go through the first house, that relate both to our physical body as well as to our mind or our character. So uh, Venus is just here complementing some of those themes of growth and expansion that Jupiter is going to be promoting all year as it's going through your first house. But with Venus, it's going to bring some additional factors that have to do, especially for some people with with aesthetics. Mm-hmm. So a first house of Venus transit can sometimes be like, you know, getting a makeover, trying a different um, sort of look or a different physical appearance, something you know that makes you feel better about how you're presenting yourself to the world, even if it's something minor. Uh, sometimes even the smallest change can be really notable. And if you're looking to actually do something like that and like pick an astrological time that would be auspicious for some sort of change like that. Uh, I think we, we can agree that maybe the exact Venus-Jupiter conjunction might be the- I was like, don't tell me right now you're going to go straight into this. Yes. There it is. So the, there here, it is. this is the actual <laughs> chart for Venus catches up to Jupiter around 15, 16 degrees of Sagittarius and exactly conjoins it around January 22nd, I believe. Uh, and, and that's going to be a Venus-Jupiter conjunction that you'll be able to see in the night sky- uh, just a bit before sunrise, it will uh, be beautiful. Yeah, it's going to be really nice because you'll you'll be able if you if you wake up early, if you stay up super late, go out, look at the night sky around the area in the east where the sun rises each morning, and a bit before the sun rises that day, you'll see these two really bright white twinkling stars coming together in the sky, and that will be Venus and Jupiter. And what's great about this Venus-Jupiter conjunction too is it's literally right after the sun ingresses into Aquarius and we have the last total lunar eclipse in Leo. And that's happening in your ninth house, which is kind of a big deal. The ninth house is of spirituality, beliefs, religion, far distance travel, um, higher education. And as we've had these eclipses or the North Node 
going through Leo, going through Aquarius, and as the North Node being in Leo is wanting you to, you know, discover more parts about yourself, understand more parts about yourself, you know, Leo being that identity, Leo being um, the self, the, I guess, I like to say the more integral part. Mm. And as this, as we've had these eclipses going through here where you've been learning and discovering more about that solar energy that you have, this last total lunar eclipse in your ninth house is kind of highlighting and bringing in a lot more of an emotional aspect, an emotional look uh, at kind of closing out that chapter of what did you learn about yourself? What did you discover about yourself? Where did you learn to grow? Where did you learn to... Um, I like to just use more. What did you learn about yourself? Yeah. As far as beliefs go and capabilities. Definitely. Especially with the ninth house. And and since those eclipses over the past couple of years have been bouncing back and forth between Leo and Aquarius and between the third house and the ninth house for those with Sagittarius rising, it's really um, this question that's been happening over the past few years for them about what you know versus how you communicate it mm-hmm. and going back and forth between learning more and then relearning how to communicate it differently um, when your knowledge of the world keeps changing and growing and developing in, in largely positive ways. So this is the final sort of piece of that, the, the last eclipse taking place in that axis. And this is the final sort of culmination where you get to sort of look back and realize how much realize how much you've learned, both about yourself as well as the world in general over the past couple of years, and then finally be able to really put that into something concrete and put it into practice in your life in a very practical way. Yeah, it looks it's it's definitely a very positive eclipse, especially with Venus and Jupiter conjuncting at like the same time too. It's just going to be a really good time to re- discover, understand more about yourself, and look back at you know. What you said, like, you know, what did you learn versus how did you learn how to express that better, communicate that better? Right. Look at that grand fire trine that's mm. happening there in that third quarter of the month. We've got the Venus Jupiter conjunction in mid Sag. We've got Mars moving through mid Aries, trining that. And then we have the moon. It swoops in and completes a grand fire trine from the middle of Leo. I'm buying a lottery ticket that day. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> looks looks good. Um, and then after that, just a few days later, we do have Mercury going into Aquarius into your third house. And I think this is going to be important a little bit later on, a few days later, when the sun and Mercury conjunct in their third house in Aquarius, because this is happening at eight degrees Aquarius, which is just about a degree off from where that Mars station retrograde was earlier the summer of 2018. Right. And so as Mercury goes into Aquarius, where it's out of the second house now, it's not necessarily about financial matters and things like that. It's more working on, you know, what are you learning? What are you uh, communicating? What are you expressing? You know, the third house is, it's very mercurial in a sense, but I think the big difference is, is going to be Mercury is more of like, you know, the the problem solving, like I guess the, uh, the how-to versus the third house is like the expression of that. Mm-hmm. The third house is how that can kind of come out. And the third house also has a lot to do with how you really utilize yourself. Like, you know, the first house is who you are. The second house is what you have. The third house is how you use it. And as you have Mercury going through there, wanting to communicate ideas, rethink different things, this is Aquarius where you're kind of getting outside of the box. You're looking at how to connect all the dots, seeing different different perspectives. And I think Mercury going through this part, especially after this eclipse, is like, now that you've learned what you've learned with this eclipse thing, you know, how are you better expressing that? How are you better communicating that? What What is the message that you are communicating? What is the thing that you're trying to connect? Right, definitely. And I like that you connecting it to that Mars retrograde that occurred last summer when Mars stationed around the same degrees in Aquarius in the third house, just because for some of the Sagittarius people, that was kind of a rocky time and there was some like um, conflict in communication. Some people were a little bit more irritable. Some people had 
sort of a falling out with some third house figures in their life, like siblings or close friends who are like siblings or other relatives, and sometimes just having Mercury swoop into the same degrees and then conjoin the sun seems like coming in and cleaning up or reestablishing and opening some of the lines of communication that had been severed previously by Mars. So that seems like a largely positive and sort of useful transit to have. Yeah, it looks like it's a great opportunity to see things from a different angle. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that's just going to be a really positive thing, especially after that Mars retrograde. Brilliant. Um, yeah, it's a it's a cleaning up or like sweeping up phase, which is a good uh, in in Vedius Valens in the second century. He says one of the significations of Mercury is uh, the temple temple sweepers. Temple sweepers. Yeah, Ooh. the guys that literally come in and sweep up the temple, and that's kind of what Mercury is going to be doing here after the Mars retrograde. It's like Mars goes through a certain part of your chart and just creates chaos, and then Mercury comes in later, a few months later, and just like sweeps it up. Yeah, that's a great analogy for that. Yeah. So are there any other major transits that we meant to touch on this month? Uh, I know we've got some other outer planet stuff. Uh, I mean, we could touch on the Jupiter-Neptune thing. I don't. I think it's going to be interesting mm -hmm. because Neptune in the fourth house is making the living situation, parents, ancestry, um, you know, where you're living, where you send yourself, a very foggy area. Like it's not really, it's not defined. It's not ex exactly clear. Mm -hmm. And as Jupiter's in the first house of Sagittarius wanting to expand and grow more of the personality, I think that is going to have a little bit of conflict of like, Hey, is that something that is necessarily you? Mm -hmm. Is that something that, you know, discovering more about yourself and you may be learning something that you were, you maybe start doing something or being more something that's along the lines of your family that you didn't know of. Right. And it's not the biggest deal in the world, but I do think a lot of this Jupiter exploration of sense of self and personality is going to get a little bit in the mixture with, you know, family and ancestry and your parents and how they did things. Yeah, I like that. That's a great interpretation. So this is the first of three exact Jupiter-Neptune conjunctions or, or sorry, squares that are going to take place this year starting on January 13th. And this is going to be Jupiter transiting through Sagittarius in your first house of self squaring Neptune, which is doing a very long, like decade-long transit through your fourth house of your home, your living situation, your parents, and your sort of ancestry in general. And that's a great interpretation because it seems to create some tension through the square between um, your sense of self and, and Jupiter bringing through that transit some cycles of growth and expansion about who you are, what you think about yourself, and how you differentiate yourself. But then some sort of tension between that versus your sense of ancestry and where you came from and 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 sort of yeah what your origins are and somehow that conflict or that tension between those two eventually being um productive but at least in the opening phase of this very first square since we'll have 3 of them this year it might set up or create a problem that needs to later be rectified or needs to be fixed through the course of the subsequent two squares that'll take place later this year yeah, when you were saying that, all I was thinking in my head is, it's not a phase, mom. You know, like <laughs> growing more of yourself and your parents are like, oh, I don't really know how I feel about that. Right. Yeah, that's what, and it, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be the worst thing in the world, nor the biggest deal. We have way more bigger things happening this month. Mm -hmm. But at, like you said, there's going to be three transits of this. So it's definitely something that's going to occur more and more over time. So definitely look how to make those connections with what kind of growth and self-discovery that you're doing at this time and how that's really being associated with your parents or your family or even your ancestry. Yeah, just pay attention to, especially around uh, within a few days of the 13th of the month when that first square goes exact, if there's any interesting and sort of unique issues or questions that come up surrounding first house topics regarding your sense of self versus fourth house topics regarding 
um, things like your parents or your your home and living situation or your origins. Because if there is any topic that come up, even if it seems minor or even if it seems like not a big deal, it may be um, opening up a sequence of events that's going to play out throughout the course of the rest of the year. Because what will happen is that the first instance of that will happen at the first square here in January. Then a few months later, it'll come up again in the middle phase of the story will take place around the second square. And then finally, the whole sequence will be brought to completion and you'll see a resolution of it towards the end of the year when you have the final Jupiter-Neptune square before Jupiter moves out of Sagittarius and moves into Capricorn. Yeah, and it may be something that's confusing, something that doesn't look right on the surface. It's just going to be a blurry area, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, but it should normally, especially for people with day charts where the Jupiter transit is going to be positive, whatever confusion or mystery sort of comes up regarding the fourth house, it should lead to personal growth for you in terms of your sense of self, either mentally or or physically in some way. Oh yeah, it definitely has self-discovery written all over it though. Definitely. The the journey, the inward journey of the self. <laughs> the inward journey. All right. I think that's it for transits this month. Do you have anything else you want to mention? Uh, besides this month is going to kick ass for all my Sag risings. Nope. All right. Well, hi- <laughs> high five to that. High all five right. to that. Two high fives. I'm Good job. I'm making these gifts, by the way. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. If anyone wants to make a gift out of this, please go nuts. Please do. Oh my God. <laughs> and all right. So thank you for joining me. This is great doing this this month with you. You actually do your own horoscopes on your YouTube channel as well, right? Yes, I do. Uh, I have, astro- have a YouTube account called white light astrology i do a lot of astrology content there as well as on twitter at white light cam if you guys are on twitter and do astrology there um if not just check out my website at whitelightastrology.com cool and i'll put uh, links to that in the description below this video for those watching the video version on youtube and also i just launched posters this last week that show the planetary alignments and all of the artwork that i use in these horoscope episodes except you can see it for the entire year of 2019 So it shows all the planetary ingresses, the retrogrades, the exact planetary aspects, and everything else so you can track your own personal astrology. So you can find out more information about that at theastrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters, and there'll be a link in the description page below this video as well. So thanks a lot, everybody, for watching this month. Uh, Good luck this month. Have a great time, and we will see you again next month for the horoscope for February. Hi, my name is Chris Brennan from the Astrology Podcast, and this is your horoscope for Capricorn and Capricorn Rising for January of 2019. Joining me today is Cam White of whitelightastrology.com. Hey, Cam. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. Uh, We're going to be looking at the transits for Capricorn Rising for the next few months. Uh, Let's jump right into it. So here's the uh, transit calendar that shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the month and how far they'll get through the zodiac by the end of the month. And then we've also got a planetary ingress calendar, which shows the specific days that different astronomical events happen over the course of the next few weeks, especially sign ingresses, but also exact aspects and stations. So let's let's start at the top of the month. What are we what are we starting with, or what are we looking at at the top of the month? Um, I mean, besides the Mars ingress into Aries, uh, we're looking first thing is Mercury hits Capricorn, and immediately after we have that uh, new moon eclipse in Capricorn. And this is all happening in your first house. So this is a pretty big deal for you guys. Um, right. So the first house is the house traditionally in astrology associated with both the body as well as the mind. And that has certain spinoffs like being associated with like the character, with the appearance and other things like that of the native. Yeah. Uh, personality, like your body, how you look, how you just, I always like to look at it as like the first house is you. So let's just talk about you as a, not just that, you know, a certain part of your life, but you as a person, you like, and what you wear, how you react, how you respond. 
Right. And your sense of sometimes even like selfhood, like the first house being the place of self versus the seventh house being others, or the fifth house being children, or the eleventh house being friends, or the fourth of parents. The first is really about self and who you are, and sometimes even just your understanding or conceptualization of that, of what that means and who you are in your sense of selfhood. Yeah. The first house I always like to relate to is the I am. Um, and I mean, with Saturn's already been in there for a little while, so you've got a taste of Saturn in your first house. Under you're you're under construction, um, and I think as Mercury goes into Capricorn at the beginning of the month, you know, uh, or you're you're a Capricorn son, it's your birthday and happy birthday. Um, but as Mercury goes into Capricorn and goes into your first house, I think this is where you're going to be able to unlock a little bit more of yourself, be able to more express yourself and communicate more of your own ideas and how you feel about things, how you want to go about things in just a more simpler, mundane way. Um, yeah, definitely like restructuring of self. So sometimes that can be like your your body or your mind. Sometimes it can be your mind or your character. But for some people, we got some feedback. The homework assignment last month for last month's horoscopes was, what's the past year of Saturn and Capricorn been like so for you so far? And have you seen some things start to change or develop in your life? And we got a lot of great comments on last month's horoscopes. I'd recommend people go back and read them to get some idea of what other people are dealing with because it helped to like kind of crowdsource the interpretations of Saturn going through the first house or going through the rising sign and some of the early developments that are taking place there. Um, so sometimes uh, the first house can very literally deal with the physical body though and sometimes like having to change or recalibrate things about your relationship with your physical body and to make alterations in order to ensure you know something as simple as like longevity or that you're doing well in the long term by changing things like you know um like diet or or exercise or other types of physical regimes that are important to maintain in order to achieve overall like long-term health yes yeah, that could be like reshaping things about you or wherever house that he's in um but yeah, I think Mercury going through there, and he'll eventually make a conjunction to Saturn. Um, I just think that's just really going to be the mindsets on you, the you know overall mentality. I think is going to be like you know January twenty nineteen, New Year, New You, taking a look at yourself. Mercury is you know of course communication and expression, but he's also your mindset. And as he goes into Capricorn, I think this is just going to be more of like what does need to be addressed, what does need to be. Um, focused on, you know, the Saturn things of basically, you know, like what do you need to do? <laughs> right. So that Mercury ingress takes place already right away on the 4th of January and then the, immediately the next day we have the first solar eclipse taking place in Capricorn on the 5th of January and this is the opening or the first of a sequence of solar eclipses and lunar eclipses that's going to take place in that sign over the course of the next year or two. Yeah. Um and I I mean, this is the new moon in Capricorn. This is the eclipse. This is that first eclipse too. So I think there's going to be a heavy emphasis on you, like what what needs to be addressed with you, your personality, your sense of self. It could be your health, like your body. Um, but it is a new moon. I think this is just taking both the luminaries, focusing on one house, and that one house is your first house of you and yourself. I think this is just bringing the focus onto you and what new intentions do you want to set? What new... Um, Oh, what's a good way to put it? I guess like new structures you want to implement, new yeah. systems of operations you want to implement. Like a new laying a new foundation for a house or, mm -hmm. or laying the seeds is, is a particularly common metaphor, laying the seeds that will eventually grow and sprout into something else six months later when we have a, a lunar eclipse there in the middle of the year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's a really good idea. And that idea of like selfhood is kind of abstract and it's a little hard to, to convey, but it becomes more clear once you start getting the other side of that eclipse series later this year, which is going to be some 
eclipses taking place in Cancer in the seventh house, which is more focused on other people and especially close interpersonal relationships and partnerships, especially romantic relationships or sometimes marriages. And so this um, Capricorn eclipse is really opening up a sequence or a series of um, tensions in some way, but not necessarily negative ones between defining your sense of, of who you are versus defining your sense of like who you are when you're with different people and what role close relationships play in your life and the interplay and kind of give and take between those two areas of your life where sometimes you have to put more emphasis on one and less emphasis on the other and sometimes it shifts back and forth like a sort of like a seesaw or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's part of what I think is going on with this is opening up a sequence of events where that's going to become increasingly important trying to find a balance between self versus others over the course of the next couple of years. Yeah, and I mean this is the south node too. This is like, you know, learning from your past, looking back at what worked in the past what um and also leaning towards what you need to do f- to for other people since the north nodes in that seventh house area like how do you have to change yourself in order to work f- more functionally with other people? Right. Um, so this is building on, of course, the Saturn transit through Capricorn that's been happening over the last year, but this solar eclipse is really going to act as a trigger to set in motion some of the major changes that were probably only sort of subtly building up from that Saturn transit um, since last December of 2017 when Saturn first went into that sign. Uh, what else is going on this month? So that's that's the beginning stuff. We've just got a ton of activity taking <laughs> place in Capricorn. You mentioned briefly Mars going into Aries because that actually happens starting December 31st. So basically right away on New Year's Day, we have this notable transit of Mars moving through Aries and through the fourth house for those with Capricorn rising. And the fourth house, of course, has to do with the home, the living situation, parents, family, one's private life. Um, what other fourth house? Are there any other fourth house topics I'm missing? I, I don't. I don't uh, That's pretty besides where buried, but you know uh, the dirt. Right. Um, I like using the fourth house too. Dane, Dane Reggie talks about this in his houses book. It's like where, how you center yourself and where you're centering yourself. Okay. Um, and I always thought that was a compelling thought to use for the fourth house. Mm. Um, however, I think Mars going into Aries is going to kind of like yeah, I think there's going to be some issues brought up in that area only because it's going to be squaring, you know anything in Capricorn, it's squaring your ascendant, squaring your first house. It's going to square Saturn eventually too and square Mercury. And I think that Sat or Mars being in Aries where it is charged up, it's in his home sign, even it's going to be powerful where like, yeah, you're going to be addressing issues there and being able to maybe, you know, maybe you have some home improvement you want to do, or maybe you want to, you know, uh, situate some things with your parents or your family, whatever it is. I do also think though, it's going to be, there's going to be some problems uh, coming up with that and how you are addressing those problems is going to be a big look also at the Capricorn stuff in your first house, you know, changing self, working on yourself and what problems, what issues, what things are arising in your fourth house that are making you have to address and change certain things about who you are. Yeah. I mean, best case scenario, it's like Mars going through the fourth house is going to bring a lot of increased energy and focus on fourth house matters having to do with the home or the family and their, your private life. But sometimes that excess energy can boil over and it can be tensions or sometimes strife in that area. And certainly that's a good point about it squaring all the Capricorn stuff because then, of course, that means it could be indicating some tensions between one's sense of selfhood and one's like physical or mental vitality versus whatever's going on in the home life and and what's going on in the home life especially for those with day charts potentially since mars is more difficult by day causing some tensions with the the person and their sort of mental state during the course of the month so this is a trend that's going to be lasting all month it's going to be moving through the fourth house and it's going to 
bleed over a little bit into February when Mars continues to move through Aries and then eventually goes into Taurus. Um, yeah, it's it's complemented by one other transit though, right? Which yeah, is, the Uranus stationing direct. Yeah, right. That's that huge. That we were talking about. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, because no, that's actually only that's one of the early transits we can see on the ingress chart here on December. What is it? Fourth, fifth, December sixth. We have Uranus stationing direct in Aries for the very last time, and this is the end of like a seven-year-long transit that's been going on ever since 2011, when Uranus first moved into Aries and into the fourth house of those with Capricorn rising. So Uranus often represents sudden. Um, somewhat unexpected or, or dramatic um, changes and sort of revolutions in the area of a person's chart and life that it goes through. And so for you, it would have been over the past seven years, a lot of fourth house stuff having to do with either the home and living situation in private life or potentially a relationship with or the actual lives of your parents. And at this point with Uranus making its final station in that sign, we have the sort of culmination and completion and the wrapping up phase of whatever that transit has been about for you, been about for you since 2011. Yeah, one last big kaboom in that area. Um, and I mean, it's it's Uranus. It's ups and downs. It's you know, it's trying to. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, expect the unexpected. Like mm-hmm. that's Uranus. So, and I'm sure you've had that for the past seven years. You've got quite a taste of it. So just expect one last kaboom of that of big ups and downs, you know, liberation may feel, you know, free of that area. You also may feel tied down by that area, wanting, making you wanting to feel, you know, trying to feel more free from it. But, you know, you're honest going direct, I think being with Aries and Mars in Aries as well. I think that whole fourth house area is just going to be very much intensified Mm -hmm. of both with the Mars energy and the Uranus energy. Yeah, definitely. And uh, certainly it's going to depend on like where the specific degrees are in your natal chart in terms of whether the Uranus transit is like wrapping up or whether this is the final, this is actually the high point or the focal point of it if you have stuff in like late Aries in your fourth house. But for some of you, it might just be looking back and reflecting on how radical the changes are or have been over the course of the past decade since 2011 in your home or your family life. And um, having one last sort of not hurrah, but one last sort of taking it all in and realizing how far you've come and how much things have changed over the course of the last seven years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, immediately after that, we have Venus moving into Sagittarius, which is moving into your twelfth house. And um, I mean, I, the one thing I wanted to hit on it was like you know, Venus has been in Scorpio forever now, and as she finally gets out of your eleventh house. Um, She's flying forward, goes into Sagittarius into the 12th house. I think this is when things are going to take, what were we saying, like an internal turn? Yeah, well, what's <laughs> ironic is like Venus and Scorpio, even though it's otherwise kind of more of a introverted, introverted or even like a darker sort of transit normally for a lot of people, that's the 11th house of Capricorn rising. So it very well may have been more of a social period for a lot of the people with Capricorn rising and could have been an increased or a more positive period of like social interactions and building alliances and making new friends. Or having friendships be important or having important changes in friendships. But now Venus is finally done with that several month transit due to the retrograde through Scorpio, and it's moving into the more retiring, a little bit more isolated 12th house where it's joining Jupiter. Yeah. And I think Venus in, in Sagittarius in the 12th house is just enjoying, you know, alone time, enjoying exploring, you know, what you always don't get to do. The 12th house is hidden areas, uh, suppressed, unacknowledged parts of yourself. Um, Hidden things. It's the it, I like to use the analogy of like you know the twelfth house. If you want to look at where the sun's transit is, it's like right when the sun rises. You know, people are waking up. You know, people are both asleep. You know, the world's starting to turn on and become awake. It's this place in between worlds is like what the twelfth house is called. And I think mm-hmm. as Venus goes into Sagittarius, where she's explorative, she's 
valuing learning and discovering. And this is that 12th house of that area of maybe suppressed parts, unacknowledged parts of yourself. I think this is just going to be a good time to do some like inner exploring, some inner, you know, um, not necessarily like figuring out who you are, but just kind of bringing up things you might have repressed, bringing up things you may not acknowledge regarding, you know, uh, I mean, this is uh, Sagittarius. This is where Jupiter's at. This is where Venus is at. I think this has a lot to do with your beliefs. This has a lot more to do with um, how what you believe about not only sense of spirituality or religion, but about yourself or maybe um, like what we were talking about with Aries Risings, um, learning something new, right. discovering something that you didn't know that you liked. And this is also kind of like, oh, I didn't know that I didn't like this or I didn't know that I liked this. I didn't know that I enjoyed this. I didn't know that I want to learn this or I didn't know... I really value this because this is Venus and Jupiter. I think those themes of not knowing that you wanted to do something or not knowing that you valued something are really going to come alive and start to come out a little bit more. Right. Yeah. That Venus Jupiter conjunction looks like it goes exact at about 15 degrees of Sagittarius, 15, 16 Sagittarius around the 21st or 22nd of January. Mm -hmm. One interesting delineation of that, that this is, of course, complementing the year long transit of Jupiter through Sagittarius that we're still in the early phases of now that just started. When was it in November, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember if it, it close enough. Um, so we still have a long ways to go, but um, for people with day charts, that's going to be a much more positive transit. But finally, with Venus joining uh, Jupiter and Sagittarius, the people with night charts are going to have a much better time with this transit. One of the interesting obscure delineations for this, though, is that the 12th house was traditionally the place of quote unquote enemies. Um, which I've tried to like reframe as being, you know, sometimes you have your eleventh house people, which are people you get along with, and um, people. On the other hand, the twelfth house is more like people whose interests are not necessarily aligned with yours, or who you just don't get along with for whatever reason in your life. And everybody has some relationships like that to some extent. But having such a positive transit occurring in the twelfth house can sometimes be. More like a delineation of like reconciliation with enemies or reconciliation with somebody that maybe you previously had a falling out with or who you were not necessarily on good terms with. But with such a, a, a overall positive transit happening at this time, there's the opportunity to perhaps reach out and make amends with, with somebody who um, maybe you lost at some point, um, either deliberately or inadvertently. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's like a the 12th house is second to the eighth house when it comes to weird places and venus and jupiter being right there seems pretty positive definitely so that transit is happening then um let's switch back to the ingress chart we've talked about venus we talked about mercury we're getting really to the second half the later part of the month at this point where we of course have the sun ingress into uh, aquarius which it does every year into your second house on the 20th of the month and then immediately after that, on the 21st, we have the other major lunation, which is a lunar eclipse in Leo on the 21st of January, and that's taking place in your eighth house. So one of the areas that I always relate to the eighth house to is that it's the second from the seventh. So it's indicating other people's money or other people's finances with the seventh indicating other people and the second indicating their finances. And sometimes that manifests in really weird ways. If you have a partner, sometimes it can indicate something about the partner's financial situation. If you have a, a business partner, it can also indicate the same. Other times it can represent things like credit, um, loans, money that's owed to other people, and some sort of culmination of events where you're finally wrapping up a sequence of events that have been taking place over the past couple of years 
with respect to that general topic and sort of winding it down or bringing it to completion. Yeah, one like one like kind of like, you know, writing off all the paperwork and then everything's kind of smoothed out. Um, yeah, but this is also a total lunar eclipse. It is a full moon that is kind of like, you know, closing off that little section, but I do think it's going to be one, I think it's going to be somewhat of a positive thing, even though it's in the eighth house, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like, you know, shining some light where there was darkness. Right. Um, and so I think, yeah, not only closing up stuff from the eclipses, but I also think, you know, the eighth house has a lot to do with fears and anxieties and change and stuff like that. So I feel like this full moon in Leo is going to definitely be one last kind of like, big boost and like, Hey, if you're moving forward, you know, Saturn's going through your first house, it could be just draining your energy. That full moon in Leo, that eclipse may give you that one last, you know, I can do it. I can, you know, um, like the little engine that could, you know, (laughs) just, just go over the ridge. That's all you got to do. Right. Um, yeah. And the eighth house can sometimes have to do with other, you know, matters pertaining to like inheritance or issues surrounding mortality. Um, sometimes dealing with things or sometimes wrapping up things from the past or from things that you inherited from previous generations, either in a very physical way or sometimes in a much more metaphorical way. Uh, the eighth house has a lot of weird and interesting things like that in, the, in terms of the way that it sometimes works out. But yeah, it's a weird place. Yeah. So, anyways, this is probably not something new because it's a it's a lunar eclipse, so it's like a culmination or bringing to completion something that has been going on already for the past year or two. But now you're just wrapping it up or sort of bringing it to some sense of completion or closure. All right. So that is one of the last major things that kind of brings us towards the end of the month. I mean, we eventually have Mercury going into Aquarius on the 24th into, again, the second house of financial matters. And then we have a Sun-Mercury conjunction in Aquarius on the 29th, which could bring increased activity and discussion and sort of exchanges surrounding financial matters since Aquarius is the second house for those of Capricorn rising. Yeah. And I mean, like the second house is money, assets, uh, what you're, what you physically own and possess. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that Mercury sun conjunction is happening very, cl- pretty close to the Mars retrograde degree. And so I think this is just going to also, you know, Mars retrograding your second house that was probably dealing with financial issues, you know, dealing with things like that. And I think this Mercury sun conjunction right there is going to be bringing illuminating things also a lot more clarity and a lot more um you know mercurial type clarity of you know things are written in ink on paper and they're very loud and clear uh i think things are going to be cleared up around that area around financial matters around you know what you're possess like what you own what you possessed and things will start to uh what's a good word kind of clear up and not kind of close out what was going on in the you know the six months of yeah. 2018 of Mars retrograde. That's a really great point because this is the area where Mars stationed retrograde last year in the middle of the year. And so we had a lot of kind of more challenging activity or challenging energies surrounding financial matters during this time. So what we have now with the Sun and Mercury moving through there and then forming that exact conjunction is kind of like a cleaning up phase of maybe cleaning up in the, in the aftermath or the dust of some of that stuff that happened last summer here in the Northern Hemisphere um, and sort of smoothing it out, I, I think is what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I think that brings us pretty much to the end of the month. Is there any major transits that we forgot to mention uh, before we wrap this up? Besides Mercury uh, hitting Saturn and also Mercury's going to hit the South Node, the Sun's going to hit the South Node. I just, I mean, that all comes back down to your first house of, you know, yourself and understanding that more. Mercury hitting Saturn is kind of projecting that voice of Saturn really loud and clear. So, and I think we talked about that. That's on like the 12th and the 13th uh, is when 
Mercury and Saturn conjoin. Um, and that's just going to be more of like more of that Saturn theme coming out more alive, but also if you handle it in the more Saturn way, should be able to lower that, you know, yelling, or I should say, it's not even really that loud, but just uh, very seriousness. It's like when your boss, like, you know, addresses a problem that you have, it's like way more scary versus a coworker says something to you. Right. Um, so there's that. And then besides, you know, Mercury hitting the South node and that kind of area, besides that, nothing really. Okay. Well, great. I think that's, that's a good coverage. This is really opening up a lot of themes that we're going to see repeated and like echo at different points during the year, but it's kind of like January is like a concentrated version of the entire year of 2019. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to pay attention to some of the themes that start this month as being perhaps larger themes that will play out in different ways and, and have different re- resolutions through at different points of the year. Yeah, definitely. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for joining me for this today. Um, people can find out more information about you. You've got a YouTube channel where you do your own horoscopes each month. And what's the the name of that channel? Yeah. So you can check out my YouTube channel at White Light Astrology or youtube.com slash White Light Astrology. Uh, if you guys are on Twitter, follow me on Twitter at White Light Cam. Uh, and then if you just want to check out my website, it's at whitelightastrology.com. So other than that, you should be able to find me everywhere through there. Cool. And I'll put links in the description uh, below this video on YouTube. Uh, I've also got posters. Finally, I just launched for 2019, the Planetary Alignments calendars, which show all the ingresses and all the artwork that we used for this episode, except you can see it for the entire year and you can throw it up on your wall for quick reference about some of these transits that we're talking about. So you can find more information about that at the astrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters. And I'll put a link in the description below this episode on YouTube. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody, for watching. Uh, Good luck this month in January, and we'll see you again next month for the horoscopes for February. All right. Hi, my name is Chris Brennan, and this is your horoscope for Aquarius and Aquarius Rising for January of 2019. Joining me today is Cam White. Hey, Cam. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. We're going to be looking at your transits for the next few weeks, so let's jump right into it. So first is the transit chart, which shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the month and how far through the zodiac they'll get by the end of the month. Uh, Then we also have an ingress chart that shows when the planets will move into different signs, when the lunations will take place, uh, retrograde stations, and also exact aspects. So um, there's quite a bit going on this month. I'm trying to think where should we start? If we should start with chronologically, like what happens first, or if we should start with just like what are some of the more notable things that happen this month? Well, I think we should like, let's definitely talk about the Capricorn 12th house stuff because I mean, we'll be getting back to that, but I just think that's such a interesting place for things to be happening at versus you know with everything else that's going on there's a lot more positive things going on it's just the 12th house i think is a weird place that we should address first and especially with the first weekend of january we have mercury ingressing into capricorn and we have the solar eclipse in capricorn which is a new moon right so those two are taking place on the 4th and the 5th of january respectively yeah and that's in the 12th house where this is happening is such a i mean we were just talking about this is such a weird area the 12th house you know deals with uh hidden things uh suppressed or unacknowledged parts of yourself it deals with you know it's the place between worlds it's a very blinding or uh it's a blinding house or where you don't always see things it's hidden right um, and you were and you were hitting on the point where it's you know about enemies as well yeah i mean traditionally in ancient astrology the 11th house is about friends and those who support you or support your your life and the 12th is about um, the opposite of that, which is like people that don't necessarily support you or may work at cross purposes to you. And sometimes that's kind of an abstract concept, like the idea of quote unquote enemies, but sometimes it can be really relevant just in terms of identifying sometimes people in our life that are not as helpful as they could be. 
and what role they play, whether it ends up being a, a negative role or an inadvertently sometimes positive role when somebody that's like working at cross purposes like accidentally ends up helping you out unintentionally, for example. Mm-hmm. So um, this is, of course, part of longer term transits that we talked about last month of Saturn transiting through Capricorn and transiting through your 12th house over the course of a two or three year period that started in December of 2017. But this month, we really start to see some of that transit is going to become more um, active and more of the focal point in, in one's life because this first solar eclipse that's taking place in Capricorn starting on the 5th. Yeah. And I mean, with Saturn being in your 12th house, that's always a difficult thing to deal with. However, um, with the sun going through right there, I think this is where this is going to start to be illuminated. You know, when we're talking about the 12th house, repressed, unacknowledged things, problems maybe could be good, could be bad, but just more of inner reflection. And I think the sun hitting Saturn is like, hey, what's, uh, you know, we were talking about this with the south node being there as well and this eclipse that's on the south node or pretty much next to it it deals with you know what has worked in the past what has not worked in the past reflecting on where you set boundaries where you established walls in the past or maybe within yourself and what has worked and what hasn't worked and this new and i mean this is a new moon this is about resetting energy refreshing energy setting in new intentions yeah in the 12th house it's the very last house so it's kind of like the end of the cycle and it's the house that planets go through right before they emerge into the first house and sort of start the cycle or the sequence of moving through the houses over again. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I think the 12th has to do with this idea of endings or this idea of like reflecting on sort of how far you've come as those planets have transited all the way around your chart and right before they sort of start the cycle over again. So that can sort of be more of a contemplative or a reflective time in which you're reflecting on the past in which you're sometimes like letting go of of previous things that no longer serve you or having that you've grown closure. Out of. Yeah, closure. That's a great that's a great um keyword I think for this month with that um eclipse taking place in Capricorn because it's sort of opening up a sequence. It's not going to be the end. This is sort of this This is just the beginning. The beginning of the <laughs> end. I think that was actually one of the keywords that I either used for last month's horoscopes or that I sort of flirted with using uh, <laughs> uh, because, yeah, this is the first of a sequence of eclipses that's going to take place in your 12th house over the next year and a half or so. So it's sort of like um, you know starting to wrap things up and starting to get ready to eventually move into a new area or a new cycle of your life. But first, the question is, like, what do you have to let go of or what do you have to bring to completion? Yeah, it's kind of like just reviewing everything, just to double, you know, double check everything. Yeah, but I mean, the good thing is after that we do have Uranus going direct. Yes, so Uranus is going direct in Aries, which is the third house for those with Aquarius rising, and this is complemented by a Mars transit that's taking place all month, which is also going through Aries and also going through your third house of communication, short distance travel. Uh, siblings is a common thir- third house topic. What are some other third house ones? Um, your local environment, like your neighbors and things like that. Um, a one that I like to use, like I, I was referring to the, another video, I forgot which one. Um, but Dane Redger talks about this, uh, the third house being how you utilize things. Like the first house is who you are. The second house is what you have. And the third house is how you use it. Okay. And I think that's such a really good way to look at the third house because it has to do with, uh, you know, writing and journaling and writing things down like that. So it's kind of like, how do you utilize your words and your vocabulary to express what you're trying to do? And I think with Mars being right there where Mars is action, determination, drive, he can deal with issues and severing and cutting 
but he's in his home sign of Aries where he's wanting to accomplish and he's wanting to do. I think Mars going in through that third house area is really kind of asking you like, hey, what? how can you really utilize your energy? How can you best utilize yourself and where can you direct that and channel that into? And with Uranus going direct right there, I think that's that clarity, that breakthrough moment when, you know, Prometheus steals the lightning from the gods and and frees the people where it's like, oh, now I understand how I can be creative about this. Now I understand how I can really go about this in a very, you know, uh, not I don't want to say unique way, but in the way that's best going to utilize the energy that you have versus the resources that you have. Yeah, uh, this is definitely going to bring more energy and more focus on things like communication this month. Mars going through the third house, maybe more focus on travel, especially short distance, uh, but definitely want to be careful to um, some of that energy can sometimes boil over and into like strife or, or conflict or even verbal sort of arguments with people or argumentativeness. So you want to be careful about that, especially with third house type people in your life, which can be people like siblings, but also like close people who are like almost like your siblings practically. Neighbors. Neighbors, relatives. Yeah, conflicts. That's a great one. <laughs> Don't for, yell at your neighbor. <laughs> right. For Mars in the third house. And then finally, yeah, I love that. that so you're in a stationing. Um, at the very beginning of the second week or end of the first week, it's stationing direct in Aries on the 6th of January. And this is the very last um, station of Uranus after a seven-year-long transit through your third house. And Uranus always brings some sort of unexpected but typically very radical changes in terms of whatever area of the chart it transits through. And for you, going through your third house of communication and education and other things like that has probably brought a lot of changes and a lot of radical departures to the way that you communicate and express yourself over the course of most of the last decade. And so part of this very last station of Uranus in the third house this month is sort of looking back and reflecting on how far you've come since Uranus originally went into that house back in 2011. Totally. And I think and well, I mean, it's just exciting because I mean, we have Uran, we have Uranus going direct, Mars and Aries, and then the very next day we have Venus ingressing into Sagittarius into your eleventh house. So she's finally, you know, out of your tenth house where she was retrograding in Scorpio, and she's in eleventh house. Uh, she's, you know, flying towards Jupiter where she's going to give him a really big hug. And Venus and Sagittarius is about bringing that value and about finding and discovering things. And this is in the 11th house of friendships and community and networks and big groups of people. So I do think Venus going through this part is really exciting when it comes to terms of, you know, finding more people that uh, are associated with, you know, your beliefs or maybe finding a group of people to learn something new with um, or just having more friends around you of uh, valuing the people that you're surrounding yourself with. I think Venus ingressing into Sagittarius in your 11th house is going to be a very social time. Yeah. And that's really accentuating that Jupiter transit that started recently that lasts for an entire year of Jupiter going through your 11th house and themes of like growth and expansion when it comes to friends and groups and alliances and Venus going into Sagittarius and then catching up with and conjoining Jupiter around the 22nd is really just going to going to heighten and exacerbate that positive transit especially for those of you with night charts the people with day charts they're getting the positive or most positive Jupiter transit all year but the people with night charts this is when things really balance out and you get a really positive accentuation of that transit as well and look at it here it's actually forming a grand fire trine around January 21st or January 22nd where Venus joins up and exactly conjoins Jupiter at 15, 16 Sagittarius, and that's trying to Mars at 14 Aries, and the moon swoops in and completes the grand trine from the middle degrees of Leo. As uh, quoting Chris Brennan from earlier, a sexy grand trine. Yeah, that is, 
That is a nice looking grand trine, I have to say. And it is looking so good. So good. Um, yeah, especially for a fire sign like me. So I do think I do think Venus and Sagittarius is going to be extremely positive. It's going to be trining Mars, making that conjunction to Jupiter. I mean, Jupiter is in Sag in your 11th house. Like friends, networks, communities, big groups of people, that's coming. Like Jupiter is wanting to bring those gifts. And I think Venus being in Sagittarius is finding the value in that and exploring those options. Yeah, and the best thing you can do is to take this as an opportunity to put yourself out there and try to like form some of those relationships or form some new friendships or go out into a social setting that you've never done before because if you do if you do that, if you put the energy into that and if you make the first move, I think you're going to find this month more than any other time other people are going to be receptive to it and you'll be surprised at how well it goes in terms of being able to create new alliances in your life. That you didn't even have previously, or in some instances, to reconnect and um, reform or uh, sort of resolidify old alliances and friendships that previously maybe were a little bit more rocky or more on shaky ground. Yeah, I feel like this is nails to a chalkboard for Aquarius rising. Like, oh no, I got to go get friends. Yeah, don't isolate yourself this month. You got people that want to meet you and party with you. Go have fun. But I mean, after that, that's kind of like that middle part. There's just going to be some fun fire stuff. But then after that, we have the um, what the sun the sun ingress into Aquarius and the full moon in Leo. Yeah, sun ingress into Aquarius on the twentieth, and then immediately the very next day we have uh, a lunar eclipse that's taking place in Leo on the twenty first of the month, and that is in the seventh house of relationships for those with Aquarius rising. Yeah, I, this is this looks great. This just looks like I mean the chart that you pulled up earlier was for like the next day after that eclipse, and this is kind of bringing to culmination, bringing a last realization to things that you've dealt with with interpersonal relationships, one on one relationships. This has to deal with marriage. This also can deal with lawsuits or anything like that that you could be dealing with. Um, this full moon, it's a total lunar eclipse, so it's kind of like I guess very eclipsing in a, in a sense, but. I think this is bringing the idea of what have you learned about relationships? Where are you seeing the value? Where are you seeing the benefit? Uh, where are you sharing not only the, I mean, this is Leo stuff, very solar, very energetic, very loving, you know, where's that energy being reciprocated in relationships? Are you putting it out there and are you getting it in? Especially while Venus is in Sagittarius and Jupiter's in Sag in your 11th house, this is connecting to bigger groups of people, but this is also finding the one-on-one value, uh, extreme, like extremely valuable, and really, you know, taking heed with that. Yeah, and this is not something new that's just like suddenly coming into your life. This is like the completion of a sequence or a series of eclipses that have been bouncing back and forth between your first house of self and your seventh house of other people in your life, like especially close interpersonal one-on-one relationships in your life over the past couple of years. So what this is is a lunar eclipse is a culmination of events with respect to your seventh house where some of the themes and lessons that you've been learning and initiating over the course of the past couple of years really are brought to completion or brought to a culmination at this point so that you can see the outcome of some of the energy that you put out previously in that area of your life, especially six months ago when there was the last solar eclipse in Leo. We're seeing that be brought to completion now with the final lunar eclipse of that sequence. Yeah, and I just think I just think it's relatively going to be positive. Yeah, I mean, it looks pretty good. It's not like doing challenging things like some of the other eclipses. Like this, yeah, but and this is what I wanted to. I mean, we've been talking about this in the other videos, but immediately after that, well, not immediately, a couple of days later on January twenty fourth, we have Mercury ingressing into Aquarius, going into your first house. 
So Mercury being in Capricorn in that 12th house area, it's kind of like miscommunications, maybe not being able to fully express or say what it is that you want to say. Mm -hmm. But as Mercury goes into Aquarius in your first house where you can be more self-expressive, uh, communicate the ideas or how you feel about certain situations a lot more clearly as Mercury moves forward. And as we get to January 29th, Mercury is actually going to conjoin the sun at eight degrees Aquarius, which is just a degree off from where Mars retrograded over this last summer. Right. And um, that was a big deal. That was in your first house. Like that was a huge thing. It could have been right on your ascendant or somewhere near it. And I think that uh, Mercury sun um, conjunction that's happening in your first house is going to bring a lot more clarity to the issues and the problems that you could have had six months or however long ago that, yeah, <laughs> that retrograde was. Yeah, half a year, whatever last summer was here in the Northern Hemisphere in like mid 2018 when Mars was when it stationed retrograde in Aquarius and kept going back and forth over the rising sign of of those of us with Aquarius rising. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and some of the the tensions or sometimes the problems that that created, um, especially if they came from yourself, if you were the one that initiated them, with Mercury and the Sun now moving into Aquarius and then conjoining in that sign. It could be like um, cleaning up or, or or cleaning up after some of the chaos of that retrograde in the first house now that it's finally officially over. Mm -hmm. And I just think that whole, you know, the area of self as we get into January and February, the area of yourself before we get actually into your birthday, if you're an Aquarius sun, this whole time is really just going to start bringing up a lot more clarity, a lot more connection, a lot more like, okay, this is how I see things uh, through this perspective. This is how I can connect all the dots. I think a lot of that energy is just going to start coming at the end of the month, especially with in the earlier part of the month where we have all this 12th house things of hidden and repressed parts as we, as you kind of go through that and reflect on those things that are going to start more and more things are going to start making sense and more coming to um, your immediate uh, environment, your immediate like you know ideas and your immediate like mindset in a sense um, as yeah. we move forward into February. I like that. That's a really good point because it's like by the time we get to the later part of the month when the sun and Mercury move into Aquarius, um, they're moving out of that 12th house. So it's like they're moving out of that reflective phase. And then by the later part of the month when they form that conjunction in the first house, it's like communicating and being ready to communicate some of those insights you, that you had during that more reflective phase in the first half of the month. Yeah, being able to connect the dots that you sit there and reflected about. Definitely. That makes sense. All right. I think that's bringing us to the end of the month then. Is there any major things that we meant to mention that we forgot? I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, brilliant. Well, thanks a lot for joining me today. Uh, you actually do horoscopes each month on your YouTube channel, right? Yeah, I do uh, a lot of astrology content. If you guys want to check me out, at uh, follow my YouTube at White Light Astrology, or if you're on Twitter, follow me at White Light Cam, uh, or just check out White Light Astrology for everything else. WhiteLightAstrology.com, I should say. Brilliant, and I'll put links to those in the description page for this video below this video. Uh, I've also just launched posters for the Planetary Alignments uh, Astrology Calendar posters for 2019 where I use the artwork from some of these horoscope videos, but we actually put it on a poster so you can see the entire year ahead and track some of your personal transits on a handy, easy-to-use chart uh, for 2019. So you can find out more information about that at theastrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. I think that's it. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for watching, uh, and we will see you again next month for the horoscopes for February of 2019. So have a great month. Hey, my name is Chris Brennan, and this is your horoscope for Pisces and Pisces Rising for January of 2019. 
Joining me today is Cam White. Hey, Cam. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for joining me. Uh, And we're going to be going through your horoscope for January, and let's jump right into it. So here's the transit chart that shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the month and where they will end up by the end of the month. And here's an ingress chart that shows the specific dates when planets will move into certain signs, when they will station retrograde or direct, and when they will form exact aspects or configurations with each other. So where should we start for for this month's horoscope for Pisces rising? Well, let's start off with this 11th house stuff that we got going on. Um, I've, Friday was at Friday the 4th and Saturday the 5th. We have Mercury ingressing into Capricorn and we have the new moon solar eclipse in Capricorn in your 11th house. Um, this is going to really set the tone, I think, for Dece- or not December, <laughs> uh, January, because as Mercury's been in your 10th house and it was retrograding, it was squaring your ascendant or maybe it was squaring your sun. Mercury going into Capricorn is going to feel a lot more solid. It's going to feel a lot more uh, applicable. However, as it goes into your 11th house, themes of communication around friendships, around networks, com- like your the greater community. Uh, yeah, but mostly friends and or maybe even professional networks too. That's going to be more of the theme as communication gets established and what needs to be communicated is a big thing as well. Yeah, definitely. So the 11th house is the the house that has to do with friends, groups, alliances. And of course, Saturn has been going through your 11th house over the past year, starting in December of 2011. But I think this month where we have this very first solar eclipse that's taking place in Capricorn in your 11th house, that's really going to trigger some of the major events surrounding these 11th house themes that Saturn has almost sort of been building up to or sort of hinting at over the course of the past year. Yeah. And I think with, I mean, because I mean, on the first, we have the Sun-Saturn conjunction. Saturn's now out of shadow. He's flying forward. The 11th house, it's like, you know, what are you trying to establish and create and, you know, put a foundation when it comes to your friends and your networks, but also, you know, what friends, what groups of people that you associate with, where are they limiting you and where are they holding you back and where can you have some issues with? Yeah. And with Mercury going into Capricorn where that is going to be more of a theme, I do think that this eclipse though is really going to set the tone for everything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Saturn going through the 11th can sometimes be like a testing phase where certain friendships that um, if there's been problems with them, you have questions about whether these are whether they are still serving you in a way that's constructive and helpful, or if, whether you have to let go of or sort of separate yourself from some friends or some groups. And certainly, the the solar eclipse taking place in Capricorn is going to represent starting a new beginning that's going to play out over the course of the next six months with respect to friends and groups. So sometimes that can just be like deliberately trying to put more effort into building up friendships. Whereas in other areas, it can be letting go of old friendships that no longer serve you in a way that's constructive. Yeah. And this is, I mean, Saturn and Capricorn stuff. What's working? What's not? Is it, are these friendships effective and efficient? Are they supporting you or are they not supporting you? Are they holding you back? Are they limiting you? And I think this eclipse, it's, I mean, it's a new moon. Both the luminaries are focused on one sign of one house. It's about focusing on that, resetting new intentions and becoming more clear about what, not only what problems, but what good things are arising out of that 11th house theme. And that's really going to kick off, you know, January mostly is just the theme around Saturn, Capricorn stuff and the 11th house. Yeah, definitely. So aside from that, we also have uh, Mars is transiting through the second house for, for pretty much the entirety of the month. It goes in on December 31st and then spends the rest of the month moving through Aries. So Aries is the second house for those of you with Pisces rising and the second house has to do with finances material resources, possessions, and things like that. 
Um, Mars going through that house can indicate more energy directed towards that area of your life, but also it can indicate sometimes tensions or even conflict surrounding those things as well. Yes, it could deal. I mean, Mars in your second house, it's like what you're looking to do more with your possessions. You're looking to get more out of like your money, but it's also easy to burn money really fast. Yeah, um, spending money too like impulsively or too quickly. Yeah, you're like, I need to buy this now for whatever reason, um, right. rather than sitting and waiting on it. Like that's that's going to be a big theme, especially when it comes to networks and groups of people. I think that Mars Saturn square is kind of like you know who's in your realm of influence and you know how much uh, money and your assets and your possessions are you pouring into that and what issues are coming up, but. I mean, right after that eclipse, while Mars is still in Aries, we have Uranus going direct right here in your second house in Aries. Yeah, so that's on, it looks like the 6th of January, we have Uranus stationing direct in Aries, uh, yeah, right at the beginning of the month. Yeah, right in the second house. So, I mean, this is Uranus stationing direct is like that one last big boom before we have Uranus going back into Taurus. And Uranus is liberation, breakthroughs, revolutionary ideas, you know, extreme ups and downs. It's very un, you can't expect anything out of Uranus because it's the unexpected. Mm -hmm. So having that in your second house, it could be like, you know, resources and finances could have, you know, one last, you know, big up or down, like what I'm sure you've experienced for the past seven years as Uranus has been in your second house in Aries. Yeah. So Uranus first went in there in 2011. You said March of 2011, right? Yeah, March of 2011. Okay. So, and, and Uranus usually brings major changes and sometimes upsets or disruptions to whatever part of the chart it goes through. So, for you, that would have been uh, major changes and disruptions to your finances, your possessions. And sometimes, like even the way that you make money can sometimes have gone through radical change. But with Uranus making this very last station at the very end of Aries before it completely moves out of that sign and completes that nearly decade-long transit, it should really be, for most of you, more about looking back and taking stock of how much that part of your life has changed over the course of the past seven years rather than necessarily like all the radical stuff happening right now. I mean, for some of you, if you have stuff in very late Aries, that may well be it. But for a lot of people, it would be more of a retrospective sort of like taking in how far you've come since 2011 in this area of your life. Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, the next day we have Venus ingressing into Sagittarius, which I, it is a huge positive thing because you have Jupiter in Sagittarius right now, which is your 10th house of your career, your public guy, how you're recognized, can deal with your boss. But the end of the day, the 10th house is more of like how things are seen on a big, wide level, on a worldly level. And as Jupiter's been in there, you know, wanting to have more things happen in your career, have more big things happen in your life, as Venus moves into Sagittarius, where, I mean, she's out of Scorpio. I feel like for Pisces Risings, that Venus retrograde in Scorpio was a huge inner reflection time. Mm. Um, and as Venus goes into Sag, she's wanting you to explore and really value where you can go within that career context or where you can go in bigger general life things. Yeah, definitely. It's really accentuating that year-long Jupiter in Sagittarius in the 10th house sort of trend of like growth and expansion when it comes to one's career, one's overall life direction as well as one's public sort of reputation uh, which are going to be experienced no matter what with Jupiter going through Sagittarius over the course of most of this year of 2019 but with Venus moving in there at the same time and then eventually conjoining Jupiter later this month that's really going to bring a lot of those positive th career themes even more into focus than they were previously. Yeah, and I think Venus is just, I mean, Jupiter has gifts. Jupiter wants to give you stuff and bring you stuff. Venus is just that value of like, hey, I want to turn my direction towards this way. And as Venus, you know, goes through Sagittarius, conjoins Jupiter, she's also going to be trining Mars. Um, I think this is a lot of positive energy around themes of your career, around themes of just growth in that area alone. And I mean, 
This could deal with, you know, if you're someone young who's just starting out of their career, or maybe you're in the peak of your career, or maybe you're retiring. This could be another big thing too. Yeah, and take a look at this. This is a this is showing the actual date, January twenty first, twenty second, of the Venus Jupiter conjunction at about six fifteen sixteen degrees of Sagittarius, and right around the same time, that actually completes a grand fire trine with Mars at fourteen degrees of Aries, and the Moon swoops in and completes the grand trine around the middle degrees of Leo. Yeah, and I mean that's the next biggest thing too, which I wanted to talk about for that. Uh, for the sun ingressing into Aquarius and the last total lunar eclipse in Leo that's happening on the 20th and the 21st of January. Um, this is all trining the Venus stuff, uh, Jupiter stuff, and the Mars stuff. And as Aquarius, uh, not as Aquarius, as the sun moves into Aquarius into your 12th house, where this is kind of bringing light to repressed, unacknowledged areas, um, we have this last total lunar eclipse in Leo, which is bringing the culmination, bringing an ending and a sense of closure to things that have happened in the past year and a half with regard to the eclipses happening in the Leo Aquarius axis. Right. So um, one of the things going on, since this is a, a lunar eclipse that's taking place in your sixth house, the sixth house has to do with sometimes work. Uh, other times it can have to do with matters pertaining to health or illness. But it's not necessarily something new that's developing, but instead it's sort of the end result of a sequence of events that's been taking place over the past couple of years and a culmination or a bringing to completion that series of events with respect to your sixth house. So it could be finalizing something with respect to work, since we have a lot of other sort of career and financial stuff going on this month. It could also be uh, bringing to completion some sequence of events with respect to health matters, since that's also a common. Sixth house topic, yeah, and this is and this is just highlighting all of that, bringing a closing into it, making sure you know, like it's even though the eclipses are over, that energy you could still kind of carry on, like that full moon and Leo on the sixth house. Like, what do you want to do every single day? You know, how do you want to feel every single day? Right. Um, and I think that's going to be a really big deal, um, and especially because it's going to be trining the Venus Jupiter thing that's going on in your tenth house. You know, are, do you have the energy to? put all of the stuff that you want to in your career and bring all of that energy out and alive. And then same thing with Mars in the second house. Do you have the resources? Yeah. Do you have the resources and what's it going to take to accomplish some of those things? But I mean, it looks relatively positive. I mean, even oh, though there's totally. the, the potential for greater expenditures in the second house when it comes to finances, sometimes that's necessary in order to go up to and to reach the next level in order to sort of like reinvest in yourself on some level. Yeah. You got to spend money to make money. Definitely. Um, but after that, I mean, a few days later, we have Mercury going into Aquarius, which is then entering your guys' 12th house, which um, I think Mercury going into Aquarius is going to be quite interesting. Uh, the 12th house is hidden, repressed parts, can deal with enemies, can deal with, you know, um, it's a very, it's just a very interesting place. And as Mercury goes into there in Aquarius, where Mercury is wanting to communicate, Mercury is wanting you to think about things. This is uh, Aquarius was about connecting the dots. This is about seeing different perspectives and making everything kind of come together in an efficient way. I think this is when you're going to start to have a little bit more uh, explorative energy towards um, understanding more of yourself. Like we were talking about with the 12th house with one of the other horoscopes is that it's like a time of closure and a time of um, reflecting and a reflection. Yeah. The 12th house is the last house in terms of the sequence, starting with the first house and going through all 12. So sometimes it can be about endings and closing things down and reflecting. And by extension, it can be a much more, more sort of internal and more reflective house compared to you know, previous, the previous month when planets like the Sun and Mercury were transiting through Capricorn or at the beginning of this month, 
the 11th house is a much more social house and it's about friends and groups and alliances. Whereas once you shift to the 11th, it's a lot more sort of retiring and more introspective and things like that as you close down one cycle and get ready to for those planets to eventually emerge into your first house the following month when the sun and Mercury will move into Pisces. Yeah, and then it'll be like your birthday if you're a sun in Pisces. But after that, after this, after Mercury goes into Aquarius a few days later on January 29th, the sun and Mercury actually make a conjunction at eight degrees Aquarius. And we've been hitting on this on all the other horoscopes that this is a degree away from where Mars stationed retrograde over this past summer in, you know, May, June, July. And we really, like, we were discussing this, you know, where Mars was bringing a lot of problems and aggression and, you know, frustrations in this area. Uh, this Mercury Sun conjunction really looks like it's going to be illuminating this area and bringing um, more problem solving energy to it. Like, um, what's a good way to put that? I'm like losing my yeah, words like right now. Problem solving. That's a really good thing because the Mars retrograde, the station in the 12th house, this, this 12th house is traditionally associated with like, um, quote unquote enemies or sometimes like people whose whose goals and whose focus is not in alignment with yours where, where they sometimes like work at cross purposes to you so that sometimes that can create conflicts having Mars go retrograde in that house during the middle of last year and with Mercury now moving into that house and then conjoining the sun it could open lines of communication with those people in order to smooth over feelings or in order to, um, you know, just sort of improve those relationships and, and make them so maybe they're not as difficult as they would have been last year. Yeah. And I think this is bringing just an illuminating uh, mercurial type energy to this. Like, you know, Mercury is all about ideas and being clear about things and being concise about things. So I think where that Mars energy being retrograde in your 12th house is kind of like, I, there's a problem, but you may not even know what it is. Mm -hmm. That Mercury sun conjunction looks like it's alleviating and bringing light to that to where you can kind of close out that chapter. I like that. That makes sense. It's sort of like illuminating an area that was otherwise um, sort of darkened or shrouded in mystery, but sort of un un unveiling it or uncovering something that was previously hidden. Exactly. Nice. All right. Um, so that we're getting towards the end of the month, I'm trying to think if there's anything we meant to mention in terms of transits that we didn't touch on so far. What do you What do you think? I think we touched on everything. I think we could hit on the Capricorn stuff a little bit more. I mean, Mercury going through Capricorn is a pretty big deal, just because he is going to conjoin Saturn. He will hit Pluto, which isn't really the biggest deal in the world, but later on after that, he will hit the South Node, and I think. Mercury going through this part of your chart in your house of friendships, and this is where the south node is at, and there's Saturn right here too. I think this is really going. Where do you need to step away from, and where do you also need to? How do you, how can you address these friendship things, this network stuff, this community stuff? How can you address it now? And that requires you to really look back in your past and to go, hey, what has worked before, mm -hmm. and how can you utilize that in addressing, you know. Uh, like big things of Saturn, like boundaries, walls, making sure things have a foundation, making sure things have structure and that they're disciplined and concentrated. Yeah. Um, setting appropriate boundaries with friends and groups and reflecting on the results of past actions and how that makes you feel and how you want to um, construct certain boundaries going forward into the future, I think is a really great theme, especially with Mercury most of this month transiting through Capricorn and through the eleventh house, and so some in, some increased exchanges and communications with friends, sort of coming along and being a part of that. Yeah, definitely. But 
besides that, I think that's mainly the theme. I think it has a lot to do with focusing on the friendship area, the community, the networks. But with Venus and Jupiter being in your 10th house and Sag, it looks like there's a lot of expansion and growth and value to be discovered in the 10th house, the 10th house area of, you know, career, public, uh, you know, public eye, the way people see you. Um, and the same thing with Mars being through your second house where you're trying to utilize what you have in this full moon in Leo and your sixth house, bring a culmination to, you know, ending and a completion to things. I think this is, I don't want to say a month of change, but almost like a, you're, you're going in the same direction, but you're taking like an alternative route. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's a great keyword for this month. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our horoscope for Pisces and Pisces rising for the month of January. So thanks a lot for joining me. You do your own horoscopes on your YouTube channel, right? Yeah. I have a lot of astrology content like horoscopes and everything like that. If you guys want to check me out, give me a follow uh, on YouTube at White Light Astrology. Or if you guys are on Twitter, follow me at White Light Cam or anything else, just go out to my website at whitelightastrology.com. Brilliant. And I'll put links to that in the description page below this video on YouTube. Uh, I also just launched calendars, the astrology calendar posters for 2019 for the astrology podcast. And it's the same artwork that I use in these monthly horoscope videos, but instead of just being for a month, it's actually for the entire year. So you can look at all the planetary transits at a glance uh, easily on your wall in a handy poster. So you can find out more information about that at the astrologypodcast.com slash 2019 posters. And I'll put a link to it also uh, in the description page for this video below the video itself. So thanks a lot for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. And thanks everyone for watching the horoscope. And we'll see you again next month for the horoscopes for February for Pisces and Pisces Rising. So uh, good night and good luck. <laughs> All right.